you know, sunset and we're sitting there skinning this deer, like in the middle of this river bottom and stuff. And it's like, amazing. Oh, that's it was badass. It's one of the funnest hunts I've ever been. Thought we were going to have to drink our urine on the way out because we ran out of water and we were pretty dehydrated. I wouldn't advise it. <laughs> I mean, if it's each other's, it's not that bad, right? Yeah. <laughs> Should we drink our own or each yeah, other's? You go, I'd be like, you go first. You drink <laughs> <everybody's>. <laughs> The Hunter Podcast is brought to you by Deer Grow. Heck yeah, man. Dude, we put a lot of food in the ground every year, you know, seemingly more and more, and uh, we have a ton of fun with it during the off-season. Uh, there's some struggles that come with it, too, though, right? Obviously, the back of my truck is evidence, you know, right now. It's mm-hmm. a couple weeks after uh, I jackknifed, you know, a 4,800-pound uh, material spreader, you know, as I was coming down, and it's just it was too much weight for my truck there. But, you know, all those struggles aside, you know, Deer Grow really has been a staple for our food plotting process uh, for several years now. Yes, we like to put lime and fertilizer on the plots, you know, if we can, but there are some that it's just we're not able to get to them or it's not feasible for us to get out of state with that stuff. And so Deer Grow is kind of the, the quick and easy but still super effective option for us to be able to get the most out of those food plots that we can every year. And I mean, we're guilty of overanalyzing things just like everyone else, but that's the best part about Deer Grow is that it's going to create healthier soils, which in turn makes better food plots. And the fact is, is we can simply spray plot start or plot till when we put the seed in the ground. And then when that plant starts to grow, we hit it with boost. And we know that we walk away when we come back, it's going to be a great looking food plot. For anybody that's looking to try Deer Grow, if you use the code HUNTER15, that's H-U-N-T-R-1-5 at checkout for DeerGrow.com, and save 15% on any of your Deer Grow products. It's a great way to get started on this and just see what the results are for yourself. Better food plots, bigger deer. And we're back. Hey, Hunter Podcast, episode 168. Nick, you're back. I'm back. I'm back, baby. <laughs> boys, you're back in town. We got Randall in studio. With Randall, us Eric yeah. in studio. Awesome. He fit. He fit in the <laughs> yeah, studio. Barely. Yeah. It's awesome. awesome. Yeah, I expected him to like have to duck in under the like doorway or something, but yeah, he made it. Ninja skills. Yeah, came all the way from <laughs> Western Iowa. Yeah, like 18 hour drive. All for us. We gotta yeah. wake, wake him up a bit. <laughs> he drove right. like almost through the night last night. He's got coffee. He's got rain and potentially bourbon on the deck. So I mean, we're <laughs> yeah. we're gonna figure I, out some way to pump that bourbon it up. out. I was like, oh, I'll bring oh, your glasses yeah. out. We'll yeah, splash in. We'll splash we'll on. Pump that. it up. Uh, yeah. Hey, you, go ahead. hey, thank you guys for listening. Uh, whether you're on uh, Instagram, no, <laughs> you could be. Yeah. Spotify, YouTube, you know, all the stuff. Wherever you're listening, Apple Podcasts. We appreciate you listening. Uh, thanks for yeah. Thanks for being here. Yep. We pay attention in the comments. Uh, we try to do our best to keep up with them. Bear with us. Uh, but we're kind of slowing down now. It is, holy shit, it's February 1st. It is. It's Mars yeah, wow. Groundhog's Day. Whoa. It's a big deal in Pennsylvania, Randall. Feels like we're getting oh, to about yeah. that time, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. That Punk Groundhog C. Phil, dude. man. Yeah. yeah. It's well, a great movie, Bill Murray. Is he going to see yeah. the shadow we'll, or not? We'll start with just a splat. We'll see how it feels. <laughs> just the tip. We'll see how it feels. <laughs> Full shaft, baby. <laughs> you want a little or? Huh? You want a little or? Yeah, no, I do. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I got to see how I feel, but we'll give you the, the fling cup here. A little flinter. Yeah, I'll take it. Uh, so it's February 1st. Uh, man, uh, Jared and I, was it yesterday we were talking? It's like February may be the worst deer month of the year. Yeah, I would agree with that probably. What do you mean? Well, I mean, January seasons wrap up. It's a tough month. Yeah, January seasons wrap up. So, like, you still have some hope. Honestly, I'm I'm encouraged that we're through February, uh, through January. Like, we did did that. Yeah. Here we are. February's the worst, right? I mean, that's the draft. March, at least, we're we're thinking next year, maybe frost eating, sheds. 
Like, there's a yeah. lot of things in March that feel good. February kind of could be, especially if they're not dropping. If they're not dropping antlers in February, it's slow. Honestly, I thought about, uh, I saw a little bag of clover there in the garage the other day. I thought about it. I was like, should I throw that in yet? Are we a little too early? Or it's going to depend what the rest of this month looks like weather-wise. If it's we're gonna, warm if we're right gonna, now. I mean, right now it is. Are we going to get pounded with more winter, though? Probably. Or? Yeah, probably. Yeah. It's inevitable. Yep. Inevitable. Yeah, yeah, I can't even talk. It's, 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 it's editable. Is that inevitable? Yeah. Man. Uh, no, we don't have any Lord. edibles, Randall. <laughs> it's all this caffeine. Yeah. Gotta balance it out with the bourbon. Yes. <laughs> Bring it back down a notch. I'm just a hillbilly. I can't talk anyways. Um, but yeah, so it's, you know, February is that time frame where it's like, eh, you know. We got postseason postseason scouting yeah i do a ton of that which i love it's bare bone woods at this point I there mean, are plenty of sheds on the ground i mean we've you found some already yeah i mean in ohio that's the only one that i've seen there's a handful that are starting to mm-hmm. two and three year olds and stuff but i'm starting to see half racks i'll put it this way i could go this saturday and i'm not going to i'm, I'm gonna hold off till i get back from vacation just because a lot are still holding yeah i was kind of a mixed bag most mm-hmm. are holding but some are dropping one side right now yeah 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 so it's you know especially you saw the one i found the other day Oh yeah, that was dope. Well, that and that's the when you can if they're coming in like consistently mm-hmm. in Ohio, you throw a corn pile out there. They are, you know, it's a great tool for shed hunting. So there he is, there he is, there he is, and the next day he comes in. I'm like, that's that's him. I went out and found it. The next oh yeah, day. yeah, Got a that, lot of mass on that. Yeah, it was a stud. It was a seventy inch shed. Yep. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, well, you talk about Iowa, especially on public. Like the last thing you want to do is push in and blow out an area when they're still holding. Yeah, for sure. You know that we used to talk about that in Kansas all the time. When we'd, we'd have a scheduled time frame, we tried to push it later and later every year because it was like, man, so many of these keep holding. And if we blow through an area, like, there they go. They're running with them on their head still. Mm-hmm. And know? the hard part is I do a lot of the public stuff. So mm-hmm. guys are they're going to be common. in regardless. Yeah. It's almost like hunting the rut. Guys from all over the country come and they shed mm. hunt and they blow all the deer off the public. So it can be tough to find it. You That's a good get, point. Yeah, and uh you got to get a little honey hole, something with food, or get some. Yeah. Sometimes I'll just knock on the door and just ask for one day just to walk around and look for sheds. Mm-hmm. That and seems like that would be pretty. You know, most people would be pretty good with that. Yeah, they kind of they let you in pretty easy because you're not hunting; you're just walking around. And some guys are kind of leery about it, but yeah, like what the heck are you doing, just walking around looking for a shed? But yeah, most guys know, so that's a good key because a lot of those deer get pushed off to public early. So it's kind of like hit or miss. Like, I don't find that many when I'm out postseason scouting just because of that. Are you trying to, when you do those door knocks, are you trying to position those closer to some of the public pieces you're hunting so you can maybe? Yeah, I try to look for, like, the best food area that's yep. around that block of public. It's night and day. Like, on our, you know, on some of our farms and stuff, it's years where we, whatever, we were slacking or just didn't get that grain food source in for January, February time frame. It's like, you might as well not even walk. Like, yeah. I've, I'll run cameras during that time still, and it's like, there's it's desolate. There's nothing there. But this year, like on our home farm, I got a 10-acre bean field. And I was like, I'm blown away. at the. I mean, you know, it's not, uh, it ain't Iowa, right? But oh, there's, yeah. I, I got a bunch of four-year-olds like hanging tight there, you know, one or two five-year-olds and stuff. I'm like, man, I'm pretty optimistic. When those start to drop, we'll be able to walk out and pick pick up a bunch of them. And, and yeah. Like if you really, fo- I try to focus on bedding areas too, like yeah. south-facing mm-hmm. slopes and stuff like that. Yep. So you can pick them up or transition zones. Honey locust pod, groves and stuff are good, like the secondary food sources. Yep. That linger late season, you can find a pile in there. But you, usually they concentrate up. So if you find one, you usually find a bunch. And yep. then if you're not finding them, you're just in mm-hmm. no man's land. Yeah. Agree. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's yeah. kind of all or nothing. Yeah. I think those Amish found that, that, uh, that match set in Ohio in a bedding area the other day. 
Yeah, they, were, they were starting to go in and cut up in a new area, and it's thick. So I would assume that's where they found them. It's a lot harder in those big timber areas. It's just, man, there's so much ground to cover, and it's like, uh, what? unless you know what they're coming to, it's it's, it's a neat one. It, it's really not rocket science. I mean, it's shed, shed hunting is... It's just looking, right? And it's just kind of knowing where, where are they going to be that time of year. Yep. And uh, I pretty much only shed hunt big woods unless we go out to like Kansas or Iowa or whatever. And so I don't, you know, if I find two or three sheds a year, I'm lucky. Yeah. And I'll put on a lot of miles. It's just. You want to come shed hunt our place this year? Yeah, probably. It'd be easy. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's just food. Yeah. Food. Yeah. I do have, I mean, I've got one on the ground in Kentucky I'm going to pick up. It's just laying in the picture. Yeah, that's a nice shot, nice. too. Um, he knocked it off in December. I watched him pop it, and it's laying in the trail camera picture. Uh, and they found those ones in Ohio. Uh, I've just, seen a few half well, Actually, I did find two, yeah. I went out to find the big mm-hmm. one. I found another, found another one. Two-year-old. So, I mean, they're there. It's it's definitely starting to get to be that time. But, yeah, I mean, if you don't have food, it's, it's tough. I mean, it's tough to see bucks in general right now if you don't have food. Yeah. You know, to see what even made it through the year. Yeah, well, Iowa had a massive acorn drop this year too, so I think the sheds are going to be more spread out this year because yep. they didn't really have to go to ag as much. <clears throat> yeah, mm-hmm. in fact, that was something I was surprised. I was up in the mountain uh, Saturday, Saturday or Sunday. There's a lot of big red oak acorns still on the ground that look like not rotted out, not putting on sprout yet. So I mean, they're they're in that stuff. Different in farm country, though. I do. I do like this time of year. From a st- it's almost like uh, it. It the deer just seem like. I mean, easy, easy is not the word, but it's like they're. Neither is vulnerable, but it's like dude, they're but they're pretty easy to figure out right, oh, yeah. right now. Like if you were to go out, if you have access to like you know anything, right? That's got a food source yeah. on it, especially. It's like it's, it's not, that's it. It's not really that hard. You can go out and you're like clearly, you know, they're they're coming from right here. I mean, especially where you know, where I'm at in the family farm there, it's like, there can only be so many places and oh, there's, yeah. there's only so many food sources. It's like, boy, it's, it almost, it almost makes you feel like, I mean, truthfully, it's like a lot of times my goal is to kill a four, a four-year-old buck. Right. And, yeah. then, or, and I'm kind of evolving. I mean, that's, <clears throat> you know, that's, that's a whole nother discussion, but it's like, truthfully right now, if I wanted to kill a four-year-old in Ohio, like it, it could be done pretty easily. I could go out probably tonight and do it. I, I think mm-hmm. I feel that confident. Yeah. They're just so tied to food right now. I mean, it, it literally is, if there is a reliable food source, those deer well, will continue to pour it, into dude, it. You, I'm just telling you, like, guys want to act like you can't kill deer over corn piles. Like, if I go out and dump a corn pile in a corner of a big bean field, I know a four-year-old that will be there t- tonight at yeah. 4 o'clock. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is the most vulnerable <laughs> time for those, those deer right now. Yeah. I think what's interesting is where some of these deer, you know, kind of post hunting season dispersed to because they have to find, they have to marry themselves to that reliable food source. Like, yeah, thermal <clears throat> cover becomes important and things like that. But I mean, it's food. That's, that's what it comes down to. And so, you know, if you, you can, you can tell too. In fact, I was looking at a property here in Western Pennsylvania the other day on the real estate side. And like there was uh there just started cutting one of the cornfields and I'm, t- I mean, it was freaking highways into this thing. Mm. So you know that these deer are just, they're just piling into that place because it, it is the the food source in the area, period. Um, yeah. But like most of the time, I don't know. I mean, are you seeing them? So I still see quite a few deer working on the bulbs in my brassica fields, but not, not as much as I probably would thought at this point. Yeah. I only had one of my three brassica plots really pan out like to where mm-hmm. I've got bulbs because I had to replant later in the year and stuff. But yeah, they're all eating pretty, pretty Your well. Beans though are what's really drawn. Beans on. seem to be pulling the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and I mean, that's, you know, again, if you think from an ag side, especially in like Iowa, like there aren't many people leaving crops standing if they don't have to. I mean, that's that's valuable land. Same with Illinois at the farm. Like they're not leaving anything standing there, man. I just, I love getting into woods so much this, this time of year. Like you just, it's, it just lifts the veil off of it. Like when I went out and walked that property and found that shed the other day, I was just like, a, a lot of it is stuff that I'd stayed out of since this time last year. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, for, for better or worse, it's like you go in and you see, holy cow, like this place is littered with sign. And it's like, it's, it's, if you know what you're looking for, you're like, boy, that right here is where I could kill this year next year, as long as he's still there or whatever. You can learn so much just just walking through the woods and just being in it, just experiencing oh, yeah. it. I have a lot of fun listening to like, uh, in fact, Johnny Stewart might stop in later today. Jo- Johnny, I know is, is good at that. And Bo, those big woods guys, uh, you know, Martonic from the north and stuff, talk a lot about what to look for mm-hmm. in those big woods off season scouting missions and stuff. And it's like once you've kind of figured it out and understand how deer are going to use terrain and topography and different food sources, like it's boy pretty doable right yeah. like oh, it, yeah. that's how i feel i'm like i can kill this thing like i met up with johnny in iowa a couple weeks ago when he came out and we got on deer pretty much instantly uh you know what i was texting johnny was he were you guys together at that time yeah yeah okay i can't was that november no it was uh october january yeah it wasn't oh, that long it would have been then he was i think he was hunting some i think he was hunting in illinois yeah in november yeah, he came out to Iowa late season, like January. He, he was in Ohio, and then he came out to you, right? Yeah, then he went back to Ohio. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the life, man. It's crazy when you think. I mean, <clears throat> I would say, I mean, obviously, take away, like, you know, that late October, November time period. This, if there is anything good about February, it's w- when the weather's right. It's my favorite time of the year to be in the woods. Just from uh, just being out there and just putting miles From on. a scouting standpoint, yeah. But you're not, I don't fear screwing up anything yeah it's liberating at all like i just just uh, you do just flail you just go you just cover ground if if it looks like there's a trail going up in that bedding area you you freaking go up in there i know yeah it it is it's liberating at this point because you've been so meticulous about how you've approached everything for the last four or five months Mm -hmm. and now it's just like man i've been waiting to see what the hell is fun pressure's off you can go see it and there it is there's a sign and it that's the that's the intel that kills deer next year. All, yeah, all of the things that you're like suspecting throughout the season, like with trail camera data or set or sightings or just like, intuition or whatever. It's like you go out right now, and it's like just yeah. There's no, there's no like uh, thing. It's just there. It, there, there it is. is. Yeah. There, yeah. You know, there it is. I mean, you got to use some discernment though, because some of that stuff can lead you astray during the season. Sure. Oh yeah. Because you got to decipher when that sign was made. There you go. Ranges. A lot of guys wait for the snow to melt, but. I used to do that, but now I like it better when the snow's on. So it's, like, super fresh. Yeah, because you can track a lot more mm-hmm. like Johnny does. And, uh, like, Bobby Worthington, he likes when the yep. snow's down. That's when he goes identify a lot of his rut funnels and yeah. stuff. You know what's kind of perplexing for me is, like, so you talk about, uh, like, especially betting right now. Like, when I first came across, like, and we had uh, in fall on, it was originally involved with that Farm Country Box production. That, to me, that was a big part of, like, the uh, – promotion of that style of hunting or of scouting anyways finding like those leeward ridges and like I, i'd never heard that stuff it was a pretty eye-opening for yeah. me and so it was probably this time of year i went out and i was looking for that stuff and then i was like, okay here they are and here's these beds and here's this and here's that T- to this day i'm fairly perplexed by what will cause a deer in my area to use a certain bedding area or another you know you can run through fact like wind direction seems to make the most sense seasonal f- uh, food sources but i mean dude even right right now so i'm very actively monitoring a big 10 acre bean field that is ho- holding a lot of you know four-year-old bucks yeah. and 
it's I'm having a real tough time patterning like even those specific blocks like one day they may choose to bed in this block mm-hmm. of woods on the next day it may be this block and it's all I'm actively looking it's you know same wind pattern the food source hasn't changed it's like something whether it's just the group of deer that they're with or something has pushed them on to, to one way for a certain day so if I were to say okay what's what what pattern am I going to hunt like obviously I'm going to try to pick my highest odds like yeah. where they're traveling the most but I mean, dude, they're coming yeah. from three or four different directions. Yeah. I mean, they don't have just one bed or just one bedding. I know. Area. It's annoying. It's like, dude, well, just go to yeah, your bed. Yeah. Are you too good for your home? Like, go to your home. That's why a lot of the sits, I mean, in reality, I'm not. you don't see any deer. You're just setting up on the bed. You got the exit route, and then a lot of times they never show up. It's kind of a, I mean, it's kind of a educated gamble, I guess. But like a three-and-a-half to five-and-a-half-year-old buck is – one of the hardest deer to pattern they're kind of nomadic until they get a little bit older mm-hmm. i yep. think when they get like six and a half they start locking into their core range really hardcore and i think that's a more patternable buck than that four and a half to five and a half you think their number of beds decreases over time like yeah what, what do you think it is from like a three to five year old buck how many different bucks or how many different beds like let's say in the month of october until you're getting into pre-rut stuff do you think they're using man that could be it's hard to really tell because the person, <coughs> personality of the buck. Well, and landscape, features, really. Landscape. Yeah. I mean, the less cover you got, it's more likely he's going to be bedded in the same spots when you got spirit, like way more cover. He can move around a lot more. Some bucks move a lot. Some don't. I don't yeah. They radio collared some deer um, from Mississippi State. Yeah. I think it was in, I don't know if it was in the Delta, Mississippi. I think it was. <laughs> and that, that deer in, like, October had, like, 29 different beds. I know. And yeah. so, yeah, the thought of, like, hunt, hunting a bed. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. I mean, given that, I mean, that was. wild when you think about it. That's like, farm fragmented landscape, right? Which be, like, your home, your home farm, mm-hmm. a lot of the Iowa farm area and stuff. As you get into big woods, I think you have less beds in big woods because – the habitat I features agree. are not as favorable in those big woods. Like you'll have certain areas that are thicker, more cover, wind direction and terrain is different. And then you'll have, you know, like my old farm, or my farm now, you know, before I cut it, it was a hundred acres of just mature timber. Like sure. A buck could lay on a, you know, a saddle ridge or something in bed there, but like there's better cover, you know, 500 yards away over here. How much do you think randomization is a part of their strategy? Like to say, hey, if I bet in the same place more than once, I'm vulnerable to attack, either by humans or, or predators. I bet they rely there. It's more of a reliability than it is randomization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they set up more to observe you than they are. Like, yeah, I don't think they're playing a chess game with you. I don't think they're that educated. Those really. one and two year olds is random. Like, I mean, yeah. you you'll watch a one year old and he'll just be like, <laughs> pretty get on it, Mike Randall. Own it. He'll be he'll just be like, <laughs> get right up in there. He'll just oh, lay down. Like you'll watch him and you're like, oh, feed and feed just drops. Like, that's random. But I think those three, well, four, five-year-old bucks are more on reliability of a spot. Well, so, for instance, like, I've got some of those bucks right now I can view one of, like, I wouldn't traditionally call it a bedding area, but I have watched them multiple times get up out of this bed and, and work off towards that bean field. And it's, it's pretty wide open timber, mm-hmm. you know. There's got to be something there, maybe south-facing for, for warmth. It's, uh, it's westerly facing, interestingly enough. So, warmer then obviously a north or east phase. I'm going to say it's the only thing to me that it's really got going for it is like geographically it's fairly isolated. It's like out at the end of a point. Yep. A bunch of deer are betting there, bucks and does. Yep. 
and maybe that afternoon sun is catching them mm-hmm. enough. I mean, that's probably the biggest benefit. Mm-hmm. And then they have the ability to get up and walk with the wind somewhat in their face towards that food source. Yeah. Yeah, I think it'd be more... Something. But they're wide open, right? I can see them from the road. Like, I'll pull over, and I'm like, oh, there yeah. they are. I can see through the woods. They're either watching out, or there's something to do with the wind flow, the wind current there. It could do something a little different than you think, and it's giving them advantage of... The thermals with the wind flow, it swirls a certain way. That's different than any other terrain feature around it. I mean, mm-hmm. that would be my guess why they're doing that. I mean, bed hunting is not, you got your principles, but mm-hmm. not everything's 100%. Like, this is what you do. It's all situational. All the bucks are different. Mm-hmm. That's for you to go out, scout, figure it out. And a rule of thumb, they get on them quick, but there's still a lot of outflyers. And I think... When we talk about the different beds, I think there's very limited bulletproof beds, and that's where you're going to have your most dominant mature buck yeah. in that one bed. That's why I think that older deer has less beds and he shrinks his core because mm-hmm. he's going to bed in the best possible spots, and that pushes the other deer out, the younger four-and-a-half-year-old bucks. are more in the secondary satellite bedding, so they're – usually not set up like bulletproof they'll have a couple holes in there yeah so because that primary bedding is just limited i I do think visually that's a huge part of it like uh, this time of year when i can get up so you know eastern central high school i'm somewhat hill country farm country when you get up into one of those like uh you know a pocket of buck bedding like typically he's got a few beds on a knob and stuff but it's like, dude, how would you ever get in here? It's like yeah. once you get up in there, it's like you can see what he can see, and you're like, of course, like, that's where I park yeah. my truck right there, and this and that. And it's like it'd be a miracle for me to be able to get in on this place they can see so far. I mean, I would assume though, like the three of us, we've all probably killed um, mature bucks coming to or from bed, like you know, bed hunting. Basically, it's just like uh, there have been cases where I've hunted like within bow range of the bed, but I would say that I'm way more successful playing off of that bed and trying to just make sure I'm between where he's, where I think he's going sure, or coming I, I, from. I've never personally, I don't think, uh, you know, killed one r- right on a bed necessarily. This North, that North Dakota buck I I was thinking. maybe the closest this closest. past year. I got in as close to where I figured he would be. I had never yep. seen the bed. I'd never yeah. been in there. But I was on an island that he kind of had to come. He had to come through. So I probably was in within a hundred yards. Mm-hmm. I, I would think I was within about two hundred yards of his bed, and I didn't really, I didn't, I wasn't hunting him. I was hunting another buck that I knew was bedding up there. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, it's just, it, you know, you think about, and I, and I say that people will say, well, yeah, they're always coming to or, or from a bed. But if you think about just the the normal hunt, like especially a rut hunt when they're cruising or or they're chasing and stuff, I'm not talking about those. I'm talking like pure setup of like i'm catching him first thing in the morning coming back or i'm catching him at last light leaving to go somewhere mm-hmm. um and i think that in the pattern ability time of the season whether that's early season or what we were just talking about late season uh, it's the most lethal way to get them boy you're making me mess it like there's <laughs> there's nothing better than feeling like you're in that in that zone you're in the game you man. know you're just like dude he's got to be right in here yeah. he could pop up any minute I feel like the early season is probably your best because you got yeah. the cover. Yep. You can slide in. I like to be like 100 yards away from the better closer. Late season, it's tough. that gets super hard. And then you got yeah, your cover's gone. Every All the does are pushed up on the bedding and the mm-hmm. bucks are layered in behind that. So you might, I ended up in Iowa this year, late season. I had to hunt right on the food. I couldn't even get into the wow. timber because if you don't have the backdoor access, a lot of that public, you only got one access in. 
So you got to go through the food. So you might as well just stay out. And then you're just kind of. It's like last at light at that point, yeah. right? I mean, you're by the, the time he gets there. You're at the mercy of the buck. Like if he shows up. That's why you try to hunt that <clears throat> cold snap. But we never really got it until after the season. It dropped to like negative 42. And yep. that's when you need to be out. When, when's Iowa wrap, uh, Iowa wrap up? January 10th. Yeah. Yeah, we got it right after yeah, that. Yeah, man, I always feel so crunched to get it. Like, Kansas is the same way. It's the end of December, and it's like we hunt in November, third week of November, and I'm like, cool, I'll just wait December out. And yeah. just with, when it gets cold, I'm going to jump in there, and it like, doesn't happen. It never does. <laughs> Sometimes it does, you know. Rarely. Yeah, we, got that, we got the big snow uh, the day before the last day yeah. of the season. And then say. I went in, and I set up on this uh, 190. The mega, right? Yeah, 190-inch <laughs> buck I got pictures of. I went in on that. In the snow, I tracked him in, and then two shed bucks came out. They had fresh blood on their really. So I was like, I didn't know if one was him or not, but he just never showed up. So it was like, I feel if we would have got that cold front that week sooner when it was below zero, I mean, you have to have it below zero to to have that really good hunting. Because a lot of those deer will long line too. Yeah, definitely. They'll... Man, they'll go a mile even in the late season to go hit a food source. So we were we were finding a lot of long lining, like when John when I was hunting with Johnny, mm-hmm. a lot of deer were long lining out, and we were catching them in the mornings. Then coming back when they were long lining yeah, out, yeah, or even in the evening they'd long line out. But we were catching them uh, coming off a of private, cutting through public, and wow. then going to food. Wow! So it's just finding that food source and trying to get in between. But when it's warm like that, man, they just hold up until after dark. So you got to have that cold push them in or a big snow. Well, and it sounds like in Iowa, too, <laughs> again, not very familiar with it, but it's one of the more successful times for a lot of the non-residents to get their tag and yeah, that late muzzle odor and stuff. Way easier. Yeah, so you've got basically that added pressure on top of it. Dude, I'm yeah. so excited for Iowa. <laughs> yeah. Before we jump into that, dude, late, the late season is is really challenging. Like, we have places that, uh, even though we have the food, I can't even hunt, that yeah. I can pretty easily hunt in the early season because uh, the foliage on the trees, like, a lot of our bedding is on, oh, like, yeah. eastern-facing hillsides and stuff, and it kind of will dip down. We have, like, creeks and stuff, and then the food sources are, you know, obviously on the next, next thing over. So it's like you get into them, and you're just far enough away. But when that foliage is off... They could see it cut from a mile yeah, away. Honestly, sure. it, it has me really wanting to invest in dense, uh, whether you want to call it thermal cover or just visual barriers, yeah. things like CRP um, and, um, yeah. and, you know, any kind of like Giant coniferous trees and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. Scant- yeah. Your grasses, your uh, your pine tree type stuff. Those things create real visual barriers, yeah. you know, during a time of the year where there's nothing else left. And and we lack a lot of that. A key, it, for, mm-hmm. a a key for Iowa is there's a ton of, like, cedars and spruce. Yeah. Yep. They will move into that, and that'll give you a lot of cover. Definitely. Because the outer limb, the branches hang down so low. Even though it has an open understory, the end branches around it hang down low. You can get pretty close if they're bedded and stuff like that. So yep. it just depends on the setup on the property because a lot of guys – cut them down like a lot of the guys that start doing a lot of people cut yeah the equip and stuff gets them to cut their cedars and stuff down so if you can find a place that they leave them in that's a really good spot to get the only reason you would take it out of there is to replace it with like uh early successional correct yeah or you can't burn a field with cedars yeah right so you just want to create better warm season big fire warm season grasses (laughs) and stuff oh you'd be surprised in iowa some of those fires yeah well speaking of february we're getting ready to do a, a burn yep yeah, I'll show you some pictures here oh, a bit of we burned off 25 acres oh, cool. last year, 10 of which I put into a bean field, but the rest of it used to be just old fescue yeah. and stuff. Dude, that stuff's like 
six foot tall yeah. right now. Like, I'm blown away. to plant anything. It's just what, what was in the seed Yeah, bed. the native. So I got a remaining, I think, 10-acre field I'm going to burn off here in the next couple of weeks. It'll be big. I, mean, I could use your help for that, actually, since I mentioned it. All right. Let me know. If you're going to be around. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that, you know, that year two now, you'll start to have more, you know, woody I type hope. browse. And I hope. Stuff. Yeah, you'll have more briars and whatnot built in there. <laughs> There's definitely a lot of, like, uh, like yums or whatever. Like, yep. uh like that's the initial stuff, disturbance based stuff. And there's some stuff that's shot way up. There's yeah. some goldenrod in there. There's some, I, you know, I don't know what all of it is, but mm-hmm. I hope that it wasn't like a, a first year and then it goes back to what it is. So no, I'm curious to see what this year will look like. Structure into that. Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that, you know, in your country, you know, changes, changes the game. I'm opening things up in my area. It's a lot harder to open up than it is to, to make it thicker. Yeah. When you have open ground. Yeah. Because I gotta use machinery, you can use just a fire. Yeah. Well, uh, I it, I was maybe sore subject, but like you want to get into your th- this past season, you didn't shoot one this year, right? God, no. I passed a lot of deer though. I yep. think a lot of guys would have shot, but you yep. know me, I'm going. So no no tags punched this year. Does? Nope, nothing. nothing. Didn't shoot anything. Draw so the bow. Draw. Yeah, I did draw the bow a couple times. Okay. Did you? So go back to the beginning though. You're you were affected by EHD, right? Yeah, it smoked my whole counties around where i live it killed all my target bucks died wow so i mean they're right away it's like all this planning all this prep work that we're talking about right now at this time of year out the window in a lot of cases it was gone i was on a couple booners i had lined up them last year does that include that area that we're talking about uh yeah a little bit but it didn't hit it as bad okay it was mostly up kind of where i live that's what we heard heard. it hit like the corners of iowa really hard even zone five got some EHD, but yeah, yeah. like the corners got smoked, and like where I live at, man, it totally just wiped it out. I'm like, guys, are, zone three where you're at? I live in zone eighteen hundred. No. Okay, yeah, no worries. <laughs> well, I heard, yeah, so, no, I I heard seven, zone seventeen ninety two. I forget who it was. To, I guess it was maybe Skip was telling us like some of six. Yeah, some six, of four got smoked. Six yeah. got smoked. Four, three, yeah. even some of five. But mostly on, like, the Mississippi-Missouri River corridors. Yeah, that's where those mud flats, where yeah. all those tributaries coming in really blew And it up. was, like, the driest year. So we got into a drought, like, 2019, and this was, like, the worst year of the drought. Yeah. You guys are – are you still kind of in a drought? I know Minnesota yeah. was saying that they're in a drought now. Yeah, I we're in a big drought. I was kind of thinking about it from the Dakota standpoint. Well, uh-huh. they say that every couple of years a new strain of those midge flies come up yep. that the deer aren't used to yet. And just smokes them. And they just smoked them out. So I'd, I went in – Man, I had all this intel set up, dude. I was pumped. Like, I thought it was going to be the best season ever. And then you go right into it, and all your deer die. I mean, I almost cried. Like, Did you find any of them? Yeah, I found a couple of them. Really? Yeah. Oh, just got to get salvage tags for them still. I just, what a sick feeling, that dude. Oh, yeah. There was dead deer everywhere. Guys that were pheasant hunting, farmers, they were just finding hundreds of deer just dead all over, like, Creeks full of them, ponds. Freaking destructive, CRP. man. It's devastating. Like, it's one of the, I hunted 60 days of Iowa almost straight, and I only seen, I don't even know if I seen 30 deer. Holy shit. Wow. But I like, I don't know, I'm kind of stubborn, so I'm like, I got to find one somewhere. So, in retrospect, I should have left my area of Iowa and went to a different one. I left kind of late. I went late season. Yep. But, uh, I don't know. I just got stubborn. I was like, I'm going to dig one out, which I did find two shooter bucks. It just didn't, just didn't work out for me. But and yeah. The hard part is, I mean, you know, 
for those like booners that you're seeing, like it takes five years to grow them back now. Oh yeah. Easy. (laughs) So now I got to make an adjustment for this year because I'm probably not hunting. How does that make you feel? (laughs) Frustrated. Because now I got to go find new ground, scout it all out, figure it everything. So this spring I'll be doing a lot of leg work, trying to figure out like different pockets of Iowa where I want to start concentrate hunting. Now, some people say after EHD, the bucks that do live really blow up. Oh, they will. And well, not, I, not only that, but there's bound to be an element of dispersal. Yeah. You know, yep. there's a, now that you've like space, all these deer have been kind of cleared out. I yeah. think some of them will pick up and, and, and maybe move a bit. So I did pass a lot of like 140 class bucks Yeah, that were kind of young. So they have potential. So they got potential to blow up. I mean, what what are you looking for? What's, what's your standard in a home state of Iowa? Four, five, certain antler age class? Um, one fifty plus or four and a half plus year old buck, four and a half plus, or something. I don't know unique racks. Yeah, if had a drop time, you if you like it, you shoot it. Yeah. All right. The Hunter Podcast is brought to you by Hoyt Archery. Oh, dude, it's almost fall. You and I are both going to be in a tree stand with brand new Hoyt bows. We're going to be shooting the RX Seven carbon bow this year. I know Hoyt's also got the Venoms out, both equally smooth shooting, quiet bows. Heck yeah, man! We got a convert on our hands this year. We got a lifelong crossbow guy with a vertical bow in his hands for maybe the first time ever. A good friend of mine, and uh, we've got them all decked out with uh, the inline accessories uh, from the QAD integrated ultra rest uh, to the quiver, and also he's got the SL sidebar mount with a couple of stabilizers from Hoyt as well. So that's going to be a sick shooting bow. Yeah, and Hoyt's been cool enough that anyone listening to this can save twenty percent on any of the soft good apparels online using the code Hunter H U N T R no E. Uh, and if you want to look at the latest lineup of Hoyt bows, check out your local Hoyt dealer. Get serious, get Hoyt. Do you think that um, with kind of how that affected the area, do you think that will deter non-residents? Like, No, because no. most people don't even really know about know. it that don't live in the state. And then, like I was telling you earlier, like, we're five or six years into the hunting public, and now all those guys that watch that show are drawing. Mm-hmm. So I'm getting way more pressure than what I'm used to. So now I got to start looking at like how the deer are shifting with the pressure. There's, yeah. Getting into like little pockets and stuff. But I'm going to diversify myself. I'm going to try to get more free permission. I've looked into like leasing some stuff in some different states. So I'm going to broadcast myself. Like, I'm going to try to draw Kansas. I'm going to hunt Illinois every year now, hunt Iowa. I'm going to dip down to Missouri. Yeah, you almost have to. Like, we, you know, especially when you're in a big buck stake like like Iowa or Illinois or Kansas, and we found ourselves even guilty of this, is, like, when you dedicate yourself especially to, like, a farm or a group of of farms or public in an area, and that herd either gets hit with an EHD or let's even say you hit it with lockdown, right, during the rut – if you if that time is dedicated or carved out already, you're screwed. Like you need to be able to hunt different deer herds in different areas. Dude, it's it's amazing what uh, you know just a little bit of distance, like like you're saying, options will do. I was listening to even Winky's. You know, he's kind of recapping a season on his farm and stuff. Yeah. I didn't realize, you know, and and he's had a, a admittedly a tough season, right? I think mm-hmm. he killed one, but it just he didn't see the yeah. age class or the bucks that he was looking to see on this this farm, and they put a lot of work into it. I didn't realize that that farm that he bought is just a mile or two from that lease where yeah, he killed. They, they se- showed the area. You saw that? The, yeah, I watched that. They and had he's like, man, lease. it's just like a different world over there. It's yeah. like I was having great yeah, hunts wild. and lots of good deer, and it's just he's really struggling just, just right over there. Yeah. Different herd, man. Yeah, yeah. he'll run into that in Iowa a bunch. It'll just be little pockets yep. that'll blow up. 
Probably has a lot to do with the people there, right? The hunting pressure. Yeah. And if you Habitat. Good private land managers around that are doing it right. Mm-hmm. There's a, like if there's adjacent public, I always try to jump on that because you're going to get some influx sure. out of their property. They're controlling their- the borders of what's happening versus like if it's a wide open around that public, like, you know, just like even our Illinois farm, which is not around public, it's around private, but every freaking three-year-old that steps off that line is getting smoked during yeah. gun season. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's the stuff that you and you're not going to know it by just looking at a map. Right. It's going to take time and experience on the ground to figure out, like, holy yeah, hell, these guys are getting smoked. It's ever evolving too. like you have neighbors come and go and you have, you know, sure. permission gained and lost. And it's it's yeah, it's ever changing. It's, you know, you'll find the sweet spots. <laughs> you kind of got to just focus on your own stuff. And I mean, do your best to make it as good as po- and, you know, only you can control the deer that you shoot and stuff like that. I mean, that has. So I know you impact. you kind of switched around. You were kind of forced to switch around. I mean, traditionally, are you when you find a buck in Iowa, are you hunting him from late from early season to late season? Like you're like, man, nah. this deer is going to stick there. Or are you moving early season and yeah. then I'm gone? You're gone because I feel like the rut. They're just going to do whatever. <laughs> whatever. Really hard to pattern. So you got to move. Yeah, but I'm working on some stuff for that. <laughs> Some more consistency. Yeah, the move into the rut on some of these target bucks. I got a couple really good resources that are good at that. There you so go. So I've been deep diving. Because I feel like, I don't know, gear can assist you, but knowledge is what kills the deer. Yeah. So I'm trying to just fill all the holes in my hunting game, if that's what you want to call it. You and Nick both. Hey? Yeah, I'm just trying to get better as much as I can. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Right, Nick? Like, if, holes? like when you stop <laughs> learning is when you fail, like when you're not open to what's going on, like, boom, you got the early season stuff dialed in, but now I want to work yeah. on rut. I want to work on late season. And I used to do all that postseason scouting, but this year I did more in season scouting, Yeah, which it was not a good year because the EHC right. killed a ton of deer. So it was really hard to find sign, but I did find a couple really good bucks. In retrospect though, I mean, knowing the that they're there at that time when they can be hunting, is critical. Yeah. Well, here's how I look at that. I mean, right now you can get a baseline knowledge of like the, of the property itself, yep. like yeah. the, the topography, the terrain, uh, historic sign and stuff like that. You can confirm that with in season scouting, yeah. you know, cause not every good spot is going to have a mature buck yeah. in it. You can confirm that by real time data. Can we talk about that historic sign a little bit? I, I'd be it's interested. Go for it. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it is. Yeah, sure, yeah. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate it. We can talk about whatever you want. What do you think in terms of, you know, especially we talked about this time of year being out there, bare bones of the woods and really picking up sign. You know, even when a deer is, let's say it gets shot or it dies of EHD, when you start finding that historic sign, do you start saying like, you know, this is going to be likely a good area regardless of if that deer made it through or not? Or are you very much married to the deer itself uh, over the sign? Uh, I'm kind of do both sometimes. Yeah. I like the historical sign. If you are not identifying the actual buck that you're going to be hunting, like if you're rut hunting or mm-hmm. you're just trying to get on a buck, then I like the historical sign. But I've noticed that a lot of the bigger deer that I've killed, they they don't leave a lot of sign. There's like no sign except for their little <clears throat> core area. Interesting. And it's not really historical. Like they just shifted into that for some reason yep. or another. So it can go both ways. I look for, I do look for the historical stuff and note that. And then I really search out though for like the hidden gem. That buck's not leaving a lot of sign because most of those booners that I killed, no one would dropping. No one would ever hunt there ever where I killed them at because there's just no sign at all. No historical sign. There's one little crappy rub or there's like 
a little tiny scrape. Like, nothing that would indicate that there's a big deer there. I think that's what I guess I was getting at. Because, like, I know when we hunt, we, for, what, five, six years in a row, we were shed hunting Kansas around that late February, early March time frame. You know, you put 20 miles on, you're going to see some amazing sign in some places. And eventually, you and I started to filter into those areas because we're like, hey, that was good sign, that was good sign. But, you know, ultimately, like, we didn't really have the best success where we saw that sign. Like, it just was vacated. Um, and so it just seems so random in some cases, like obviously if you see, you know, a giant rub line and stuff like there was a big buck probably working that area. It's just when, and you know, if maybe it was a personality of that deer that he was using it now he's dead and there may not be anything that backfills it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's why I focus on finding the bedding area first. Yep. Then I know the bedding areas are there Then I can spot check that for a fresh sign and it could tip me off like a little thing like, Oh, there's a scrape popped up or a rub, which I'm running cameras on that. So sure. I, I got a mock scrape usually somewhere really tight to that bedding area where I think the mature buck would be. So I'm using photo intel. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm using, I use tracks a ton, like most guys. I think that's a big one. Anyway. Don't do that. Well, it's because it's a lost skill. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, I know, I forget where it was. That's what killed that North Dakota buck this year. But that's it basically yeah. it was his track we yeah. didn't have pictures or anything like that we just, there he was he's yeah, going that, out of that island that 175 i shot in the marsh like i just seen that set of tracks postseason yeah. and i went right in there in season and killed him i oh. think it was indiana that we had a, a like a lease a while ago we didn't even hunt it but like we were walking through a field and we found like a oh, yeah. maybe one of the biggest buck tracks yeah. i've ever seen right by that campground and i was like there's an absolute slob in here i don't know where he is but it's postseason he's made it through at this point yeah, a couple you know? of crackheads, a neighbor's store camera. Uh, first, first day, wow. saw us drive in there. I think. It's wild. Yeah, and yeah. so we never did. There was well, there was a giant in there, right? It yeah. was probably a four year old. Right? Yeah, yeah, that big one could have been one. I There's found one on my Kentucky farm too, which, frankly, in retrospect, I don't know. Could have been that one deer I got on camera, but like I, it was a, maybe March or so, and I mean a giant buck track, and I'm like, that's a that's a big deer. Mm. And it's those are the kind of I think entails just as much as some of this historical sign that frankly that's as that's at least telling me I don't know what his headgear looks like but I know there's a big mature buck in this area which is mm-hmm. about as good as you're going to get in most cases. I think on the like uh, a lot of our conversation is about like what what is the strategy? Well, how do you like as far as off season scouting and like uh, how to how to bring it all together? Like I think that there's like a mental hurdle that a lot of guys. Uh, it just comes with experience and, and, you know, I'll give you, I think you're one of these guys, Ben rising is one of those guys where it's like, if you take credit back from the deer, like, cause we give them so much, it's, like, yeah. oh, they're, they're, it's a ghost and they're this and they're, they're so, you know, if you just break it down and just say, okay, it's just an animal that lives in the woods. And then also understand from like a, a scouting and understanding of like the, the woods standpoint, it's not just like, this is what deer do. Yeah. Cause a lot of people I think are inclined to feel that way. And I, and that's where I, I kind of push back pretty hard on, <clears throat> and you know, they're great guys to put together and stuff, but like, um, apps that tell you when deer move and th- things that claim to say, this is how, you know, yeah. it's, it's good or it's bad to hunt. It's like, uh, dude, it's an animal yeah. and you just have to get between where it's at and where it's going. That's it. And typically it's going to do that in daylight hours under certain conditions. if you understand those. So it's like, it's not rocket science. Yeah, exactly. It does take luck, yeah. but it's like, it's, 
it's pretty doable if you if you can understand it right and be and be where they are frankly that's the hardest part anymore is finding places where you know mature age bucks live yeah i think the grind persistence yeah and the mental aspect of hunting will kill more deer than anything else i would agree like you just got you're not going to kill them if you're not in the woods yeah and you i think a lot of that like you said experience like i use my instincts a lot mm-hmm. i just might be walking in the woods and i just I mean, I'm analyzing everything as I'm walking, but I don't even know I am. I'm just kind of like, oh, da, da. Oh, yeah. and then, and it then just I'll hits get it. You, man. We take it for granted constantly, dude. It's funny. I have people call me just from the podcast, and we yeah. promote our phone numbers out there all over the place for real estate and stuff. I have people call, and uh, I have great conversations, and some of those are just like, hey, can you? I've never hunted before. Can you kind of fill me in? And it's hard oh, to yeah. try to be like, okay, let me take <laughs> this back. And you start to realize how much you take for granted about yeah. what, what you know. It's just instinctive in a lot of cases, and that's a very hard thing to teach or explain to someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you can walk with somebody in the woods, and they're just going, and it's hard It's hard to know what they're doing or thinking because they're just on automatic mode. Yeah, well, and most people are doing it. Like, if the three of us walk through the woods, I guarantee we would ana- do an analysis on everything different. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yes, but the, we're constantly analyzing. We'd all be coming back to the same point, which is this is either a good spot or not. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, we're looking at different things or we're reading different signs. Constantly analyzing. And yeah. you also understand that, like, that your time out there is, uh, uh, what's the word? Like, you need to, it's valuable. It's, yeah, you it, got to be efficient. you got to be efficient. Right? Well, yeah, it's, how it's many like, times are you going to walk, like, especially exactly. if shed hunting, you're probably walking through that place. You may exactly. never be back there. You're like, hey, this, I'm going to walk this, this whole one time. time. I want to intake as much as I want to remember yep. every yep. single, you yep. know, piece of information here so I can piece it together. And then yep. if I happen to come back in October and I observe real time or I know that a buck is here, I'm going to I'm gonna be able to put that puzzle piece together and take advantage of it. Yeah, yeah. so I think that's important to identify your style. <laughs> What's important to you? Like me, I prioritize betting over anything. That's the first thing I go look at. Mm-hmm. So I just look, all right, I think the deer are going to be bedded in these four areas. So I just go straight in. I don't even look at the other stuff. I go straight, straight. to the bedding mm-hmm. areas. Oh, I hit on this one. Nope, I missed. And over time, you get better because it's experience. Yeah. Looking at, like, I hunted Indiana. I rolled in, never hunted there before. I speed scouted just driving around on the road, like, in the morning and then i was i looked on the the e-map and i was like oh there's looked like an old clear cut so it's like bedding and then i drove in there and oh standing corn and i was like ding 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 like yeah, iowa like this someone hunting iowa gone i instantly threw my stuff on walked a mile through the standing corn set up on zero sign i mean there was nothing and then i had a buck come out 20 yards for like 20 minutes i just watched him drew back on him i was like eh it's the first afternoon i'm just gonna let him go like <laughs> i already beat this deer you know yeah and he's maybe i don't even know if he was poking young or not it was hard to tell because they blend the racks were blending in with the sure. corn so good but like that just identifying something that i'm used to like bedding and then you get a knack for that with experience like i rolled yeah. into a totally different state and was like oh it's got to be a bedding area right there and i went right in with the food and then I think there's a comfortability there too with different styles, like you saying the bedding there. Like, you know, I feel really good with like funnels and pinch points. Yeah, I would say that I'm probably weak at like I could I can identify bedding, but I bet I'm weak at hunting that bedding efficiently. I'm better at hunting funnels and pinch points because I can just I can get in there and I can eyeball. In fact, sometimes too good to where I'm shooting at them at the base of my tree. Yeah, but that's just you know that's what my strength is at least whereas if you said 
in that case, like, hey, here's this bedding. How are you going to hunt it? I'm looking for like a pinch point or a funnel more than I am how to hunt that bedding. How much of your uh, mindset is like catered on on scrapes? Like, how, how big are those? I use them mostly just for inventory. Really? I'm not a big scrape hunter. Dude, mm. I got to tell you, my, I mean, I've, I know that they're important and they're they're obviously a good inventory tool, but like, the more I'm running cameras on, even this time of year, they are like. <laughs> It, pretty much a sure thing, to, it seems like. I mean, if you can catch them the right time of yeah. year, I mean, dude, it is just a trigger in their brain. When it rains, they want to. They know that it's especially like a community scrape. Yeah. Uh, Troy described it really well. We had uh, Troy Pottinger. You know Troy? Yeah. From uh, uh, Idaho on last yeah, year. Yeah, I talked to him some. He's a great dude, and he was, you know, big, big scrape guy, right? Oh, yeah. And he sure. was describing where you find those community scrapes, and yeah. this made a lot of sense to me. He was talking about, you know, the area that you feel a buck is bedding, his core bedding area. And where you feel is is surrounding doe bedding area, typically where those circles overlap. That's where they're going to find like a community mm-hmm. scrape. Um, that tin shed gas line stand that I have is like the perfect culmination of it's right where that big buck circle stops and doe bedding starts. I can access it because of that gas line, like critical, perfectly, and it just happens to be, uh, you know, whatever access allows me to hunt that with a northwest wind. And yeah. it's just like we killed a really nice four-year-old buck there this year. And it's yeah, just like, dude, you find some spots like that. That is the only scrapes I tend to hunt is the community scrapes sure. between two bedding areas. Yep. Like, I would agree. It's a gold mine. I would agree. Well, there's plenty of field edge yeah. scrapes and stuff that just like, like they might do it once and never that. again. Yeah, I mean, those community scrapes, they're, you know, you can have a camera hanging in May and they're visiting those things. Mm, they're hitting them right now. Yep, they're, they're there, check in all the time. That one that we had in, like, uh, the Shawnee uh in illinois yes we it was it was a for sure community scrape yeah. it was perfect in this little bottom it's, down it's there classic what they would call yeah. a thermal hub yeah and for all spring we're just i mean just box just crushing all spring and you know just hitting the licking branch and stuff like people think about scrapes and they're like well you know i don't see them working it and stuff it's like dude they're not gonna be pawing and pissing it they're they're just hitting licking branch making sure those glands get on there they're just it's just a community you can you can standpoint. start them too i mean it it i think it's it's very heavily dependent on where they are. Yeah. The location is yeah, huge. Yeah, it's all about location. But both of those community scrapes, I started. Like, I, yep. I built them, and mm-hmm. they use them like, I mean. That's an interesting. So religiously. Looking, especially if you're talking about, like, Troy's strategy. If you can know where you think those bucks are betting and where that doe overlap is, you could create then a community scrape that's probably a deadly area. 100%. Yeah. Well, and honestly, I, uh, so, like, when I was picked up that shed the other day, a big, thing that i was trying to take in is like can i find a community scrape somewhere? right yeah and i did did I, you I, yeah i was happened to be 25 yards from where i wow. found that shed and it just happens to be fortunately somewhere i could access it to hunt it um if it wasn't or if i didn't find one i mean i would use that put a camera on it for just monitoring oh sure yeah i feel like if you're gonna get a picture of a mature buck it's gonna be on that scrape in the staging area absolutely yeah. just like when i set up on their beds i'm usually in their staging area close mm-hmm. to the bed so you if you do the mock scrapes to make a community scrape, I tend to push them right up to the bedding. Mm-hmm. They got security <clears> cover. They can get right up out of bed and come out. And I tend to get more pictures of mature deer because you got the field edge ones and the mature buck to come to a field edge scrape is like 5% or something. Well, that's what I was going to say. Is people, like most of the scrapes people encounter are those type field edge type. Those yeah. are not community scrapes. No. They're, 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 you know, they're far from the bedding. That community scrape is going to be 
frequented very often because it's closer to the betting area side of things. I yeah. think the hard part is knowing, yeah, what's what. Because you can, yeah. I mean, they don't look any different necessarily. Maybe a community script is slightly bigger or more heavily mm-hmm. used. I mean, a lot of them are going to have twisted up yeah. branches and stuff. I think, in my opinion, it has most to do with location. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, just to know, you're like, hey, it makes sense that this would be a community mm-hmm. script. And a camera can confirm that, right, if you run a yeah. camera for any period I mean, period some of, of the ones in Iowa are as big as this table. Mm-hmm. Yep. Those are the ones I tend to focus on. Yeah, that's sure. a good one. But they're not always that big. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, yeah, I think location's the key there. And a bigger buck's usually got some higher licking branches that he's using than the other deer. Mm-hmm. And a little bit, like, if you see a really thick branch snapped off and it's a little higher up, then I know there's a bigger buck in the area. Mm-hmm. But put it this way. I mean, even if it's now or, or February, March, whatever, if, you, if you're running a camera on a scrape and the deer aren't visiting it, it's not a community scrape. Sure. Yeah. Dude, I, uh, I have a bit of, you know, OCD anyways, I guess. But when I go out... We've done this before, but but I have no specific situations coming to mind. When I see people, when I'm getting ready to put in a scrape, I know how important the location is and yeah. that specific licking branches. And sometimes I see people grab onto the thing and like if they they'll horse it and break it off oh, or something. Yeah. I'm like, like, <laughs> do you realize what you've done? Yeah, that thing's not growing back. <laughs> yeah. Like we had one chance it's to over. get that stick in the right spot. <laughs> yeah, now you gotta like replace it every year. You gotta rebuild the tree. I would have yeah. bring a new one. Well, in that, here. yeah, that was what I thought was interesting about Troy. He's literally looking at what the preference is from a tree species, and he's bringing that sure. branch in yeah. in a lot of cases. And I was like, you know, I didn't know how deer would react to that. You know, if I think about it that way, and it's like, man, if I can go like in my mountain areas, like it's it's beach, yeah. it's American beach for whatever reason, like I can go and cu- cut that off and i could bring that into whatever Son you know maple yeah indiana has a bunch of beech trees mega i found all kinds of scrapes i weird was, man yeah i was more red oak red oak but they will put uh, scrapes on cedars too i've seen that that kansas we see cedars a yeah. lot or yeah. i'll bring in a vine like i'll cut a wild vine and hang it yeah they like that a lot too yeah yeah it's weird when you think about that that kind of preference side of things but i mean you know, it a, makes sense. What a deadly tactic, dude. What what else is there that draws deer to an area like that for inventory and, you know, if you're going to hunt over it? or that, I mean, a lot of the yeah. guys who are consistently successful are, I mean, especially in, uh, I want to say timbered environment. I mean, there's things you can do, like with, you know, if you have the ability to, like, uh, plant small destination food sources. Mm-hmm. And th- those types of things can certainly draw do- deer to an area. But, like, dude, what outside of a scrape is more... I mean, I well, pile, right? I mean, I think that's where you start looking at some of these guys hunting tactics and, you know, they constantly are seeing deer in fields and they're hugging field edges and they're yeah. seeing scrapes there. They don't realize like the, the more used scrapes are deeper into that, into those woods closer to the bedding area. And so they just consistently sit on the field. And frankly, especially as you go through the season until you get late, like, the amount of deer in that field are just going to decrease and decrease and decrease and decrease until late season where eventually it reverts back. And it's like, you know, there's no wonder, like you're telling me in late October, you're not seeing deer. You're sitting on a cut bean field that, you know, they're not visiting until midnight at this point. Dude, sign is so cool. It's just, it's just like it's real proof that they were there. Yeah. Like, how many people wander out in the woods and are just like, I don't know, I have my stand in a certain spot, or it's just like they just go to they just go to the woods and, oh, they're, yeah. and they're just hunting. As opposed to like, there's real data here. There's re- like this is he stood uh-huh. right here. Like we don't know if it was day or night or whatever. Oh, and yeah. He laid this here. He rubbed that tree up. He put this right here, and then tried to deduct back to, or maybe you can find the bedding and stuff, and, and put all those pieces together, tracks and stuff. It's like that. That's that's real like that's actual like we're hunting we're reading sign we're actually interpreting it and we're going to make a strategy off of it we're not just like bumbling out in the woods yeah woodsmanship's woodsmanship super cool 
to know you have that skill set's just cool to me. Like, yeah. oh, I figured this buck out just by this or that. It's cool. I'm not just sitting a field edge. But back to the mental thing, I think that's where the field edge guys are struggling. They are. They move into the woods and then they don't see any deer. Yep. And then they think they're doing it wrong. But re- in reality, when the right deer shows up and you do see one, it's usually the one you want to shoot. Yeah, you don't so, see numbers. Yeah, you it's see like a trade-off. The... Well, access is probably a big hurdle for guys. It's hard for people to understand. Like, if I didn't know that that buck was up on that leeward knob, yeah. like I might just walk right at the base of the hill there and not understand that he's going to see me every yeah, single time. Yeah, they go in on the wrong wind. I still do that. Like, yeah. I, I've i messed up, and I'll be like, oh, yeah, there he was. Yeah. Of course he saw me coming I think in it here. depends on the area, too. Like, you, you experienced it in for North sure. Dakota. I, most of the deer I kill... Like it, I see one deer that when I kill them, and it's the deer. Yeah. I'm not, I don't see a pile of deer coming through. Mm-hmm. Like your Ohio farm is probably unique in that. That yeah, a, lot a lot of, of deer. You see a lot of deer. Most of the time, I see a deer, and it's the deer I'm after. Mm-hmm. And if I don't see anything, it's not a big miss because it's just he didn't show up. Mm-hmm. You and know? sometimes I'll see like I don't know, it'd be like one or two does, like a doe in a fawn group or, or something, satellite mm-hmm. bucks. But then that's where your setup stand placement's huge because. You got to get by, they got to get by you. So you got to play the win right, got to have a good setup. And then it's almost like the mature bucks using those other deer is like, yeah, test run. Yeah, That's the hardest part like about dummies. food sources, man. Yeah. I really struggle. Like, cause it's like, yes, they have to get past you, first of all, but then you have to, like, you know, there's only a certain percentage that you're going to be successful in yeah. that hunt, and it's it's never 50% or no. more, right? So you have to then get out. Yeah. Otherwise, you're blowing future opportunities, and it's like, Oh, it seems like it really dwindles your opportunity to hunt food sources because yeah, you hunt it once or twice and then it's like it's shot for well, a while. Well, think about even yeah. in the timber. Like that's that's my experience. And like the majority of stand setups that I have, even in a mobile situation, is I set up for where that deer's coming from for where my shot is. The the plan D in the back of my head is what happens once that deer gets by me? Because yeah. most of the time I'm busted. Right. So in Rendell's case, if I have doe groups coming through a satellite, I'm not shooting those deer. They're going to get by me and they're probably going to win me at some point because I'm just set up to kill that deer as he comes through my shooting lane. Mm-hmm. And that's it. So it's it's all of those factors that eventually, you know, blow the hunt in most cases. I mean, very rarely can I say, especially with the way thermals and stuff pull in, in some of these terrain values that like I can foolproof myself to that deer can come through my shooting lane and get by me and eventually doesn't win me and I'm still set up in the right spot. Dude, a chess match, a chess match really is a really good analogy yeah. f- for hunting a deer because if you think about like pieces getting taken off the table as you're, you know, taking chances like that, you know, you're essentially uh, blowing opportunities you might have there in the future. But strategically, you know, mm-hmm. you might sacrifice the pawn to take a queen or something like that. I shot one. When was that? I can't remember which deer it was. I killed, I set up in an area like that, and I knew that if deer got by me, I was going to get busted. So the first doe that came out, mature doe, I shot her, knowing that if she got by me, nobody's going to blow me. If she got by me, I was screwed. And then I killed the mature buck like an hour later. Wow. Yeah, that's a one way to do it. But I mean, like, how many times does that actually work out, you know, in those situations? Well, it certainly puts the pressure on that first encounter of the (laughs) night. That North Dakota buck is a great example. It's like, they're going to smell. That doe's going to come through. And so these first does come. And I know how critical it is that it's fine if they booger, but, like, I don't want them to alert this buck that I know is back there. So And it will. So it's super important that I'm as serious about that situation as I can be. And unfortunately, I had some does come by me. They smelled me. And they just... 
somehow they made it past. And I just, well, I, even that second doe that was with him, luckily he was so close behind her that she didn't have a chance to ruin it yeah. for him. Yeah. The gig was up. I mean, he, he buggered, he jumped and yeah. then I, and I killed him right there. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's, that's what, that's right. And we've talked about that in the moment of it. It's like instinct takes over and you draw that bow and you, you get it done. I think more people mess, you know, miss opportunities at bucks that they don't see because of those first oh, deer yeah. blowing the opportunity for what oh, sits behind mo- it. More, way more than not, probably. That happens a ton. I'm like an extreme risk taker because that's what it takes. Like, man, a lot of those setups to kill those mature deer you're you got an off wind i've noticed most of them are coming out on off winds Mm -hmm. so you got to give them the wind yeah and if other deer come out i've had a other deer blow up absolutely giant i mean some 200 inch bucks and just ruin my chance but there's no other way like you just have to take the risk here's a big piece of it so like i you know generally speaking i'm not a fan of cattle right just because uh uh, you know, anywhere the cattle yeah. are, there's no, there's no habitat there. They're eating <laughs> yeah, they mow yeah. it down. But they create massive opportunities to give mature bucks the wind in their favor. If you can take advantage of access through a pasture or yeah. or anything, whatever, a solar field, anything that's like deer aren't. Yeah, I do that already. People don't <laughs> consider that enough. You know, yeah. they're looking for where deer are, but where they aren't are where we where need to be. Through. That's how we yeah. access. That's how we can use, you know, blow yeah. our wind in that direction. And the cattle pasture is usually really easy to get access to. Sure. Like the guy doesn't care. He doesn't care. So I roll through. Yep. And set up like that. And the, the deer don't like to be in with the cattle at all. Not so at I'll all. use that a bunch. Yep. And they'll go right to the end there. Dude. I mean, yeah. especially in farm country where we're at, you know, they treat it the same way. Those bucks are like, well, it's just cows out in yeah. that field. So like, it's fine. And they'll, they'll walk the edge of that ridge on the leeward side or whatever with the wind in their yeah. face coming up to the scrape all the way until they're at that fence where they're like, okay, I reached yeah, the end of exactly. it. And that's where you're at. Yeah. Oh, those little, spots are deadly. Little pinch point funnel. Dude. Mm. I will say if you're uh, accessing through cattle and there's cattle in there and you go out in the dark, they will chase you. Oh, damn straight. They will. I had this whole herd behind me. You stand the your ground gun. was like shaking and I made the mistake of running. In the what dark. kind of cows? Yeah, you don't run from cows. They're like Angus. Oh, mm-hmm. Angus or no problem. I took off though. The Brangus, you gotta watch them. <laughs> the ones with the horns going down. Dude, yeah. the ones that it, it's not even that like I mean, because we see it in Kansas all the time. It's that when they follow me and I get up in my stand and then they just sit under me and they're oh, like, Oh yeah. Mmm. I call them in turkey. Oh, I never hunting. hunt in pastures. That's the word. I call them in turkey hunting sometimes. Yep. But I was <laughs> curious. I was accessing out and I was like, Oh man, I'm just gonna run. And they were right behind me, and the ground was, that was like the wrong, That was the wrong move, bad. dude. I felt like a, are so fast. <laughs> I felt like a bullfighter. You got to stand a challenge. By then, by then, my big ass was like, I'm going to jump this barbed wire fence. Oh. I only made it like halfway up, and then it flipped me over in. I was like holding my bow up like, oh, my God, I'm going to die. <laughs> Hilarious. And I was just cussing the cattle on the way out, and I was like, oh, I'm never doing that again. I usually cover my feet in cow shit. Oh, me too. Oh, nice. I step yeah, in every pie I get. Oh, yeah. Just Rub it on mm-hmm. Yeah, just rolling in it. Dude, I get serious the with the cow makeup. shit. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, cover everything that I can possibly get. If you eat it, you sweat it out, and it covers up your pores. <laughs> <laughs> Is that right? Wow. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, it's it's interesting when you start to look at those. The, the access thing has been, you know, it's kind of, obviously, you look at the wind direction. Like, I feel yeah. like that's the first thing from a woodsmanship. It was like, hey, you know, enter via the wind. Then it was like, okay, what's your cover or your screening like? 
then it really became to your point, like where are the deer not going to be exactly that allows me to, to have that free entry. Cause even with screening and stuff, like if you've got great, you know, switchgrass or, or miscanthus or sorghum or whatever, and those deer are just over in the ag field or food plot over from me, it doesn't matter what you have. You're blowing them out. Like you're going to, it's, they're going to bust out of there. What do you mean? They see it? Well, the, yeah, they just know you're there. Like it's not you slipping through that screening, even with the wind in your favor. Like you're you're probably not going to get through there super clean. There's going to be a deer at the edge of the screening and the food plot. You're five feet from it, and it's going to hear you, and it's going to booger a bit. Like it's just it's not a foolproof plan. The foolproof plan is how do you either sacrifice whatever's downwind of you and get to the far outside away from it, or to your point, go through a pasture where there are, or whatever it is that there are no deer on there. It's always sacrifice. Yeah. And if, if you're willing to get creative and actually, you know, walk, yeah. you, you, well, I can't say that. Cause like there are situations where driving in, I, I mean, are do you e-biking or anything? I have not done that yet. I was looking into it though. I just figured, cause you have to cover some serious ground and it's fairly open terrain in a lot of cases. <clears throat> I usually, Access is like up there with woodsmanship. I yep. go through any, I usually use uh, water. I don't kayak, but I'll walk through like an eye walk through uh, drains, ditches, rivers. The shit that's over mine and Jared's head, you're yeah. just waist deep. I'm just in there going. <laughs> um, I'll loop around. I'll go like two miles out of my way and loop in. I try not to go where everybody else is going because a lot of the deer are set up to watch mm-hmm. that. Like you were talking about, they set up to watch you. Yep. Even though the wind's not right for them to be there, they still, they still they're a visual dude, the, bed. The deer. toughest farms are like where it's like a ag field with a road that runs through the center yeah, of it and big ridges high. all around yeah. it. There's You can't go anywhere. You yeah. just described Bill Winkie's farm. Yeah, well, exactly. And some, and some of ours in Ohio. It's yeah, like, I hunt some public like that. Man, you'll, just, says that way. Yeah. you'll pop up a ridge and three ridges over all the, you'll see bucks get up and just yep. blow And the minute out you're on their property, it boop, off. Yeah, and, done. and the later in the season you go, the worse it gets. Yeah, it's just straight visibility yeah. entering through that. I mean, it's it's the toughest. That's what's happening with that Ohio place I have right now. Prior to timbering, my, my main access as well as my main food was through the middle, and it's ridges up above me. Mm-hmm. So even if I'm slipping in there as good as I can, they're up above me watching me walk in there it's and It's really do that. challenging. Yeah, you're screwed. Bill Winky's on to that camping in the woods thing. When it's like that, yep. that's pretty much what you needed to be doing. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's how or he killed that big buck on that lease. A lot of guys are going to like e-bikes and just rolling by and mm-hmm. then looping back around because it seems like the e-bike doesn't really bother them that much mm-hmm. unless you. Well, and in slow farm country, so here's there's a fat. So deer can't count, right? Yeah. So like as much as I like being on foot and sneaking in and it truly being undetected, there are situations I think that if you can drive in on a tractor oh, or yeah. even a machine. It depends. Like, there's because there's properties that never yep. see that kind of activity. So, obviously, that's going to freak them out. The old winky field clear with the vehicle mm-hmm. to come yeah. pick you up. I mean, I've done all types. Well, but even on the way in, stuff, like, dude, my parents are constantly, and like, we, all right, we, we fight about it or whatever, but they're giving farm tours and stuff. Yeah. And dirt, you know, it's just they use the property, right? So, <laughs> yeah. the machines are on those roads constantly. And we will take advantage of, uh, you know, sometimes your best bet really is to get driven into a property and dropped off. And, you know, it's kind of stressful because, you know, they hear you, maybe see you. But if you can give the illusion that, like, hey, you came in, you came out. Especially in a bait state, sometimes yeah. they that'll come. They're they're like, hey, let's yeah, that's the dinner bell for. Them. There's the dinner bell. I mean, I've had buddies drive me in like free permission properties yep. and dro- <clears throat> drop me off back before mm-hmm. we got into all the saddle and lightweight stands. I was hanging presets and stuff. Yep. 
And I've had the vehicle parked there hanging a preset and deer just comes right out next to you, just yep. meandering around. But if that vehicle wasn't there, they ain't doing that. Well, I was going to say, they see I, you walking in, they freak yeah, out. I fully exactly. believe that if, if you have to, like, if you're in a situation where you're not sure, if you can get driven in or dropped off, you're going to spook deer way less than you trying to sneak in yeah. and walk through there. I know. Dude, it's, it's so funny, like... Uh, and my dad's made just so many improvements. Like, he's he's just really doing great. But it's funny to think back on, like, there was a time where, and I think I figured it out before he did is why I'm bringing it up. But he, it, it was almost like the thought was, like, in the mornings and stuff, if, if he can just get to the stand, anything that happened prior to that in the dark was just, like, washed yeah, clean. Wash. And it was, oh, it's yeah. fine. I got to the stand. And <laughs> and it's just, that's not the case. Like, if you drive through a field and there's deer in it and stuff, oh, like, yeah. I oh, mean, yes, there is some, there it, is some disorientation morning, morning or whatever. Morning hunting is yeah, fucking tough. tough. Oh, dude, I don't, I don't do it. I frankly, until like the they're cruising. Basically. I love. I mean, I love it. It's it's, it's awesome to be there in the complete darkness as things lighten up. But I mean, it is it is tough to do it right. If it, I can loop around the food, I'll do it. But if yeah, I yeah, you to have walk, to get in the backside yeah, of the if food. If I walk in the food, I'll never will until like late October. Can't do it. Yeah, you can't do it. It's it's nearly impossible. You literally have to if you have if you can either find the right property where there's a main food source up front, then it goes back in and you can come through that back door to get in between them. I mean, it's yeah. golden. It's it's almost a foolproof setup at that point, depending on the wind. I get a lot of permission just to access through properties, but. Bush light is like your key in Iowa, just so you know. Like just case, bring the old case of bush. Yep, drop it, have it in the hand. And yep. the guy's like, oh, I just want to walk through here. And he's like, that's it. And I'm like, yep, here that you go. That for me? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why don't you leave those here, boy? He's like, it's actually a 29-pack. I went on the way Yeah, in. and then some of the times you'll gain permission after a while. Yep. Because he's like, oh, you were cool. You didn't drive my field. You didn't do any of this crazy stuff. I would assume that's probably the biggest mistake that deer hunters make right now is – the way that they hunt mornings are especially around food. Yeah. Like it, it yeah. inevitably to your point of your dad, like walking in, you know, everything like a deer blows or something. Oh, it's under the cover darkness. I'm in early enough. They're not going to mess up. You've immediately changed the entire movement of that day by, by blowing that deer out of there. Yes. Well, well, and guys got to understand like what's the word crepuscular crepuscular. So That's you're, yeah, mm. so it's so pretty be, amazing. So deer, I'm impressed. That, I don't even know what it means. It just basically <laughs> means they're not nocturnal; they're yeah, crepuscular, which means they move dawn you know, and dusk. Yeah. Dawn and dusk are your peak movement times. Yeah. And so, <clears throat> in the afternoon, it's uh, it's pretty doable yeah. because you it's clean. Well, just based yeah, on your bedding and bed, stuff, yeah. you know where they're at, and so you can determine a place yeah. of access. On it, the flip is in the morning. It's like they're not at that look. I mean, they may be in a food source. Like yeah, if you, you can no pin idea. that down, but they're up, they're moving around. It's way harder to oh, get yeah. in. And they're J hooking and doing yeah. all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of guys, when they go in in the morning too, they're not thinking about thermals drop, not at dropping all. right now. They're like, Oh, thermals are rising in the morning. Well, not when it's dark. You're <laughs> that's in an, there. That's another dadism. If it's you, the morning, the thermals are rising. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, dude, not, I mean, not I'll, until like <laughs> nine o'clock in the morning. Yeah. So you got all the flooding of thermals, especially ag land. Your mm. thermals are just flooding out into the fields. The guys are like, why am I getting busted right now? I was like, well, the thermals are dropping and flooding out there, dude. Yeah. I mean, freaking old school for me. Like I didn't, I don't, it was probably college before I even paid attention to what the hell the wind was even doing. Yeah. I was probably oh, yeah. 10 years ago before I even heard the term thermals. Like, yeah. I didn't pay attention to any uh, of that. My dad was smoking cigarettes across from me in the tree stand, <laughs> killing bucks. You know, yeah, I didn't I mean, pay attention to that stuff. It just, it just I didn't wasn't. I think it was until 
It wasn't relevant. The Hunter Podcast is brought to you by Muddy. Man, Jared, we probably have been using Muddy products for at least 10 years now. It's a long time, dude. It's been a long time. And I can remember when it was simply just safety harnesses and camera arms of all things. And, you know, that's evolved to where you and I both have a bunch of Muddy box blinds as well. I would say a bunch. But, yeah, they've come a long way. And certainly the box blinds are, are huge. Shot that buck over your shoulder out of a Muddy box blind a couple of years ago. The harness and, and all of the other safety accessories really are, are a major component of, of what Muddy offers for me um, you know we've had some injuries in the past you know, some, some tree stand accidents this, this is all back before we were using uh, you know frankly harnesses uh, the lineman's belt while we're hanging stuff and the safe lines I have those in every single one of uh, you know our fixed tree stands now and uh, so we really have made safety a priority uh, that, that's a big deal for us and uh, you know Muddy has everything we need for that yeah and I think uh, the cool thing about Muddy is anyone listening to the Hunter podcast can save 20% using the code Hunter20 that's H-U-N-T-R-2-0 uh, anything that you can see on the Muddy Outdoors store online, use that code. Save yourself 20% for this hunting season. Go Muddy. When was like, uh, who were some of the first? It was like Scent Blocker, right? Was one of the, Who were some of the first camo companies that were like yeah, I mean, trying scent, to scent, address the scent thing? Scent Lock and Scent Blocker yeah. were like there was the some original. patents and stuff around carbon technology, yeah. right? That, that's, that's when was that? Though. 2010? I mean, there were all your big buck killers were paying attention ago? to it. Yeah. It's just the common guy was not. Yeah, not me. I was just using whatever I bought at Walmart. Exactly. Me too. Mismatched. I had, and honestly, I had one tree stand. It was built out of fucking two by fours like yeah. i just well and a lot of the, it didn't matter if it was a north south <laughs> east west wind i was sitting that tree stand a lot of the old timers would i mean guys been hanging clothes outside or burying yeah. them or yeah. for as long as i the smoking the smoke on the clothes above the wood burner yeah. and stuff cedar has been a big branch, one that's cedar branches cedar branches in big. yeah who was it was it troy troy said he hangs his clothes out all freaking year yeah they do not come inside once he's he starts. It's also a hard thing to like get. A, everybody's got a different thought process on like. Yeah. The, I mean, I, I am zero, absolutely zero. I got Ozio gear from last season. I wore all. See, I haven't even washed none of it yet. I've worn it two yep. years in a row. Yep. I mean, yep. I just don't care. I just rely on my wind and thermal, wind and thermals. Yep. My knowledge of we're it. getting there. Yeah, I I think we're on the same page. I don't believe that if your wind's blowing out of mature buck, there is no beating him. No, He's you're gone. screwed. They light me up like that. Yeah, when you're done. Me. And I'm not foolproof. I mean, I make mistakes. Sure. A lot yeah. of times the wind's not doing what you want, but I'm adding features like rivers. I'm mm -hmm. trying to blockade my downwind. You're digging rivers? Yeah. Just dig them <laughs> out with the shovel, man. Play the terrain. I dig holes in the ground, and I put my legs in them and sit on my butt, you know. Do you really? Yeah, cornfields and stuff. <laughs> no. Is the hole necessary? Yeah, because I'm so... Seems like a lot of work. It's for, more comfortable when you It's a foxhole. Yeah, <laughs> basically. There's some guys that do that old school. Huh. Old school foxhole digs. Yeah, there's actually a company that makes like a trash can lid that goes over them so they don't fill with water after you dig them. Wow. I don't, I don't know the name of the company, but I've seen it on YouTube or That's something. That's interesting. Hmm. Yeah, but I mean... I've it, done that sometimes. I think it's just hard to... to I mean, there's still plenty of guys that... Just hunt and they don't pay attention to the wind yeah. at all. And they you still know? kill deer sometimes. Kill way well, yeah, I mean, than us, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's either <laughs> I mean, luck and or you kill a bunch of two year olds because it, they, you or know. what they think the wind's doing, it's not doing. They're like, oh, my wind's blowing out that deer, but it really well, wasn't. Well, I mean, dude, how many times have we? How many times have wind? you been like, it's a north wind? They're like, right, blowing to the north. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like, never. Wait a minute. No. Well, yeah. most of the time <laughs> when I pull up my app, I'm like, okay, northwest wind. I get there and it's southeast. Oh, I'm like, yeah. What the fuck is uh, going on? Or that's the winds doesn't even matter because your thermals thermals are, are just overriding it. 
Dude, yeah. there are spots that I still can't figure out on our family farm that's like, uh, I know that they're not, uh, it's rarely doing what the prevailing wind is doing. Mm-hmm. So, And I've known that, so it's like I'll try to hunt it on different wind situation and i just can't it just seems like no matter what it's just sucking up into this draw or something it's just like seemingly there's no way to hunt it yeah think about some of the hubs like i mean some of the best community scrapes i found especially in the big woods are in these hubs they're impossible to hunt because the wind is just doing this yeah you know thermal's trying to pull it down and prevailing's twisting around but i mean ultimately at some point i'm gonna roll the dice and hunt it anyways because if i don't like i'm not gonna kill them I think some of what Troy was talking about is that old man's beard or something. Yeah, so that's like this. It's in the south. It's like a Spanish moss that's like yeah, hanging off. He the tree. sees it in the photo in the trail cam photos, yeah. and it tells him what the wind's I'm doing. I'm super interested by that. I mean, most of my cameras are on you know scrapes and stuff like that. It seems like I could pretty easily. I thought about. Mm-hmm. I I actually switched to uh, using yarn. Oh yeah, that would be a great one. I just, yarn would do I, it. I put it on there with it so I can see it in the camera picture. That's smart. Yeah, is I it, mean, I'm is throwing. It sensitive enough? Like, can you? It tell? is. Yeah, I actually split it to make it lighter. Yeah. I don't use the whole piece. I split it. Yeah, I mean, if you could do... I've seen guys use, um, like, a super light monofilament with with milkweed at the end still, just enough to, like, catch Mm -hmm. it and lift. Yeah, you can put a feather on there or anything, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, think of, like, old trapping, like, just to get, you know, wind attention for, like, a bobcat or whatever. Same thing in the tree. Works good. Yeah, that's huge. If you could figure, yeah, because there's those spots, man. I've got like an oak flat, and I've got there's this ditch, and it's just like they're core spots that, like, terrain wise, and where I know I know they're using it. This, mm-hmm. yeah. I just can't ever figure out how to hunt it. There so. are places that you can't hunt. I mean, you can, but you're not going to yeah, kill the deer. Risky, you know, know. It's just going to be, and it, you I, know, could you get lucky and shoot them? Absolutely, but I mean, logically, the everything's against you. And then it's trying to figure out, like, I got one one of the bucks that died at EHD. Every southwest wind, he'd show up on this one camera every single time, but no other wind. So it's like, all right. A prevailing southwest wind. Yeah, trying to figure that out. Like, okay, why is he doing mm-hmm. this? But I correlated it to southwest wind. The wind's coming from the parking lot on public land. That's the only wind it comes from the parking lot. So he can, s- he can smell there. anything from the parking lot, which is really interesting. Mm. And he would always stay out from the scrape. He only came in, to like, once, but I'd catch him. Uh, Just checking it. Yeah, like 50 yards away because some of those cameras can pick up pretty far out. I think that's some of the good stuff about scouting right now, too, is, like, you know, in most cases, like, you know, when we're in Kansas or even, even in my Ohio place, like, I know that nine times out of ten in most parts of the, the year, it's a south-southwest wind, yeah. right? Like, that's what's coming through. And so, like, uh, historically, I expect to see the most sign – in conjunction with that type of wind. What I'm looking for are then the winds that are going to throw him off his game a little bit. So maybe it is that straight north or that that north-northwest type of thing, and then how can I play with him? And that's it's tough for people, I think, to to your point. You're like, you're doing the analysis, even though all I'm doing is just looking and studying it. In my head, I'm thinking, okay, <clears throat> he knows, that, like, on a southwest wind, he's almost foolproof. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to be able to get in here and kill him. But... If it flips into a northwest or a north wind, like now he's thrown off his game a little bit. Where is he going to switch to? Where yeah. is he going to shift? Where is he going? And he's he's not as good. He's not as good as identifying things when he's off his game like that. Iowa east winds really throw the bucks off. We had a time. bunch of east yeah. winds this yeah, year. Yeah, this year was weird. We don't talk about that. Yeah, east <laughs> winds are definitely. Well, because it's just not the prevailing wind. Like anytime you have a situation where they're like, 
it's not as common. It's like okay, I get a little. They don't something. know what to do. I have yeah. some, I have some. Sta- I have I have two stands that are uh, maybe more than that, but I have two go to east wind stands that like. It's almost a guaranteed siding. Like they, they usually don't have a bedding area for east wind, so yeah. they go to a Their bedding mom. area that they have for a different wind. Yeah, and that is your loophole because that loophole. gives you a chance to get in there. Yep, and make them vulnerable. So that's a big key. And I, I get, think a lot of people see that east wind and they're like, "I'm I'm not hunting." Today. Yeah, I'm in the woods instantly, dude. Oh. I'm like pumped up. Like, Throws uh, them off their game, man. I'm telling. I'm getting close to something. The more that people. Think I'm about, leaving here with something. <laughs> the more that people just kind of overanalyze these deer and stuff, the more they have to realize is the things that make you uncomfortable are likely also going to make that buck uncomfortable. And that's your opportune time. Like, you're going to gamble a bit, right? But yeah. at the same time, he's going to be off his game on, on what he's used to. And that's that's what's going to end up making a mistake. That's why the doe, I mean, the doe makes him off his game. And that's what causes a mistake. Yeah, and you got to stack that up in your favor because – you usually only get one chance. That's it. Like, you get one sit, and then he's on you. Like, he smells you. A doe comes by, smells you. He alerts the buck that you were there. They make it a danger area. And a lot of times, if you if you blow the does out, that buck ain't going to stay there. He's going to have to go find somewhere else to go because the rut's coming up. He's like, oh, my doe group shifted. I'm going to shift over there. So it might not be on public land anymore. So you got to really watch yep. what you're doing. Sometimes access you're gonna have to blow deer out to get to that bed i think that's why i try to i try to get close as i can to the bed because it's less likely other deer are going to come past me Mm -hmm. that i have to worry about right so if you can ninja your way by them sometimes you blow them out and you're like you don't care about those deer anyway yeah Yeah. you know it's kind of funny to think about like deer probably hate public land it's probably probably pretty annoying for them to live there i bet they do (laughs) they're like there's freaking always people walking through my house here like that one kid that makes the reel in the deer suits oh yeah oh yeah so Funny, dude. Are, he does the public versus He's private. like, are you going to shoot me right now? Yeah, yeah he's like, I'm going to go over here where it's all like exactly. Nebraska and stuff. It's awesome. Like the public versus private buck. The dude, his, private his buck's all shot funny. to hell, and he's all, oh, yeah. God, like me when I rolled in here this morning, you know, I was hurting. And the private buck's all fat and happy. It doesn't care about yeah. anything, you know. Yeah. Funny. It's hilarious. Gets, but, gets hit in the ass. He's like, fuck, he jumps on like <laughs> the snowmobile and stuff. Yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah. But I don't think deer know if they're on public or private. I mean, I have no way of knowing that. Sure. But There are some cases, and we've talked about, and it's I would say it's highly debatable, especially for people that hunt both. It depends on the area. You, you talk about Iowa having not a lot of um, – public ground you talk about ohio not having a lot of public ground there are definitely in certain places that i think some public is better than private especially like as you go north in pennsylvania where you have literally hundreds of thousands of acres it's i'm not saying it's easy and i'm not saying obviously you can't go out and do a food plot and stuff but the the quality of deer and and the amount of probably mature bucks in those areas is just as good of private, if not better. Some of those private areas, frankly, get way hunted too hard versus the public in retrospect. Dude, I got to tell you, guys are killing some giants in southwestern Pennsylvania. I know, man. Like, surprisingly. Mm. Off just, like, small couple acre pride just but if you look around it there are big public areas around it. a lot of game lands in those areas forbes state forest not, i mean that not, deer came- not specifically where i'm talking about some of the same guys are killing giants in the big woods i know absolutely yeah i noticed some ag when i was driving through yeah. oh yeah area. that deer was bedded on state forest ground and oh, i killed nice. him on private came yep. right across it was better right on the knob came down and i shot him yep but i mean it's it's just 
Now, if you take that same thing and you think about like Iowa, like clearly there are better private ground in Iowa than there are public, but but to, not all the time. Not all the time. I to, have some private ground I hunt that is absolute trash. Is it because it gets pressured, or is it just the? It just sucks. Yeah. And that's why I got. That's how I got permission. Like nobody else. Nobody else would want to hunt there. So I'm like, it's Iowa, man. Just yeah. give me whatever I can get. That seems to be and, like a phenomenon, though, in ag country specifically, yeah. but mainly like Illinois and Iowa. It's like, well, the, the deer herd is not everywhere. Yeah. Like yeah. It's, it's in specific pockets. Areas. But the key is, well, if you get a crappy piece of land like that, I don't shoot any does on it, and I leave it totally alone until the rut. And then every now and again, every other year or so, I'll get a giant that just rolls in there for like three or four days. And there's your case of and, no sign and everything, yeah, and then all of a sudden he's there. You can jump right into that crappy private. Mm-hmm. And early season, I just go blow up all the premium public stuff because mm-hmm. you just got to get in there before everyone else does. Nick does that with public toilets, yeah. blows up all the quality <laughs> ones. Taco, Taco, Taco Bell, Bell yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry, Nick, he gets a, a brunt of a lot of our so, something. Came, something came up the other day, and uh, I don't know, some influencer promoting something. I was like, dude, if we got a Taco Bell sponsorship, we would be in the chips. That'd be dope. Oh, yeah, holy I love Taco cow, Bell. man, yeah, that's good. I probably eat it once a week. Oh, really? I do probably probably do too during the deer season. <laughs> oh, dude, I'm off it now. I'm back on my. I'm still classic though, man. I'm just like give me give me like a six to ten pack of crunchies and I'm good. Mm-hmm. That's all I need. Chalupas are my favorite Taco Bell meal. What's a chalupa? <laughs> I don't I, even know. I, man. No, no, no. I probably had I'm offended it. right I, now. Holy I go, crap! Well, I'm gonna hear a chalupa. It's like first. a hell. I don't even know. It's like a soft, soft and yeah, crunch. it's fried. Yeah. It's not really crunchy. Yeah, yeah, it's the fried. Yeah, soft but it's okay. thick. Yeah, I've had one of those. What's yours? I get to Crunchwrap Supremes. Um, Crunchwrap Supremes. Yeah. I do two of those, and I do those new uh, loaded burritos are oh, pretty nice. money too. I'll do like a uh, steak burrito. I spent a while last night trying to find a Wendy's. I like Wendy's a lot. Listen, Taco Bell, really? if you're listening, <laughs> we could we could have something here to offer you. Yeah. Man, I I struggle with the, the true fast food anymore. I can't yeah, Wendy's, and yeah. I will do. There's a Wendy's. We stop bad. it on the way back from. They got Kansas. Frosties and stuff. Oh, dude, I told Jared my Wendy's story the other day. It was not good. Oh man, like I ate something that I like. I I'll had food, I up. had food poisoning yeah, to I the f- point where my wife was driving and she's like, "I'll get you to this exit." I couldn't make it. We parked on the side. It was I was nice. I knew it right. I park on the side of the highway, right? I'm running up. Everybody's honking because they know what I'm going to oh, do, yeah. right? And I'm just like, I don't care, you know? And so I dive, like, through, like, just this giant, like, briar bush. Nice. I lose my shoe. Don't oh, care no. because I'm going to I'm gonna blow. I go, <laughs> and then blow. I come back, and I realize, like, later that night, I took a giant thorn, like, into my foot that I had to, like, dig out. All because of a bad Wendy's experience. Nice. That I've sucks. gotten food poisoning from Taco Bell a couple other places. No, too, that's but. just normal. <laughs> I Taco, after I eat Taco Bell, I just feel good about yeah, myself. Yeah, man. I just, it's that one fast, for whatever reason, I just, I feel yeah. good after it. I introduced my kids to it not long ago. We were going, it was became a ritual for like Ohio deer hunting camp. Yeah. And we stopped and I just like throw like a 10 pack of crunchies back there. And they're nice. just like, go to town. Some man. of our listeners yeah. will know where it is. It's, it's the uh, Taco Bell in Calcutta yep, is where I stop. I've stopped there going every, to your farm. Every time. If awesome. you see me there, yeah, feel free to buy me a... I think the one yeah. I go Pay to... Pay it forward, you know? <laughs> 55 burgers, 55 fries, 55 yeah. shakes. Some lupus. <laughs> yeah. I forget where. Uh, mine's in... Um, oh, where am I going there? I don't know. Mine's in West Virginia that I'm hitting up mm-hmm. when I go to my Ohio farm. Uh, other than that, though, like, I, I'll, I'll long line for a uh, oh, Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Chick-fil-A. I'll, line, I'll long line for Chick-fil-A. It's good. 
Yeah, Chipotle is tough. You mm-hmm. can't eat it on the road. Well, I've done it, but it's challenging. It's tough. I'm a chip dipper. So oh, yeah, like, me too. I got the knee on the wheel and yeah, yeah. dip and challenging. Man. But you see me trying to drive, trying to eat some of this stuff. I Chipotle last night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, it's hard to miss on the highway. You got that giant Osseo <laughs> truck. Yeah. That's it's pretty true. cool. You guys just have one of those? Yeah, just. Just mine. Uh-huh. Joe's got a Raptor, though, that's fully wrapped. It's got a giant owl on it. It's way cooler than the van. Really? That's pretty cool. Yeah, I think we're going to... Uh, Is that your hunting vehicle, too? I'll talk to Joe about that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so, because I don't want to hotspot myself. Yeah. Like, we where's Rendell hunting? That. Look for the giant-ass Ozio <laughs> van. That's a good call. Yeah. yeah. I was driving if I, this morning, and I like, was like, that is a large vehicle. Rendell's definitely here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hard to miss, yeah. If I was out of state, I would use it, but in Iowa, I don't think so. I, I mean, right. people we, key in on we talk about it when we used to have our whitetail stuff on our truck. I oh, didn't. I, I hated it, man. I know. Because it's just a stuck out like a sore thumb. Yeah. In fact, we had another whitetail guy. I was on public in Kansas. He, like, drove by and backed up and came in. I'm like, son of a bitch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you just, you, yeah, for keeping a low profile, it's tough. Yeah, you don't want to be all tatted out. When I do, like, tethered stuff. Man, there'll be so many people that just stop and talk because yeah. the tethered vehicles are all tatted up. <laughs> yeah. Or they'll even show up at, like, the Airbnb just randomly. Hey! We're like, who the hell is this Have guy? Have you ever seen that freaking guy? He's on I don't, Instagram or TikTok or just some, like, construction workers, a concrete guy, and he's, like, happened to see Lee and Tiffany's bus. And he's like, hey, it's Lee and Tiffany. And, Lee, and they're, like, waving at him. He's like, but you guys are doing it was a lot cooler than what I've done. <laughs> just, like, just like, some jag off, you know? Oh, that's funny. That's it's Lee and Tiffany. man. <laughs> Yeah, no, it is. I mean, it that is, I would say that's probably one of the things that, you know, a lot of these guys, and it used to be not be a big deal. Like, I mean, how many people's trucks were wrapped and stuff, but now, yeah. especially on public, man, it is, it is a freaking spotlight. Yeah. You got to watch yourself. I mean, the hunting public guys get it all the time. You know, people know what they're driving and stuff, you know? And so when they pull in a parking lot, they're like, holy shit, that's Warb's truck or that's Greg's truck or Zach's truck. Like they're just, do they? They got, I, oh, got they, a, I, I don't got think a, they're, not, they're not they're not like tatted up. But I bet they're making an extreme effort not to. They just know, man. I they know, know what they drive. Honestly, like I know where they hunt in Iowa. I have most of the pins. There's so many guys that go blow up their stuff because yeah. they, they yeah. see a tree line on YouTube or something. And, and they just like, know. I know right where that is. Like the buck nest. Yeah. yeah. Like everybody knows where the buck nest is. And really? there's like 20 tree stands in there now. Wow. So that's why. Man, everybody wants to push me into filming stuff, but I don't really want to just because, you know, I want to hide a lot of my big bucks and stuff. So I'm kind of nervous about sharing that info because people are crazy, man. They'll go do a lot. I even drive a spy vehicle. Like, it's something (laughs) that nobody would ever expect me to be in. Mm -hmm. And I drive that around. It's like you roll up in the parking lot and you're like, oh, that's not a hunter. Drop down Chrysler Suburban. That's a drug dealer. (laughs) You know know what you should do? Here, we'll give away. Is that a Prius? Yes. What if you, uh, what's the deal with all of them? Uh, <clears throat> is that supposed to be some kind of universal sign? Like if a car's broken down, you put something like a bag or something. Yeah. In like, oh, like a yeah, white, like a white rag or whatever. That would be the move. You pull into like yeah. a parking lot, put a, a rag and hang it. You're like, oh, this truck's been broken down for, clearly been here for a long time. Lose your wheels that way in the wrong place though. I yeah. have had some people try to find where I hunt and they know what I drive. So I'll purposely drive to some crappy piece of public and park it and have a buddy pick wow, me up. Wow, decoy And I'll go scout Who's trying to find them? where you hunt? Locals? Dude, yeah. Yeah? I'll park and then like, oh, it's the crappiest spot ever. And I'll get in a vehicle with my buddy and we'll drive. Straight the weirdest mindset. Straight honey dicking them. Dude, it's wild, man. <laughs> you honey potting me? <laughs> yeah, I am. For sure. Uh, I never understood that. Like, I mean, 
Drop me a pen, bro. I it is tough, man. I mean, think about think about where we hunt in Kansas and how that has changed. I mean, before we could go anywhere, never run into people really that much. Now all of a sudden, dude, it's like every parking lot's yeah. full. I mean, when we park somewhere and hike in, like people know. It's kind of why I want to eat. Well, they don't know it's us necessarily, but it's. I don't think so. I mean, yeah, if we had our our whites all stuck stickers and stuff on, then yeah. Yeah, they knew. I mean, I did this past <laughs> Well, year. that's the problem with decals and tattoos. Yeah. And if like if you have an identifiable mark, it's oh, like, yeah, yeah, people can figure you out, you know. But It's kind of why I want an e-bike, because I can park, get on the e-bike, and drive the e-bike a couple miles down that's the road it, man. do something else. Those things are in the right place. It's hard in, like, the mountain-type terrain yeah. and stuff. But if you're in some of those flat, like, ag areas and stuff, dude, you can cover some ground with that thing. And it is deadly. It's almost, it's kind of, I mean, it's not funny in the moment, but it's funny, like... <clears throat> how far back on some of that stuff you'll see people. Oh, yeah. Because the conversation is kind of like, how did you get back here? Yeah, Jared I'm ran like, into a heck? bunch of Asians squirrel hunting. Yeah. Yeah, right? Wisconsin this year, early season. So, I've seen like a hundred of them. Was it Wichita guys? It was yeah, they were squirrel hunting. Yeah, Wisconsin. Asian, Chinese like, guys? A- Asian guys? Yeah. It's insane. I'm messing up that there. up. I'm not sure exactly where they were you from. Were, well, but it was, Wichita is where they were from. But <laughs> you, were, you were like deep in there too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, further than I would, I would have, I personally would have gone for squirrels. Yeah, Yeah. I'm like, dude, there's squirrels like where I parked my truck. Like, you don't have to be this far back. I was like two miles deep in some of these swamps in Wisconsin, and here comes a squirrel hunter in a swamp. I'm like, there ain't no trees back here, dude. Yeah, but it's like the squirrels get pushed into the swamp because they're getting hunted so hard. Like every day, there was just like 15 cars. What is this fascination with squirrels? All I don't know, and it. They'll cook them right out there too. They carry the batter yeah, around. They said, I, I get that's them on, what they told us too. I get them on trail camera in Iowa. They'll have the batter bag in their hand, and they cook them up right wow. there. It's kind of wild. It's kind of cool. General so, so squirrel. That, yeah, I'd try it. I'd yeah. be in for it. Yeah. So mm. it tastes a little nutty. What about your pheasant hunters out there? Does that get rough? Yeah, Western Kansas. They've for sure. ruined more big buck spots for me than anything. Because they so. just and I, I would dogs. Too. Yeah, a lot of bird hunters. In oh Iowa. yeah. yeah. What's well, one of the top pheasant hunting states? Yeah, especially where I live. Iowa is. Yeah. Oh really? I mean, those are the guys who find. I would say most of the big deadheads and stuff. Yeah. Because they just cover ground and just push into everything. So you have to adjust your strategy. I'm more likely to say screw it and go super risky early in a CRP field than I am in the timber. Because you know it's going to. I know. I, right when the rut starts. Bird hunters are going to come in here and blow it up, and they're done. Interesting. Yeah, so, that makes. You don't I, think bucks will go back in after that? I mean, it should be fairly routine. Usually not. Depends really? how much, how hard it gets. Yeah, because I mean, it, those... it gets shit pounded up there. I mean, every day there's somebody in there. Every single really? public piece. Yeah, I, mean, I guess those, the birds are pretty. Yeah, they're regenerative. They keep coming back. And tons of pheasant hunters pour in there. I mean, there's guys on it every day of the week. Huh. Just pheasant hunting. Now, during the rut, sometimes you'll get, like, an odd place, like a really tiny CRP where nobody's really bird hunting. Right. Because the CRP's not switchgrass. It's mostly, like, woody browse and stuff. Then you'll get a giant buck that pushes a doe in there, and you could get... You ever been pheasant hunting? Like, yeah, oh, I yeah. do it a bunch. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I enjoy it. I mean, it's... Uh, I broke my arm in college, oh, and I couldn't bow hunt one time. So, I've pheasant hunted a lot. <laughs> we used to hunt my uh, family's... Uh, some of my cousins and uncles, they own a, a property in Nebraska, and they get a lot, oh, of, nice. a lot of pheasant stuff out there and quail. I remember as a kid, like, I think you could only shoot the roosters out there. Yeah, And probably. I was, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I was saying I was Rooster! Maybe, I was maybe 12 or something like that. Yeah. And, so, and a, I was, you know, gun was too big for me and stuff. So we're walking around, and, yeah, bird will fly up in front of me. I'm all, they're like, hen! 
And, you know, I'm like, just fire. I know, I know. I, I, know. I have no idea. I'm like, how are yeah. you supposed to know? You know, yeah. I was a 12-year-old kid. I miss it, it three takes times. It a hot minute to learn. Uh, dude, that's the that. beauty of Pennsylvania. We, like, I ground and pound them. They start running out of autumn olives and just bam. Well, and I don't think, I don't know if anybody even told me. So I hear him, yeah, and I'm like, oh, okay, uh, yeah. I see it. Uh, <laughs> a little tip for anybody hunting CRP. If you hear a rooster or pheasant <laughs> kind of cackle, there's a deer coming. Mm. Right when I hear it, I get ready. It's and like blue jays here. Okay. Yeah. Here, nine times out of ten, though, deer will show up. Here's an interesting observation. Have you ever noticed this where you're at? Dude, when I see it'll be like in October, when if I have like a flock of gobblers come through, a lot of times after that, I'll see a three-year-old or older buck. Not with really? them, yeah, not yeah. with them, but like there's there's something there. Like they're using if, their eyes or something. I wonder mm. if the buck has confidence in the turkey's vision that there's I mean, no predators there. For sure, a turkey's got better vision than a deer does. I mean, I, I don't have the statistic, but there have been a lot of times where I've had a flock of longbeards. Like in October, there, yeah. it seems like they're all yeah. together. I have six or seven of them. It's probably overlapping food source at that yeah. point, too. Probably. A lot of those occurrences were on oak flats. Yep. So Interesting. Or corn boughs. Something I'll have to pay attention <laughs> no, to. <laughs> those turkeys will come to corn But, but yeah, I mean, oak flats for sure. All those acorns, those birds are in there. Bucks are in there, too. That's the hot food source at that time period. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's folklore. I, yeah, I don't know. I'll pay attention I listen to, to the, I listen Have you to never the, noticed that? I listen to the Blue Jays. Yeah, like when you hear Blue Jays. Jays like really going off, I'm like, something's coming. Okay, here's yeah. one for you. This pisses me off. I don't know if it's actually making a difference, but do squirrels ever like oh, yeah. scream at you? Same thing. Oh, yeah. I'm like, shut up. Yeah. Shut yeah. up. Like, and then because yeah. I see the deer out there, I'm they like, you heard it. Yep. Because it's like a caution. You think, you think Squir- squirrels and Blue Jays, think, same yeah. thing. You think a deer actually pay attention and will stay Absolutely. away from a squirrel oh, that's yeah. screaming? They know. I mean, if I lived in I the probably woods, they know that's their siren basically out there. Damn squirrels! I always I heard old white tail from a guy in Ohio that crows. If you hear crows going off, there's usually a buck nearby. I've never really paid attention to it, but I heard that like Coshocton area. There's an old timer there that was telling me about it. Huh? The only time I use crows are for turkeys sounding off. Yeah, yeah. Crow call. Boy, it's, there's some sounds that just are so unique to the to fall. Yeah. You know, it's like when you start hearing them, you're like, oh, yeah, it's that time. Bard owls. Iowa, there's bard owls yeah. everywhere. So I'll hear the owls going off. And I yeah. got the Ozio camo on. I just feel it's sick. It feels like. I feel like that at November. With the majestic. owl community. Yes. Yeah. No. Just pick me up, fly me <laughs> yeah. away. Like, yes. My November giant time frame. I hear like chickadees going off. Actually, uh, this week <laughs> I had uh, a bunch of gobblers behind my house just like cranking. Sweet. Oh, yeah. Which was real cool. I was, I could see them. I had them. They're all fanned out back there. I'm like, they'll be gone by the time warm, the season weather starts. Warm weather gets them all fired up. Yeah, they were all fired up. But, yeah, it is funny when you get into some of those. The, the blue jays and squirrels are the big tip-offs, especially in, like, woods, yeah. wood settings. Because, mm-hmm. like, if you all of a sudden, like, blue jays really start going off, like, pay attention to where you're at, where they're at. Yeah, definitely the pheasants, too. And yeah, I that's will. a good one. I think Skip was the one who told us. Uh, he was seeing that. I've seen grouse fly out in some cases from, from that. In fact, I've seen bear flush and grouse before. Oh, yeah. Um, just from big disturbances in that area, you know, they're holding tight, hmm. but yeah, I mean, it's, it, you know, that's the woodsmanship and man, it's, it is tough. We've talked about it a lot. I know, you know, it's not the majority of hunters by any means, but there's a, there is a generation of hunters that because of the technology and stuff that we have available to us, uh, you know, have dulled down their woodsmanship. 
because they can. They have e-mapping and they have cell cameras and whatever else. And, you know, they're going to be successful. I mean, that's what those tools are for. But, man, it, it takes some of the pure joy out of it from a woodsmanship side to, you know, how many of those guys are out walking in February and March to look at terrain and, and see a bedding area and read sign and maybe find a shed? Probably not many. They rely too heavily on maps and trail cameras, and once that you know season's over, I think their scouting is done. Well, it, you know, and it makes sense that that is the case because it it can be overridden. Like you can you can override woodsmanship with hundred percent. That's you know, why it's made essentially. You know uh, that kind of a like mm-hmm. an, you know baiting or uh, uh, truthfully even gun seasons. Like you don't really need woodsmanship for you know it's two point yeah. Yeah. Well, depending on your, I guess what I'm saying is range. Yeah. You especially know. after like the first day of gun, the deer just forgiveness or forgiveness. And just, yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, like, I mean, the corn pile stuff we talk about all the time. It's that's why we don't like it is it, it overrides the need to ride. You miss your connection with nature and like why you're actually to the point of talking about blue jays and squirrels and stuff like, dude, when you're sitting in a tree stand and you're paying attention to this stuff, you're pretty intertwined with what's going on around you versus I'm just sitting there waiting for my trail camera to ping on my phone to let me know where he's actually at. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's a, that's a, and I'm guilty of it myself. Of oh, like, yeah. oh, 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 yep. Yeah. Yep, there's a deer up there, and it's like, man, that makes me sick to a point because normally I want the unknown. I want the I've done my homework. I want to listen to the squirrel barking up over on that oak ridge to be like, something's coming through. There could be turkeys, could be a deer. I I don't know, but like, you know, we we've kind of desensitized ourselves to having to pay attention to the nature side of things because technology's there at our fingertips. Yeah, um, it's like making hunting fun again. Like you don't have. Anxiety. I think cameras give you anxiety. They do. Because you're like, oh, I got this 180. Then I go hunt three other properties, and I got a 140, 150 come out. And all I think about, oh, I, Is got, that 180? A, I got a 180. Man, should I shoot it? Should I not shoot it? Then you get all this anxiety, and it kind of ruins your experience. And then you go, and oh, 180 died from EHD. Oh, my God. And, you know, I could have killed a 150. What the mm-hmm. hell am I doing? Or, well, more than that, or you dude, never get when that. When it comes to patterning, it's yeah. like, well, you, you, the worst case of that is like you go solely off what the camera tells you. It's yeah. like it's like was he there? Was he there? Was he there? Okay, I'm going. And you're late. You're yeah. You yeah. miss it right when you get that first daylight photo. You're you're screwed. Well, dude, for, like you it been takes there. away all your instinct. Yeah. Liter- and I've we've talked about this before. I've missed so many opportunities at deer because I put my instinct aside and I just wait <clears> and wait and wait and then I'm like, okay, tomorrow's the day. Yeah. And that you night before late. or that evening before, there he was. Or I'll go into a fresh sit, a scout, like speed scout, and I find like super hot scrape or anything. And my instinct is hunt it now. Yep. Oh, no, I'm going to hang the camera like a dumbass. Take intel. And then yeah. I get that daylight photo the next day. And then what? Oh, he smelled me because I was there. Then he never, come, never comes That's back. That's huge, man. I think a lot of people don't understand. Like, in, I was trying to coax that out of Troy on the last one. He's talking about get into an area undetected. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think that is a thing. Like, if you're in, no. the, if you're in the woods, like, they know it. They know. It may have been Brackett that said it like this for me. And just this understanding of, like, scent and stuff is was really helpful for me. Imagine every time that you go into like the deer woods, uh, like the scent, your scent or whatever yeah. is like it's a coat of red paint that the deer can see, you know, or that they're yeah. they're aware of. It's like there is no way to eliminate that. I mean, you can minimize it and stuff, and maybe rain will help to wash it away and stuff after the fact. But if you go into an area, they know you were there. Oh, yeah. They know you were there. They're going to come at night, yeah. 
And so that should be a serious factor as you consider your level of aggression yeah. to go in and hunt. It's like, hey, I can go whatever. I can go this far and hang a camera or hunt or whatever. And then he may not get there yeah. in daylight because you weren't aggressive enough. And then he's going to know you were there anyway. So he's going to have the same reaction and, and he's yeah. going to be more cautious. So Why I, not just go all the way in yeah, and take full that. advantage? I'm he's gonna, almost too aggressive. Yeah. Like, he's going to know sometimes. you were there yeah. no matter what. So you might as well just blow it up. Well, go in and try to yeah, I mean, one get sit. it done now. Yeah, one sit and you're done. Yeah, you pussyfoot around too much. Yeah, it's going to hurt. It's going to bite you. He's going to know you're there and yeah. he's game over. Yep. Like, yep. good luck. Yep. That's definitely a consequence of conservative hunting. Yeah, like, so you got all variables. Like, some guys stay out until the <laughs> rut. Some guys go right in. It depends on the situation. Private land, I tend to hold it. Like, I wait. Mm. But on public, I'm just ultra aggressive because I've... Uh, another guy's going to come in and hunt it, so I might as well just go one yeah. sit and yeah. just blow up the bedding area. Yeah. I love it, dude. I love just It's fun to have diversity of, like, private and public and different, yeah. you know. It's ever-changing. And so it's just, like, it really is a chess match throughout the season, yeah. and you can prepare for it beforehand, try to educate yourself. But it's just, like, I, just that time of year, man. You just dig in and you're oh, yeah. just rolling with it, making decisions, you know, and, and learning, making mistakes. and Yeah, and don't box yourself in. Like, you... Yeah. You have to be a public land hunter. You have to be yeah, private yeah. land. Just man, you can be anything you want to be. Just be a hunter. Like yeah. tree stand saddles. Like just go out and hunt. Have fun. I think we've been doing better at that. Yeah. I think in terms of our because I mean Jared and I, we get criticized for being quote elitist, which is not the case necessarily. I've been called that before. Yeah, and it's because <laughs> of like the level we of of the bar that we set for ourselves every yeah. season. And I don't care what other people kill, that's just my bar. Exactly. So, I think that when it comes down to it, like we talked about this pre-podcast is we want to figure out a way that no matter how you hunt, that your experience is as fulfilling as the way that we hunt, right? And right yeah, now exactly. it's not. You know, and and I people can say that, you know, they can lie about it and say, "Well, you know, I, I, you know, public land is just, it's awesome. Like I, I love the experience and stuff. And it's like, listen, man, the, the fact is, is like you are dodging and hunting people. Can, can I say this? Randall, I appreciate your honesty because you know, you're known for like a public land yeah. guy and that's, that's, it just is what it is. Like you've taken yeah. the hands that you were dealt and stuff. And like, so I appreciate your, on, as, as we talk, because we're front, we talk all the time. Right. And you're like, dude, I just gotta be honest. Like it's, it's rough. It's dude, hard. It it's hard. Like, it's not it's a challenge. Yeah, it is. And I get why people like that. In fact, yeah. you know, I remember growing up, like, I hunted a lot of, and I love that challenge. I mean, when you killed a buck, like, the the rush of success and everything that came with it was awesome. But what's so weird, and I've said this to numerous guys in comments, is, like, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, when I hunted public land, like, I didn't feel like running into guys. and so, Like, I, I didn't have all this external influence. It was still me against the deer trying yeah. to hunt. Now, like, I hear so many guys are like, well... You know, we, I got to avoid the pressure. I got to do this. And it's like, that's not hunting. You're just, you're avoiding other people. I want to hunt the deer in its element and its habitat. And most people don't get to have that experience anymore because there's a flood of people in public. Yeah. And you get frustrated. I mean, you're set up, you spent hours and days scouting this one buck and you get set up and then here comes Billy Bob Gentry down the trail yeah, rubbing nose jammer on every single tree, and he walks right through the bedding area, and then you're done. Like That's all it. that time, the one sit you had, toast. And it wasn't you versus the deer; it yeah. was you versus Billy Bob. <laughs> you know that that is, and, and a lot of public land hunters will 
will get real bent out of shape when we call them out on that. And it's it's just an observation. It's on like, yeah. what? Who are you calling out for what? That will say like, you know, man, public hunting sucks because you're having to outsmart and, and outdupe all these people, not necessarily oh. the deer yeah, itself. And there's some guys that live for that though. Like Yeah, yeah. yeah they, but that's not that's not hunting. You're they, you're it, it no, it is hunting. It's, well, it, it's no. like a, it's like a trophy to them. They beat It's the a pressured deer. animal though. It's your hunt you're not hunting the animal. You're you're yeah. having to hunt around the people. Well, the animal's well, doing the do, same thing. You are thing. hunting the animal, but the strategy is solely based pretty much on pressure. Yeah, so the guys... And it's that whole thing is birthed yeah. out of like a situation where you have you know, a lot of pressure in I those know. areas. So it, it's yeah. like a trophy. They beat the deer and they beat everyone else. Mm -hmm. So it's like... And I see that. I, uh, I, it's and an there's admirable a big success accomplishment. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm, is fine. I'm I not just, doubting that at all. It's just that more than often, they're having to put more effort in avoiding the pressure than yeah. they are out-strategizing the mature buck. Yeah, which, that's probably true. in my opinion, sucks. Well, I think if... Because he's pushing the deer to places he normally wouldn't be at. So you that's how people get lucky outside of the box. Sure. That's how people, when we see somebody kill a 200 inch deer and we're like, holy shit, no offense. How the hell did this dude kill a well, 200 inch yeah, deer? I mean, he was just the right spot, right time. Well, there you go. And so I've kind of feel like, who am I to, to say like, hey, that's not as, uh, you know. That's not what I'm saying though. I'm well, not I'm saying that saying it's, it's not as different. It, it's just I feel I feel for them having to justify that I it's know, cool. I know, but do you hear what I'm saying? So like I understand Eberhard is somebody that comes to mind, somebody who would adamantly say I prefer a situation where I'm having to outsmart a bunch of guys on a property to kill a certain deer. I'm I who am I to say that that's his not his, the truth to him? Sure. However, I mean having done both, you know, hunted. Uh, deer on natural movement patterns and hunted public lands that are highly pressured. I, I can't see how that can really be the case. It's like well, it's, who, who wouldn't at yeah. their core really want to hunt a deer on a natural movement pattern. That's not influenced by other it's a, people. It's very or different. At least, or at least have that as a part of their season. Like again, you don't have yeah. to do solely one thing, but like that. I mean, you hunt public land for 120 days straight, man, you just got the crap kicked out of you. It's not, Super mm -hmm. enjoyable. I mean, and if you succeeded, it's amazing. Yeah. Like you've blown the roof. Which off I could have killed thing. deer. I just opted to pass them. But I think I diversifying think yourself, saying, "Hey, on the weekends, I'm going to go jump on my free permission while all the guys thump around on public. Then I'm going to roll on public." Because on my cameras, I notice like Tuesday through Thursday, all the bucks are daylighting on public. I mean, so we've killed a bunch of deer. deer. We've killed a bunch of deer on public ground. I mean, that that's how that's the only thing I hunted growing up. The, yeah. the reality is, is that outsmarting a mature buck on natural patterns is not freaking easy at all. If you then throw in the massive amount of pressure that most public land sees, especially east of the Mississippi River, the fact is, is that that strategy becomes you out hunting people versus how you hunt the deer. Really, what it comes down to is there's more damn luck involved than there is skill. And I'm not downplaying that. Like I'm not saying that that's that's a you know a bad thing. It's just where our goal. It, we've talked about it with this podcast. Is I want that experience of hunting to be. <laughs> it depends. It, it certainly early, introduces a lot more like frustration. During, Here, I feel like tell you what. during the rut, it's more luck. But early season, what I'm doing. 
there's not a lot of guys in the woods on public. So that's more skill set. Like there you I'm go. more using my skills. And on that's that. and that's an awesome experience. Let's yeah. let's introduce a, a fourth opinion here to the mix. I got John Johnny's at the door. The Hunter Podcast is brought to you by Muddy and Stealth Cam Trail Cameras. Cell cams, cell cams, cell cams. What an evolution the industry has seen and we've experienced personally over the past five, ten, you know, whatever cameras were invented, right? It's like, man, it's totally changed the way that we inventory deer, pattern deer, and ultimately the decisions that we make when we're going out to hunt. They're a serious piece of the puzzle, and, and uh, you know that information is invaluable for us. We trust the Muddy and Stealth Cams, you know, together to be able to, to collect any of that information. Yeah, I mean, as an admitted trail cam addict, you know, I've definitely been guilty of of under hunting places or relying too heavily on that information that's come in. That said, it's an invaluable tool to the overall management plan and strategy that I have for my own properties or even hunting public land. It doesn't matter. We have a finite amount of time in going out and hunting. So when you and I are after a particular class or quality of deer, usually a mature buck, we can't waste time hunting an area where that deer doesn't exist. And those cell cams provide that information that allow us to spend the time in the area with the highest chance to accomplish our goals. Say it all the time, man. They can't kill them if they're not there. That's it. So right now, any of our listeners can use uh, code HUNTER20 to get 20% off either muddy or stealth cameras. Uh, We're certainly going to be taking advantage of that, and we hope you guys do too. Yep, check out Stealth Cam and Muddy. Yeah, hey, Johnny Stewart, everybody. Hey. Hey. So, did you kill one in Iowa? No, come close. When did you go out? Because I remember I texted you this past fall, and you were in Illinois. We were in Illinois right? in November, then uh, headed out to Iowa right after Christmas. No, uh, New Year's. Yep. Yeah, because you were like Ohio, Illinois, or Iowa, and then back to Ohio for months. Yeah, it was like the late, late season. I come mm-hmm. back to Ohio. So is that, is that like a muzzle or tag that you drew? Yeah, or? I used to get it pretty regularly, but yeah. now it's like pulling tough. teeth. You know, so I'm on three years. Holy shit. Yeah, just to get out there and, and hunt a few days. And I stopped in Illinois on my way back through. So Iowa ended, what, the 10th? Yeah. Come, come back to Illinois. Got there on the 12th. And for some reason in my mind, I thought Illinois it ended. ended on the 10th. No, Illinois ended on the 14th. 14th. Iowa's 10th. So Were you there on the 9th? I got there. It was Iowa on the 9th. It did. 9th was keyed up. That's yeah. when I killed in Illinois. Oh, is that right? Yep. In January. I'm, I'm talking January. Oh, forgive me. No, no. Yeah, late November. season. Late season. My bad. That's when I was in Iowa, yeah. my black powder town. Okay. That's when we got okay. that snowstorm. We were at ATA. Yeah. I was looking at yeah, hands by then. because yeah. I headed to uh, Illinois, and I got there on the 12th, and it was like minus 5, yeah. 10 degrees. That yeah. big drop yeah. came in. Yeah. So I hunted a few days, had a light snow, but I, I almost thought the season <clears> ended on the 16th. And we hunted the 14th. It was a Sunday in, in the Illinois, three days. I'm like, yeah, tomorrow I'm going to go down in here. And I'm going to get in there early, you know. Yeah. And I was talking to my, uh, that guy. Uh, I know what's his name. He, he was filming uh, Pat Reeves. There. Yeah. Oh, okay. What's his name? Um, anyways, he said, you in the Illinois? I'm like, yeah. He's like, I was like, you, what do you, you know, you're going to stay a couple of days? You're hunting? He said, no, you know, season's over. I'm hunting. <laughs> he said, well, in my area, it's over. And he told me he was like an hour down the road. I'm like, <laughs> Uh, so maybe there's different out. zones. I better look into. You got to check on it. <laughs> you know? yeah. well, did we tell you last time we were out here? What first time we hunted North Dakota? <clears throat> their season's like weird. It doesn't start until noon on the first day. Oh, that's weird. right. Yeah. So I we're out remember. there at like nine o'clock, bows in the back, go. and we're ready to freaking rip. Face painted up. Yeah. I'm like, oh yeah. Baby. And there's only <laughs> there's only two <laughs> roads back into this big piece of public, and this dude, uh, we you know pull over and chat with him a bit. And we're like, oh, where are you going? So this and that. He's like, yeah, just be careful. You know, the season doesn't start till noon, right? And we're like, okay, yeah, we know that. Yeah, jerking off all the out of staters. 
That's good to remember. Like, oh shoot, yeah, that's not still hard to Google. He's trying to beat me to that spot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We found we found like two big muleys like at nine thirty, right out of the gate. I'm freaking here. We go right off of the side of the road. And so it's like we got to wait like. Two and a half hours to like go and make a stock on these deer. We did. We went back to the camper, yeah, made, awesome. made an early lunch, and then just kind of went back and. I'm kind of pumped. Blew them that. out of there. Didn't that didn't pan out? He invited me in case you didn't know. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. I'm it's, go- a, it's I'm, an open invitation. I mean, dude, if people, dude, it's we're so all for fun. It. First of all, the Badlands, like uh, Nick and Allie are going to come. I'm pretty oh, sure. Sweet. It, you got to draw right. So it's like okay. I think I think I've heard of March? some guys having trouble drawing, but it's in our experience it's like 50 50 yeah, yeah we do, we drew two years in a row then we didn't draw last year or no we drew two years in a row then we mm. didn't draw then we did draw last year and we forfeited mm-hmm. nice we forfeited well, our ta- one of the years because of the drought oh i got you i don't know if it was last year or the year before yeah and then well we uh, didn't go last year. we're hoping to draw this year yeah, we're hoping point. to go yeah. this year. I'll put in for it. If I don't, I'll just go to Kentucky if I don't draw. Yeah. Well, dude, it's a blast. Well, white cells are over the counter in North oh, Dakota. Yeah, so right. if you don't draw, you can still draw white. That's what I did last year. I hunted white cells in North Dakota last year. Yeah. Oh, and I did ask. So we that, did run into that some white cells out there. That didn't burn my point either, which was awesome because I mm. wanted to make sure on that. Oh, sweet. Yeah, yeah, that's a good call. So you guys were looking for muleys, not whitetail? Yeah, yeah we were in the cool. Badlands, Western. Um, and we talk about, like, getting away from pressure and yeah. stuff. Like, we saw a few residents, but, like, it is, it's void of life in terms of people out there. Like, mm-hmm. even in the town. Well, we saw we saw some people, right? Yeah. There was a few trucks. I mean, they're, they're around. I mean, the they're problem around. is at that early season is, like, when you find a group of mature muleys, like, that's, that's it. That's them. Like, You've got to hunt that area every single day because, you know, you may drive another 15 miles and not see a single muley buck. You ever been on a muley hunt? No. It's pretty fun. I know. It's good I got stuff, enough I'm sure I know you got nothing but time, right? So yeah, about a new yeah. hobby here, but. We should go, Johnny. It's early September, right? So, I mean, it's it's the first week. I think this year it's September 6th. It's the latest it'll ever be. Is that when Muley and Whitetail? Because I was out there for Whitetail maybe two years ago. I think yep. they come in they the open same the same day. Yeah. yeah. So, we draw on any deer tag, which nice. allows you to hunt Muley's, but then you could also hunt Whitetail's if you want. And f- we saw some big-ass Whitetail out there, like yeah. megas. Yeah. We saw one that was like. All over seventies, probably. All over. Remember yeah. that non-typical? Mm-hmm. Whoa! Yeah. Like, oh, dude, Power I'm talking. Looked like, like, look like a farm awesome. deer, like big white antlers. It lo- we were drop. We were dropping. Mm-hmm. And we saw it was a real tall eight. Like, I mean, an I remember awesome it. Like eight. it was yesterday. We're driving down a big valley. Yeah. Some of the plots. Like, stuff. I mean, a giant, like super tall eight, and you're like, oh my god, that's a giant. And then this deer comes out behind it. You're like, holy shit! It wow. looked like just a farm deer freak, like stuff everywhere. <laughs> it's a pretty different, like even though they're you know cohabitating there it's like a very different mindset so like a lot of the whitetails will filter off of you know big food sources into private quickly. okay because that's where most of the timbers at like the river bottom timber they're feeding alfalfa usually or wheat fields and a lot stuff. of the muleys are still crossing rivers and stuff but getting up into a lot of the badlands are, are public mm-hmm. sitting up in the in the tops okay and so they're going in different directions oh, and you, cool. your spot and stock on whitetails is hard yeah like few and far you got to set up basically whereas muleys we're going from morning to evening all day stalking they'll run and nice. they'll find shady spot and they'll lay down and then you restock mm-hmm. i mean if you had access to some of that private though like dude with a hay bale blind like, oh yeah oh my word yeah, awesome <laughs> i hunted the eastern side and there wasn't yep. like northeast there wasn't many muleys Night and day. All. Night and but day. i tell there you aren't, what there uh, aren't any muleys over there yeah the well hun- very few i think the hunters were thick oh, yeah. the first week of september i'm like 
holy shit, this is like PA rifle yeah, season. There's exactly. guys everywhere. I'm like, it's opening. Really? Everybody yeah. can get in over the counter. There's only so many states open the first of September, yeah. so it's tough. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you what? couldn't get, I, I said, well, I'll get in the forest maybe because of the uh, acorns dropping. It's a jungle in there, jungle. man. I'm yeah, like, it's nasty. I, you know, it's, it, yeah, it's. It, you yeah. would say in the forest. Just the what, woods? The You're woods. talking about public land or what? Yeah, yeah, the public land. There's a good bit of uh, gorges and like mm-hmm. state yeah, forest or plots. Stuff. There's a fair amount of. It's Garrett. like kind of Iowa on steroids. Like, like steep, just maybe like 300 feet elevation, t- you know, just a little more. Dra- like, kind of remind me of some Midwest, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot more, not as open area. There's a lot more timber. A lot oh, of wow. ag out there still, too. Yeah, ag and, and, and a big, big, big hunks of timber. Such yeah. a diverse state. I mean, where yeah. we're hunting muleys is like in the southwestern corner of the state, western side of the state anyways. And it's Badlands is typically where you're sending the muleys yeah. at. Uh, but where I, so I didn't draw last year, but I got a chance to go out and hunt. Did you see how white tail I killed out there last year? Yeah, this past year. This past year. Oh yeah. Okay. So oh, that, yeah. that was a stud. Man. That was like northwestern uh, North Dakota. Oh yeah. And I mean, it was like t- totally different from yeah. Yeah. where we're hunting the southwest corner of. I mean, just bit Missouri River bottoms, basically thick, gnarly. We're losing wilderness. deer into Montana. Like we'll be making stocks on deer, and they'll hop the fence into Montana, yeah, and then we have to back wild. out. Yeah. That was a good I, deer, That was yeah. the biggest wow. deer we were at. Which two, we didn't know of. Two years ago. <laughs> we're like, can we go after him there? And I'm like, no, I don't think so. Two years ago, we had a we were having a tough hunt. It was the, yeah. it was a year of that drought and stuff. And so we were struggling to find deer. Uh, but finally, I was like, we're, it's put us, we found a mature buck. I felt like it was like a four-year-old or, you know, mule deer. Nothing. I mean, he might have been 130. Yeah. And I was like, fine. You know, let's, let's put a stock on. The weather yeah. was terrible. We were dragging cameramen with us. It was a whole, like... Yeah, yeah. A we were thing. in the grasslands because they had pushed all the cattle into the badlands uh, for grazing, which displaced all the muleys into the grasslands. So mm-hmm. stocking difficulty went to 100, like, real fast. So I get, like, halfway into this stock, maybe three-quarters of the way, we're kind of... We're getting up to this point. We're going to start belly crawling up this backside of this hill. And Jeremy calls me and he's like, giant, giant, giant. <laughs> and apparently there was a big, like 160 inch, uh, four by four down in there that Man, we, ha- we hadn't seen yeah. full velvet comes up out of this, this ditch. And I'm like, Oh my God, I could see Jared in the camera guys talking. I'm like, Oh God, they're going to mess it up. Just a monster. <laughs> and sure enough, we boogered some does on the way in oh, and they, dang. they were just on edge and they all got up on the top of this hill and we're looking back at us. like, Oh my goodness. Like, There's like giant. eight bucks and then together. They, right and then there. they hopped the Jeez. fence into Montana and they were wow. gone. Dang. That's wild. That's cool. But it's a lot of, there's a lot it's of. It's a lot of fun, uh, dude. We, I, dude, we're all for if we can make some kind of a group hunt. It's, all, it's a we, lot we of. We need to court, start coordinating now. I'm definitely going next year to North Dakota. Are you? Yeah. Because Bill's going to work on his hunting cabin there. And oh, there you okay. go. I yeah. told him we're going to plan something. So There's a lot of private oh. open to public oh, in their yeah. plots yeah. program, which is what we hunt prim- primarily. Yep, yep. That's what I was on. And then I hunted a piece out there that I found that. It wasn't posted, and I was a lot yep, of hunted. So you can do that. Went all around it. Yep. I ended up missing a big deer, about 150 mm. inch in velvet there. And then I know Bill had. I we come back and Bill had gone out there, and uh, he said, "Oh, it's posted." I said, "Go to this spot. It's where I seen a big deer, and someone posted it. Oh, you know, really? they saw I was hunting there. Not oh, yeah. like the locals. Oh, I've been seeing you park here, doing any good, you know. And then, you know, I said, hey, "Bill, you better check that spot out." And then they had it posted up we mm. had found one spot um when it wasn't in drought and there was an outfitter that at least a lot of that ground there and it, i forget it was probably third or fourth night there jared and i drive by this old wheat field and there's probably 12 or 13 muley bucks in this wheat field that came up out of this river bottom dude and i'm like, talking you're underselling it mega giants wow. Wow. like 
what are they, 50 yards 50 from the yards road? 50 yards from the truck. I'm talking like we were driving through a preserve. Nice. Like 170, 180 class Monster mule That's wild. Or just like, are we seeing this right now? Is this <laughs> real life? It was not. Couldn't believe it. Dude, driving into those some of that public was, I felt like Jurassic Park, because most of the state didn't have muleys, and it's just pretty desolate. Yeah. And then you get into some of that badland country, like where the like around big food sources and stuff, and you're like, holy shit, like there's some giants here. It's just where they're That's at. It's pretty wild. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah, it and uh, I think that we, we usually spend a week there, like on a fifth wheel back in like the middle of the Badlands where, yeah, I mean, you run into some people, but I mean, it's pretty remote. I mean, it you feel you feel pretty cool because like, you can just go out and hunt your balls off all day and then come back to base camp and just like, you know, eat a great dinner, drink some beer and it's, stuff. It's like, low hang key out. too as far as like, uh, it's really enjoyable weather. It's like, oh yeah, 70s. Oh, yeah. 70, oh, yeah. 80s, and as yeah. much as like, I'm about the out, you know, like my system, my camo system yeah. and stuff, it's kind of pre that. It's We're like, like t-shirt. Yeah. Yeah. Whole time. I'm pretty sure I killed my mule deer in these pants a couple yeah. of years ago, like this nice. in my, in a t-shirt and a yeah. bino harness and some hiking boots and, like you're off to the races. It's yeah. just a matter of it's hiking. Found yeah. a really nice like little campsite that has like uh like a shower barn. <clears throat> oh, cool. Where yeah. they have like built in showers into this old barn and stuff. So dude, like every night you come back, take a shower, have a good <laughs> shit, eat eat and drink and yeah. like Yeah, like if you go to Kentucky or Nebraska or something, it's like hundred and five. You're degrees, sweating your balls bugs off. Like, I gotta yeah. tell you, dude. Ticks, if for me, if sugar, it's between oh, like an man. early season Kentucky whitetail hunt yeah. or a North Dakota muley hunt, I'm going yeah, to North for Dakota. sure. And then you have you could do your stock and it's scouting all day as opposed oh, to like when we were out all there it was long. like we we're, were like evening, as hell you know? man yeah all, all day, day long Wait. yeah moment find shade you'll find bugs Boom. as soon as wow. as soon as the sun comes up we're on alfalfa fields we're like there they are you watch them you see where they go and it's like okay that's a three mile hike let's go and you go wild. back and pack in and then the rest of the day you just hunt yeah it's a that nice contrast like to whitetail hunting because yeah. it's like it's whitetail hunting stressful there's a lot of unknowns there's oh, a yeah. lot of like you know yep. You know, you're just reading sign or, you know, previous intel and stuff like that. With muleys, it's like you see them, you, you bet them, yeah. you stock them. Yeah. And it's like the country's so vast. So, like, with good glass, you can really, I mean, it's deadly. That's how yeah. you kill muleys. And there's ground. so much ground. Like, I mean, we, we drove that first or that second year when we were trying to find deer, we split up into two groups and we were driving and covering a lot of ground. And it was way north of camp that I actually had, I think it was four or five bucks came blowing across the road. I'm like, holy shit, here they are. And, like, we're way off from where Jared and I had killed. We both killed in the first two days the year before. Wow. And so we're uh, – it's, it's – Not a, giants, but, you know, we killed. Yeah, hell yeah. yeah. I mean, we, yeah, we're, we're far. It's yeah. a 180 from the year before. And so it's like, okay, now we have – so we narrowed it in, and we hunted that same spot every day for the rest of the trip. You know, and we, we sell 20 to 30 bucks a day. Nice. You know, it was just figuring out which ones you actually wanted to make approach on. And it would take two hours to make an approach and then it would blow up in your face. It's fun because, especially at the beginning of the season, like it gives you an excuse to be tr like training throughout the season. Like as far as physic like physical yeah. fit, you want to be in yeah, shape yeah, yeah, for yeah, that yeah. hunt because yeah. that opens doors. Like it's, it's giant country and you can see where they're at. And a lot of guys I think are just physically incapable probably of like going all oh, the way yeah. around to the yeah. other side of public and then walking three miles down in and like, we're young, right? And I'm I'm specifically training for these. You yeah, know, put yeah. 100 pounds on my back and go yeah. to Planet Fitness and get on a stepper, and so that when we go out there, I'm like, you can make I'll it. go to any yeah. deer. Do you remember that mountain that I scaled? It was fun. Yeah, it was hilarious. He's like, hey, I, so I bumped this deer and he, ran, he just mule deered off and then got under this thing. And Jeremy's like, I don't, dude, you're gonna have to. I'm climb just this at thing. a big lookout. I'm like, point. I'm already tagged out at this lookout point, and I'm like, yep, I see where he went. I'm like, which mountain is it? Let's go. And then I just freaking ran out there and circle around, you know. And it's just what elevation, nice. like mountain? What do you like, four or five hundred? No, no, no. Yeah, when I say mountains, it's 
Yeah, no. I mean, some of them, like that one that uh-huh. you went up is probably 800 or 1,000 feet, you know, up. I don't know. Well, I wasn't tracking that's a, elevation. That's but. I mean, and, yeah, I mean, he's, you know, and he's in his socks doing uh, it. You know? Well, I know. Nice. I put my boots back oh, on. For the last you? the last bit of the stock, we, I go down to, I do really like those. Uh, they're more expensive than what they are, but they're socks that they dip in like the, like a rubbery. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So they're protective, but they're nice. they're socks essentially. I roll them up and because you have cactus heart. and stuff. Yeah. You're walking that sounds through. awful. That's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. We, it makes a big difference that your boots are loud. But most of them aren't too bad. Like he, the, where he killed his buck the first year, we were about three miles from the vehicle. Like we had to walk this drainage in. And the other cool thing, you know, you're in a good spot when you're walking by. There's sheds everywhere. Sheds everywhere. Wow. So nobody's been in there, right? We left some light because we couldn't carry anymore. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> when you start seeing sheds everywhere, you're like, okay, yeah, nobody's been back in here. Mm-hmm. And so you walk this big drainage the whole way back. We get to. And I stocked a bigger one early on the way in. Yeah. We looked back, we'd walked right past them. Like somehow we found like that was a, the one that you end up going over the mountain for. Right, a type one fifty type deer. Yeah. And so we get clear back to where the river is, and on the other side of the river is the private alfalfa field. So that's where we had seen them in the morning mm-hmm. back in. And so we're just sitting there waiting. And I think we saw one buck get up down in the bottom. We're like, okay, they're they're in here, but you oh. don't know where. You know that feeling. I mean, just like in the Whitetail Woods where you're in the thick of it, you're like He's here. He's right oh, in yeah, here. Yeah, so yeah. That's yeah, that feeling sure. we had. We're like, we're we're in them right here. Any minute they could pop up. I mean, arrows are knocked, and like we're mm-hmm. we're ready to go. Wow. So yeah, he, he shot his. He made an awesome stock. Deer came in, shot it like whatever ten yards. Ran up. We watched it fall over. Popped over a little rock feature. Sweet. He's freaking right. We've been training, all, <laughs> shooting all season for 70, 80 yards. Yeah. All Western guys are like seventies. The they're twenty, right? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Both of us shot it like ten yards, fifteen yeah. yards. So, and then, you know, sunset, and we're sitting there skinning this deer, like, in the middle of this river bottom and stuff, and it's, it's like, amazing. Oh, that's badass. That's one of the, the funnest hunts I've ever been. thought we were going to have to drink our urine on the way out because we ran out of water, and we were pretty dehydrated. I wouldn't advise it. <laughs> I mean, if it's each other's, it's not that bad, right? Yeah. <laughs> Should we drink our own or each uh, other's? Oh, oh, you go, I'd be like, you go first. You your your <laughs> that's, mine, that's real yellow. <laughs> mine didn't taste very good. <laughs> so, but yeah, it was, it was fun, man. We got Got back to the truck and like, yeah, we had we tagged out, man. The next morning we woke up, drank the rest of our beers, ate our, all of our food, and peeled her out. That's it was, good. It was great. But it's cool to be in that kind of setting. It really is like the best description is like you feel like you're in like the old west because I mean these oh, towns yeah. are pretty deserted. Like there's not many people in this town. In fact, the last day we didn't tag out our second year. We hunted like hell all week and just it never happened. And the last day, like we're, you know, we'd been in the, basically in the bush for a week. We're just exhausted. We go into this town and we find this like freaking like five-star Italian oh, restaurant. Nice. Like this dude like had traveled the world, Michelin Damn. chef. That's and it's crazy. like, it's in an old Western town. In the middle of nowhere. And it's like, you know, we all walk in and we're just like, it's the best meal like we've ever yeah. ate in our lives. We You're just sitting there just the like hammering night. everything oh, cool. you could. Yeah. But that's like, you know. It's completely different because that sets the tone then for like when we come back for whitetail, it's like, okay, now I got to be methodical. I got to, I can't be as aggressive and stuff, but you just let it all out there. And if you bump deer, you know, he's going to bed down in the next shade. And so you just wait until he does and reset. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can't freaking wait to go back, dude. That gets me so fired. When's drawing for that March? We got to put in April maybe, but mm. yeah, we'll keep an eye on. I mean, you know that, uh, like if, if you ever done like a, uh, not like a, a spot, spot, spot and stock necessarily, but like, you know, when you're pulling up glass, like you're yeah. walking through in an area and you're constantly like looking, looking, it, it, it that's what it is. It's kind of like point to point and then just using your intuition for where they're going to be. And then when you find, when you see one, 
like it's like holy shit and then it starts from there you're like oh, okay man. now it's so you're putting plans together like throughout the day based off stuff you're seeing based off of where they're betting literally right now so it's just like it's totally different from whitetail hunting honestly yeah, that's cool mm-hmm. and they're not as smart truthfully yeah. i mean they're not as like jump i mean they're they're not gonna let you walk right up on yeah. them but there are some giant whitetails though and i mean and their antlers are huge so it's like best mm-hmm. of both worlds yeah. most of the time like you would have unless you get private access it would be tough to kill whitetail where we were i mean we saw most of the whitetails on private oh, yeah. there was one um i guess it was an alfalfa field that we were looking over i mean we kind of like 80 whitetails and like 30 bucks one night, like in this field. They just, they all are sitting down in the river bottoms in the cottonwoods and stuff. And then they're just feeding in these fields and it's all private. Yeah. Right. Now you could catch them on public as they kind of transition and move through, but it would be, it'd be tough. Um, but I mean, there are some just freak giants out there as mm-hmm. well from a whitetail side. Was this past year one of your first times heading out to the Midwest or have you been doing it? Oh, for no. A while? I've been, yeah, yeah, a lot of years. Yeah. Yeah. I did Iowa for probably a dozen years now. Really? I was telling the story about you did, You went there with like 35 bucks. Oh, man. And then the people ended up taking you in yeah, when we stayed up. You got adopted. Yeah, I did. And I still <laughs> stay with them now. That's where Rendell came down. <laughs> yes. That place is awesome. It was like, had to have been 12, 14 years ago. I, I drew a bow tag, you know. Mm-hmm. And it only took four points then. And I drew it and I head out there. And people say, oh, when, you're going to Iowa. Yeah, when are you coming back? I said, and when I get my deer, you know, like, <laughs> not like, oh, I got a week's, no, I'm like, no, no, I'm, I'm there. Done. I shut life down here. <laughs> I, I had an old 99 Jeep uh, Cherokee and had a border collie and we, we shot a doe. You took your dog. <laughs> yeah. He went everywhere with me. So I, sh- I awesome. shot a doe at home, made jerky, had a big bag of jerky. And this was before any Onyx maps, Spartan Forge and go- like, I had like, Old printed like a map folder stuff. With, yeah, love it. With maps, yeah. and I had like his folder, all these pieces of public. <laughs> and I went out, went out in October, and uh, my buddy was coming out. We did have a room for like a week in November, you know. But until then, I was just sleeping my jeep along the road. And then one night, I come out of the woods, and a farmer's there, and he's like, "We, you know, what do you know?" We started talking. He said, "Come up to the house, we'll have a beer." I started drinking, and his old lady's like, "Where are you staying?" I was like, "Ah, oh, you know." My Jeep, you know, we start talking to the old man. We're talking. She's just like washing dishes. She's like, cause she, she's, we ate dinner. She gave me dinner. Mm-hmm. She said, it's going to be 15 degrees tonight. You and your, your dog, where are you? I said, I just, you know, pull off the road somewhere. That's why just, I brought the dog for heat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's I said, a two dog night. I said, I just pull off the road. And, and she just like couldn't handle it. She's like, I got all kind of beds. You're staying here. I'm like, all right. So I, I stayed there. And then my buddy got that uh, room that one week. And then. Like, after he left, I was going hunting. Like, he already went, went home. He shot his deer, and I, I hit a deer with my Jeep and, like, totally messed it up, right? So I had to get a <clears throat> rental car and stuff like that, so I ended up coming back to the farm there and talking. They're like, what do you need? Uh, you know, I might maybe I'll stay a couple of days if you don't mind because she, like, invited me. Like, you stay as long as you want. You know, it was just me. and my. So that was, like, November. I ended up going home in January, <laughs> you know. But, <laughs> I kind of lived with them. And did you kill one? I killed. I, I the last day I shot a spike because it was like I said I'm killing something before I go home. Yeah, they're like no, I, I, West Virginia. I, I was hunting, I was hunting a big 170, and I seen him. The first time I I, I saw him, I hit him in a leg, deflected, hit a branch. The next time I seen him, um, I was getting down out of my tree, he was standing there. And the next time I he was with a doe, and I hit a sapling like four. T- and the one time he smelled me, so I quit hunting him. I hit 160 in January. 
but the same, it was a terrible year. I was shooting for, there was a tree, and I had to either right behind, shoulder, front of shoulder. So I was like trying to miss this tree, and I hit a limb, hit him in the neck. It was a terrible year, you know? So I end up shooting a spike the last day. So I drive all the way home, right? And it's muzzle loader here in PA, and there was a big one over here where my buddy lived. And everybody was after it through gun season. I said, deer's too small, too smart, you know, guys. So I end up killing it with my bow, like, the last day of Holy it shit. was the 2B, like, extended. Yeah. And he was a 160-inch deer, you know. So I send wow. a picture out to Iowa, like, what are you coming out here for? You got them big bucks back home. <laughs> like, no, you don't understand. When I was staying with the farmer, he was harvesting corn, you know, and he had the semis out in the field. And he would take one out to the field, get it loaded with grain, bring it back and take, you know, switch, take the empty one or take the full one and drop the empty one off. And I was like, I got, you want me to drive the truck? He's like, can you drive that? I said, yeah, I could drive anything. I said, you know, so he took me out to the field, which is like a half hour from the farm, you know, and on the way he showed me all these hunting spots, like good. I'm like, oh man. Yeah. <laughs> so he dropped me off with this load of grain, this load of corn on the semi, you know, like $6,000 worth of corn, you know, and he's like, all right, I'll see you at the farm. And he leaves and I'm like, I don't even remember how I got here. So I'm driving around Iowa with this load of semi load of corn. I'm trying to get I said, this ain't, in I'm this like, this ain't dirty. But I, I finally like I took a couple wrong turns and I was able to get turned around. He's and he's like, Where do you got back to farm? Where you been? I was like, you know, just sightseeing. You yeah, know? just looking for deer, you know. So yeah, but now I've been going out there and staying with them That's every awesome. year. So I used I still hunt the public. I'll shoot a doe on their property or like, I was out there this year, and I hunted the public the last day. We had a snowstorm, and, um, and the farmer, I said, if she was, going, she was going out hunting. I said, if you, sh-, you know, she got her tags. I said, if you want to shoot a doe, I'm going to take some meat home, you know, because mm-hmm. it's the last day. I said, I'm going after a buck. And then she takes a picture of these two, like, 140, 150s that come out. And then I got back to the farm. She's like, you know, these come out, show me. I'm like. Why didn't you shoot one? You said shoot a doe, you know? She's like, you should you should just go down there and shoot one too hard head. I'm going to hunt public land. Like, she got a heated hunting shack, you know, and all these uh-huh. bucks coming out to the beans. Jeez. Like, yeah, I should, you know. Yeah, I should do that. I should do that. You talking about driving around like in that grain truck and stuff. Just it's, you know, I, uh, I, I didn't get talked about enough, I guess. Like guys like us from the Northeast, it's like, you, you know, you live here, right? And we're like, this is what we're accustomed to. I mean, you know, and, and Rendell, like you're maybe a little more used to it. Like you live in big deer country, but yeah. we're we're here all the time. And it's like, we have to drive pretty much essentially to get into that environment. And it doesn't happen a lot, right? It's just, it's during a certain time of year and sometimes, you know, a week or two at a time. Yeah. Dude, that, there's nothing like that. Like just to have nothing on the schedule. Oh yeah. Beers in the fridge when you get home, like, and just time to just be in the Midwest. Yeah. And I feel like we, like, I don't think that people that live there necessarily, like when you live there, it's like, it's easy to take for granted because you're there all the time. I agree. For us just to be like in a town where you live is like, this is magic. Yeah. You know, I don't, I wouldn't live there necessarily. Right. But yeah, to be out there a few times a year, it's like, man, it's just, this is, yeah, this is where they're at. I was there. I was there for a week, what, January 2nd to the 10th or whatever, you know, and it's like, I couldn't get in the woods and, and I had a camera guy with me and I kind of took it easy on him. And, and I was just like, <laughs> like he, he's like, ah, this is hard. Sometimes I'm just getting up early. I'm like, no, you don't understand. It takes me three years to come here. We're well, going yeah, to wait oh, to be yeah. here. Yeah. 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 I'm like, yeah. I, I can't wait to be here. But um, you yeah. have one guy, I know you've been putting some stuff out 
Yeah, we're gonna. I'm gonna put something out myself. Uh, the the Johnny Stewart. I'm gonna put a YouTube. We, I took that guy all all year, and I mean, we got two kills. Just a friend? Like who? Who's your uh, guy? He was. Uh, he, my buddy knew him. He lives in Syracuse, New York. Um, so he's not too far away. Um, Harry. Good guy. So I, I and he uh, was with the Untamed last year. Okay. Or the, oh yeah. The previous. Yeah. Year. We just he, talked to Josh yesterday. He's gonna come on in a few weeks. Oh cool. Nice. Yeah. So you friends um, with those guys? I never met Josh. I've talked to him on the phone. Here okay. And kind of, kind of know him, you know. But um, so yeah, Harry, you know, I got hooked up with him, and he went with me all year. And it's not easy to adapt to that from being like the solo guy for a while. It, it is. It was a lot his, tougher having another guy and not being like his like lucky a, hat. Oh yeah. So. <laughs> We were like he like I'm about scent control, you know, especially oh, yeah. where we hunt here. This Uh-oh. wind's going every way. Mm-hmm. We were talking scent, and scent he early. was uh, and and he he uh he loves to hunt in public, you know, and he, and he like that's how everybody should be hunting. So Harry, that's all he knows is hunting in public, and you know Zach and that they don't care about scent, but how they hunt is, you know, yep. if you don't care about scent, you're gonna hunt a different way, and uh, and like he don't, he's like. Oh man, I gotta get a shower. I'm like, yeah, you gotta get a. Sh-. So then we went to Illinois. Yeah, you know? it's kind of standard practice. <laughs> yeah, and he and he had the long hair like Zach, you know. Oh, he did. And he yeah. didn't want to always get it washed. And I talked to Zach. You, you just know, shave it in the middle uh, of the night. <laughs> I talked to no. Zach about. it. I said, don't take it wrong. You know, I said we. He said, no, I, I was. You know, I said, he thinks you're it, man. That's how every hunter should be hunting. You know, but I, said, I hunt differently. He's like, I understand. You know, I said, if I was hunting with you, I'd probably be doing the same thing. But sure. I'm, I'm <clears throat> at my age. This is what I want to do. Is how hunting. So yeah, he is a. Uh, well, when you got hair like Zach, there is no such thing as second. Yeah, so that's no. my, the, so Harry has hair like that. And as soon as I met him, I'm like, oh, this is going to be a problem. Let's get the shears out. Dude. You, <laughs> you know? just said, hey, listen, no offense, but your hair can't be longer than your dick at this yeah. point. By so, October, I want to see no hair up listen, here and some hair here. Yeah. The only oh. thing his hair was good for, we were in West Virginia one evening hunting, and I forgot my floaters. I said, Rip one of them long ass hairs yeah, out. Give me and just one help of those me. Eggs, huh? I said, tie it to that limb. I said, at least it'll tell us. At least it's good for something. I told him, you know. But <laughs> he, I mean, <laughs> he did good. Like we had good success through early October. Then we hit a dry spell. Then it just got like, you know, if you're not, it's he, he's not in like the mental aspect of it that I am or you guys would be if we're all like focused on our hunt. You know, yeah. he, he's just along for the ride, basically the, yeah. the back seat. You know, we get it. So it is. We took cameramen with us to North Dakota you know, for the second time. Yeah, dude. I mean, the story I've told multiple times. I'm not complaining about him. I he was a great kid. And there's, a ba- yeah. there's a thing of Old Spice in there. I'm like, what, what? the f- is this? You know, we have a whole yeah. convention about it. You know? yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the hard part is, is like, okay, look around this table. Which one of us wants to be a cameraman for the month of November? Yeah. Not me, no. dude. I won't no. be yeah, nobody. You yeah. know, so if you're, if you're yeah. like in tune with it and ingrained in it, like, you don't want to be a cameraman during that time frame either. Yeah, and he's he's new to hunting, and at first, like I said, through early October, we were seeing bucks all the time, big bucks, and I shot one, and it's, he's like, man, it's, every time we went out, and then we had a super dry spell through October into November, like, we didn't see shit, and I'm like, then I started saying, what do you think, Harry? Where'd she go? He's like, <laughs> apparently, I don't yeah, know where I don't know what I'm doing either, Isn't dude. that fun, dude? Welcome That's, to the grind. Yeah. Yeah. It is that dynamic, I... I got to experience with uh, on that North Dakota hunt that I went on this year. So I, I you know, I can read deer science that like I'm fair. I feel fairly accomplished here in my environment uh-huh. and stuff. But in North Dakota, I'm like, as far as white tails, that was my first experience. I was like, I have no idea. Um, and so L- Lucas, you know Lucas Psycho. That's who I was hunting with. Um, he used to be part of White oh, yeah. Knuckle. Yeah, he's a native looking dude. He's uh, used to film with Todd Pregnance and White Tail. Uh, <laughs> white Knuckle. Knuckle. White Maybe Knuckle. if I saw him, but I don't. Okay. Anyways, he, I mean, just couldn't be a, a better guy, right? Like, he was just awesome. We we really enjoyed that trip together. And he was 
essentially, you know, pointing us in the right direction. He mm-hmm. had a boat and was taking us up and down. And he, over the course of that trip, like it was a learning experience for me. And it was fun that like mid to towards the end of it, he's like, what do you think? What do you think? He's like, here's the sign. Here's yeah, this. Yeah. And I could tell he's like testing me because he knows. And actually the last day is when I ended up killing that buck. And we went and we scouted two different spots. We went to one and we found a giant sign or a giant track. And right. And we could tell soccer was going right up in this island. I was like, you've got to be bad in there. And then we went to this other spot and there's also, you know, he- heavy trails and stuff and like a bedding area. So we had these two spots and we're like, okay, the wind's going to work for probably both of these tonight. Each of us are going to hunt one. He's like, which one do you want? And I'm like, you know, there's now enough, like, I don't, I don't want to be greedy. Yeah. Right. And it's, uh, but also, and I'm like trying to assess the sign and which one is actually best. And do I choose the best one or not or not? Yeah. And ultimately I, I chose the first one and I said, dude, I just think if I'm, if this is my last day here and if I'm going to kill one, I said, I think that's the spot mm-hmm. I got to be mm-hmm. in. And he's like, yeah, he's like, that's the right answer. Okay. He's like, okay. So if you're going to do that, you can't just hunt the crossing here. You got to, you got to go in. Yeah. So it's fun to it's fun to have that dynamic with either experienced or new and developing yeah, and I, hunters to be able to let them read the sign and make a decision. I say, what do you think we should do? And I don't believe I know I don't know anything. We're all students, and like I always say, hey, I can learn something from <clears throat> now. Now that you've been following me and you're with me, what do you think? You know, and yeah. he, and I think in, like he might have thought it was a trick question, like, but I'm just like, sure. I don't know where to go. Man. Yeah. yeah no. I'm ready to pull Let's my hair out. Yeah. Here, yeah. Tell me something, you know. Dude, I had uh, my good buddy Corey's been hunting with me for a long time. He owns our family farm. <laughs> I got so much satisfaction this year out of, he's killed some good deer and stuff, and I've been with him. I'm always the one kind of leading the strategy. Here's where we should go, this and that. This year was the first time that he, on his own, made a, a decision based off of weather mm-hmm. and stuff and time of year. He's like, I think I need to be hunting this mm-hmm. time. And I'm like, I agree. I was out of the state. We were in Illinois. And I was like, where do you want to go? I said, here's where I kind of think these certain bucks are at. He's like, I think that stand is, that's where I need to be. And you got to understand, he did not grow up hunting. Yeah. Every bow that he's had has been bows that I gave him. Yeah. And he went to the spot and killed this four-year-old buck Mm -hmm. at the end of November. And I was like, and I couldn't have been more proud that he had figured that out on his own. Yeah. And I was like, he, I could tell he appreciated it just as much as like, had I been there and it's like, you did it yourself. Like mm-hmm. this is, that was the goal. Yeah. You did it. Yeah. That's awesome. That fired me up. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah, I was sure. like, that's, that was so exciting. I think I get more fired up and more enjoyment out of helping <laughs> other people succeed than mm-hmm. killing something myself. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. we'll get, maybe we'll get you a camera next year. You can watch me. I'll film you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can help me succeed all you want. Yeah, maybe you'll kill something, John. Well, <laughs> I think the tough part of that is like, you know, and, and obviously all of us, like, you know, we jump, we jump states, we, we go over. But for a while there, it was like, you know, I, I love hunting and the challenge and everything that comes with it so much that like, I also in a weird way don't want it to end. So as much as I'd be happy, like tagging out on opening day, like when I used to only hunt Pennsylvania, I remember, I think the earliest I killed a buck was probably maybe first weekend or, or something. And I remember killing that buck and I was like, holy shit, what do I do the rest of the season? You know, and now it's different because we jumped different States, but there's still that kind of thought process in the back of my head where it's like, Man, as much as I want to like succeed on that early season side, like I also don't want to like not be able to hunt, you know, the rut in southern Ohio or in Kentucky or wherever it is. Like, so it's just it's a weird kind of dynamic, and a lot of people don't get it because they're like, "Well, man, like you want to go out there and kill something." It's like I do, but I also don't like want it to end either. And you want to enjoy, like I remember <clears throat> when I wouldn't have time to hunt because of work, 
I get out there and a buck. I'm like, no, I'm not ready to kill a deer yet. I want to yeah. hunt, hunt the couple scrape times, the yeah, first frost. Man. You know, like you want to experience a lot of the season. You know, that's because we're hunters. You know, we need as much you want to kill. And like just recently, when I was in Ohio, I went up. They had that snowstorm. I run down there, and I just wanted to hunt in the snow so bad yeah. that. I was kind of lack on my entrance. I made a little noise. But I think I said, but I just, you know, and I knew I, what I did wrong. I didn't want to take the long route, but I just wanted to hunt in, in the snow and mm-hmm. hunt and sit in a tree. The season's over. It's going to warm yeah. up. It's not snow. And, mm. you know, that's what it's and about. And you got to be okay you know? with eating your tag in yeah, those situations. Sure. Yeah. Like, you know that it may not work out. Well, that goes back to the Indiana story I was telling you. That first afternoon I was on that buck right there. And I that actually entered my mind, like, you could have shot it. Right I'm there. here for two weeks, and I'm not going to get to experience true Indiana hill country because I'm about to smoke this buck in this cornfield. And I was like, checkmate. Like, I beat this buck. I'm yeah. good with it. And I let mm-hmm. it go. And then I killed myself. In yeah. Two hours up drainages, and I was all <laughs> on rock bluffs and lakes, and oh, my God. And I was like, all right, I'm good. At the end, I was like, I went back to the corn. And got on some bigger bucks than what that one was the first day. And I was like, all right, I hit my tag, but I actually got to experience you rolled the, dice, the different terrain features. And I learn. Wanted to and do. you're yeah. still learning. Yeah. yeah, I could roll right back in there this fall, and I feel like I could kill a buck pretty quick there yeah. now that after I went through all that stuff. Hmm. It's a hard, uh, I think, transition for people to make when it starts out of like when the goal is to kill something. Yeah. It, it's a hard transition to make, but if you can get to a place where it's like the objective is to experience the season or the mm-hmm. location yeah. in its fullest, yeah, for sure, you can't lose. Yeah, and all of a sudden, it's it, that takes the pressure off of killing stuff, and it's just like, like you said about letting deer walk and stuff. Yeah. I've kind of, you know, over time, it's just man, it's like I easily could have killed that oh, yeah. thing. Like, how hard is it to drop? I've been practicing my bow the whole year. It's thirty I mean, yards. I'm gonna kill it. I was drawn on all those deer mm-hmm. I passed. Like, I got them on video. I was like, all right, cool. See you later. Like, I'm going to yeah. wait my for last, them to get bigger. My last day in Iowa, else. we were there a week. You know, it was kind of warm at first. Did some bow hunting. We didn't go crazy. I was vis- visiting with Randall and my farmer friends, and, and it was enjoyable. So that's a, a part of it, too. I don't get to see them every couple of years. And then the last day in a tree, we hunted, got up early, hunted late, this and that. And the last day, we sat in that tree, and it went so fast. And I'm like, I just, like, videoed, like, me sitting there. It's like, I'm going to keep this because I ain't going to be around oh, for yeah. three. And then you get done, and you go back to the farm, and I got tag soup, but I drink a couple beers, and it, it was an awesome yeah. experience, yeah. you know? Well, you got to think, too, that, if I would have shot that 140 early season, that 190 I hunted the last yeah. day would have never happened. Never and happened. to be on a 190-class buck in a snow in Iowa. Well, you could have helped just, your buddy out when he <laughs> came out. It's no, he would have like, still kept that in his <laughs> for next I year. I would have gar-holed you, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is. It's it's wild when you think about that because there was a point. I was probably just starting out of state hunts. In fact, that was probably the deer that started it. But, like, I, I would scout my balls off all September, maybe even the first three weeks of October. It was usually around the 22nd, 23rd of October before I even sat. And it was because I was just waiting, waiting, waiting. All the conditions lined up, and I sat, and I would, I killed. I think it was two or three years in a row. Nice first sit in PA, I killed wow. good bucks. Cool. But there's also like a there was a weird feeling about it because it wasn't that I wasn't in the woods. I was scouting, but I didn't hunt for you know the first three weeks of the season. Basically, yeah. I sat on the sidelines, waiting, waiting. Which 
you know, paid off, but also kind of took away from some of that season progression that I, you know, I enjoyed as well. I'll never do that again. I'll never sit out on. I know. Like, well, we talk about how fast it goes. It Here goes we are sitting February I just one. Be yeah, in it's wild. It. Well, dude, it's it's just a mindset. It's an intention of like when the season is on. It's just an appreciation for for just that. Yeah. Like the fact that I'm I can get in the truck and go glass and I there's and they've grown these racks and it's just like and their sign is happening. It's like every everything that's happening during the season is just. Yep. The more you can allow yourself to take it in and slow it down. You want to slow it down. Yeah. like Yeah, especially when you get older, it's like, man. Well, that's why when it's over yeah, now in January, you're like, yeah. Mm, yeah. That's, that's, what, that's why we're year. all going to be out walking as soon as we yeah. want to and scouting and looking. And like, I mean, we can't let it stop. I'm going to take all his sheds next week after the show. Take them all, bro. Did you know we're going to draw Iowa for the very first time? Oh, we have, wow. We have this five year. points. Nice. Yeah. We were chatting earlier. It's man. like, uh, <laughs> I heard it We're might not going to blow up your spot. Yeah, don't don't worry. Know, it might. They yeah. might. Yeah, it might. I'll take have to sense. get in there early season and trash it before you yeah. get there. Well, yeah. <laughs> like somebody took a large dump right here. Yeah, yeah that is a, that's red. That's a red size dump. Look right at the size of that. Look at this track. Oh, is your a size fifteen? <laughs> Sasquatch. I'll get some Booner shoes made yeah, with big butt tracks. Booner shoes. Out there, out there rubbing trees. And yeah, stuff. that's where the climbing stick. Yeah. Set like, it all up. Like it's August. They're rubbing trees out here. Yeah. What's going on? So Monster scrapes. <laughs> so we're super excited. I mean, obviously for that. So we got five points and we're we're gonna go out uh, a few days before the Iowa Classic, the twenty eighth and 29th leap year. Uh, February, and then we're actually going to go to that show. To, so for anybody that's going to be there, we're going to be at that uh, Iowa Deer Classic. Yeah, for, be awesome. We've never been. Yeah, so, uh, sounds like it's it's hopping. Yeah, so we're monsters, man. There's some giants there. Lots of people. It's fun. Yeah, it'll be fun. So we're excited for that. But I mean, we're I don't know exactly what it looks like. But I mean, we're I've got the I'm not I can't just pick up and be in Iowa till I kill something. But I'm, I'm my intention is to is to put the time in. Right. Yeah. When, when do you think? Uh, you guys are going to go out like next year. I mean, what what's your dates? Or you don't you know what I mean? Probably if late you, October, I would assume. I, I tell you what, that year I was out there and I stayed there with the farmer and I got there mid October and I felt like I don't know it's that's ten twelve years, but on that public like I felt like I seen most of the bigger deer moving like right around um, what was Thanksgiving, like right before yeah. Thanksgiving mm-hmm. and the Thanksgiving the guys were out right uh, before we're the out of the season. woods. And because yeah. and even now that I know the farmer, and they, they, they have a public spot, parking spot. And I'll go out there, and I'll talk to them. Anybody in parking? Oh, yeah, first two weeks, bam. Hammer, and you'll hammer. get into, like, the third week of November. So, yeah, there's bucks out in the field right here. Nobody hunts. Everybody took the pressure Does off. Does of archery there. season start and stop in Iowa at all? No. no. It, goes no it, runs, it runs all the way until shotgun starts, like, December 2nd. So that's just, like, food for thought. That there's less pressure so then. So it's open all yeah. of November. Yeah. Yeah. All October, all We November. typically go to Kansas the third week of November. We aren't going likely this year cause I have, of uh, because of Iowa. That Thanksgiving week right before, that's my favorite. I've killed uh, a lot of Mama Booners that week. Yeah, It's like they long line out. Just they're trying looking, to start to scrape yeah, up the last They're looking for the last dose. Week, week of all or week the, before? Like right before Thanksgiving. I like told my buddies that, that. They went out the first. I'm like, you're seeing resident deer that you're on a public yeah. and the big ones might not be. I said, you need to go. People were like, I'm like I'm telling you, like the the late teens and the twenty twenty three. Yeah, <laughs> we might do some of mo- some so like, of both. I mean, truthfully, I'd love to go even a quick trip since we've got uh, you know essentially our midwestern hunting this year is going to consist of Illinois and Iowa. The eleventh through the sixteenth of October, 
lots of big bucks on camera. They move. So that's what I'm that saying. First front that I'm looking for. Yeah. So if we could go out like mid October, we're gonna go out the 28th, 29th of February and walk and try to learn just the terrain of some of these properties we you know yeah. that we have, and then um, I'd love to go out in October sometime and read fresh shine and get cameras up we can throw you know eight or ten cameras up and, and then plan to come back whether it's later in october or multiple yeah. times throughout november i mean it just it is what it is like just availability i don't know get there. we're just gonna yeah, black out and get behind the wheel and be try to be there when yeah, we i tried can. to do that last week october and then like right before thanksgiving because all the non-resident pressure is always the first two weeks yep. so you catch that pre-rut it's fire Man, everything's moving on scrapes, and then you get that tail end of the rut where big mm -hmm. bucks are just long lining out mm -hmm. for the last dose. The Hunter Podcast is brought to you by Sever. Well, one of the biggest things that we always talk about is what our arrow setups are. And this year we're shooting the Sever broadheads. I think we're both shooting the new two-inch titanium broadhead. And so, you know, we're huge proponents of expandables. And I know we've had this argument back and forth with people, but we just... We're we, right, and you're wrong, and that's you just need to accept it. We just want to have a giant wound that pumps out blood. That's the bottom line. We build our arrow setups and shoot bows, you know, to maximize penetration. And we shoot broadheads that are going to give us the best blood trails, you know, the most hemorrhage possible. Uh, and so part of those setups is we're also shooting the Eastern arrows here coming up pretty soon. So we've, yep. we've shot the victory in the past mm -hmm. and you know, there's all kind of great arrow shafts on the market, but like we're looking for a whole system from broadhead to arrow components to the arrow shaft itself. And uh, you know, the more we look at some of these Eastern shafts and the components that go with them, that setup's going to be really deadly for us. Yeah. I'm actually using the Eastern traditional axis right now uh, in my traditional setups for both my recurve and my longbow. I've got a hundred grain brass insert on this. Those, and then obviously I'm using a fixed blade broadhead on on those specific shafts. Right on. So, but yeah, our goal is always to be shooting the best broadhead that we think is going to be the most lethal for our setups. We've done plenty of research. We believe in the Sever broadheads, and we hope you would check them out at Sever Broadheads as well. Dude, we were talking scrapes before you got here, Johnny. I was like, dude, I just like it. Doesn't seem like there is. T I mean to me anyways, any more of a sure thing. If you can time up those conditions, right? If the buck is in the area, if you know where that community scrape is at, I mean, dude, a day, two days, whatever it is, yeah, after deadly. a rain, he's going to be there. Yeah. He's going to be there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I think they're... That's, that, that's what's pulling me out there in October. I was like, dude, if I can find those, yeah. and if I know if there's like a buck I want to shoot out there, like I'll drive out. That's another mm -hmm. scouting tip too that I don't really talk about. If you don't have a camera on the scrape, I actually look at the buck tracks and in, the scrape in the after scrape. a fresh rain. Yeah. Then you get that giant track. I'm like, okay, there's a mature buck in the area. Mm -hmm. If I run all the field edge and I don't see anything, I usually like, okay, I write this off. Yeah, I'm out. And just keep bouncing. Mm -hmm. so if you mm -hmm. don't have camera data, you can run off tracks and scrapes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. I do that all the time, man. I, you know, I'll That's the instinctive stuff we talked about. It's just weird. Like, you know, we do it. I don't think about it or process yeah. it i just know just I'm, I'm i really just, just want to simplify like it's not it doesn't have to be that yeah. hard there's so many un like people are like oh they're just such mysterious beasts and they are they're yeah. uh, amazing what, what they'll do but like you can figure them out like mm -hmm. if you yeah. go into areas and you they're gonna leave they're gonna leave yeah. sign yeah they're sign. you're think, gonna be able to figure them out i think that's actually hurt me the last couple of years i have too much intel from other sources in my mind yep and I'm not keeping it simple. I'm overthinking everything. Yeah. And when you overthink, <laughs> you get anxiety. It takes yeah. long to process data and all this crap. So I'm like 
trying to go back to more just freestyle, just hunt. That's why Billy Bob walks right in when you've yeah. overanalyzed it, and he kills him because he was just stupid aggressive and yeah. just threw every caution to the wind and <laughs> got in there. And yeah. that's what happened. Yeah. About yeah. thirty different variables. Wow. Yeah. Just, in there, no, like, there is no sure thing. As much as we want to control yeah. the situation and yeah, and, nothing's and think that our yeah. There's there's a lot of luck. In yeah, there, is. there there just is to yeah. get that class of buck within thirty yards of one tree in the middle of the wild yeah. is pretty damn tough. Well, I don't like, you know, you say there's a lot of luck, but I don't really believe in luck. It's like oh, yeah. you have a better chance the more time you put That's in, true. the mm-hmm. more you put sure. in, the more Agreed. you get out. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? It's but like, yeah, well, consistency is the indicator of a, of a consistent, a good a, working hard. When and, somebody says who's a good deer hunter, I think consistency is proof yeah. of that. Yeah. It, not the size of deer that you kill one time, yeah. right? right? Which it's, that's that is the. You don't believe me, in luck at all? No, Come no on, luck, Johnny. No, Everybody says good luck. You think there's no that. luck in deer hunting? No, I'm going to give you a I, rabbit's foot. You Break can look leg, at Johnny. it that way, but I, <laughs> I don't. Then it starts getting my mind messed up. Where like you know you're superstitious. You know I'm like no, I don't. You know I, I just. I'm not saying superstitious. I wear the same. Yeah, but it's kind of like you. Yeah. Well, here's here's where the luck comes in. Is deer don't do the same thing every single time. No, so, you're right. So you're, if you narrow it down to two or three times, that's strategy. But yeah. then you got to pick a spot and you got to get lucky. And have you're right. You're right. Like I, we could, I could go hunt this spot. That you got to get lucky and have the, the one not switch on your mid hunt. Yeah, too. but I don't. I don't. I don't know. I always. Just I mean, I used to have superstitions. People start You just have confidence. <laughs> like there used to be. Like I remember growing up. Like if I forgot, if I forgot my face mask in my head immediately, I was down a rung because it's oh, just yeah. superstition. I'm like, yep, oh, yep. damn it! Like you know, I forgot that or forgot gloves or whatever it was. Like. You know, we all kind of had small superstitions that were just part of the routine that when it got thrown off, you're like, ugh. I mean, you're stacking your deck with certain variables that you have knowledge of. But there's You're a, right. there is a percentile of luck, I think, going uh, to it. Dude, there, yeah. it, it, that luck and aggressiveness is on the same plane because I've seen a lot of people, especially in the Midwest, just, you know, I won't say they don't know what they're doing, but they're not analyzing what I'm analyzing in terms of wind, terrain, thermals, whatever. And they're just blowing right back in there. And they're so aggressive that they'll kill the You're deer. right. You're right. You get, I, I, I totally feel you there. Cause it's the same with me. I'm trying to watch the wind. Of the thermals. Yeah. Like, and like this year was going, it's like, ah, let's drop down yeah. out of here. And, and it's like, maybe I should like, Somebody will just blow right through there. And and they'll get so tight to the bedding area that it's almost impossible for them not to kill the deer. And you're like, what the hell? And it's because you, as aggressive as you're trying to be, you're still trying to outweigh all of these things and say cost-benefit, cost-benefit. Yeah, and I think that's hurt me because now I'm thinking about way too many variables. Yeah. Instead of just... Hunting. No balls, no balls. Well, it was and the EHD <laughs> thing, yeah, I think, in your case. If you had me, if you had 15 God. targets to go kill, yeah. you would have charged right in there, and if you blew them out, you got another it. one. I go to the next That's one. A, I mean, it did mentally screw me. Like, I was just heartbroken, like, not motivated. It's a limited resource. You didn't. You and then it depends on what your options are. Like, yeah. if you got, like you said, if you got 15 good bucks, then you could blow a cut. You can get really aggressive. That's it. You know, no. and then you get down to one deer, then you start thinking, like you said, <laughs> and it's, then like, I went it's the only one. I, and then zero. you start tiptoeing around. And yeah. yeah. That's just, all it's going to be. I just can't even find a deer to hunt. Yeah. yeah. So it was like I'm compounding days and hours and hours and hours, no sign. Can't find one to hunt. And then when I did find one, you get a blow lit, right in. He got lit up by another guy and pushed him off the property. So that frustrated me. And then, but I even just, that one ninety, like I mean, when yeah. you found him, how aggressive did you get with that deer? Oh, I went right up his butthole, pretty much. Was because uh, <laughs> it was the last day, right? <laughs> end of the season. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was I end of the season. I don't even care, man. Okay. 
But if you found him in December, I don't know. I mean, it's the uh, only shooter that you found. I don't I, know. Yeah. I don't know. I probably would have been super aggressive anyway. Screw I mean, it. that's what you have to be to I mean, kill it's a some of these deer. I mean, and then sometimes you get, get aggressive, crazy. and then you bump, and you're like, God damn, that's I should have yeah. went up here, and I shouldn't have been over. in there the first day. And you know what I mean? It's yeah. definitely yeah, it happens the season's life's too short in general. You got to get yeah. They could leave anyways. You just make yeah. a decision and go. Like that 140 was bedded 40 yards away from me for two hours. And I sat there and just stared at that thing. I was like, should I kill this deer or not? Like for two hours. And then there's all kinds of factors that went through my brain. Like if I shoot this deer, what what are people going to light me up on the internet about? Because it's a 140 and not a booner, you know? Well, dude, and that's all this the stuff that starts crap, to get in our and head, I'm just man. Like, Good Lord. And it was young, so I just let it go. But it was cool. I mean, if you think about it, like, and it's it's not to knock these guys by any means, but look at some of the, like, the giants that have been killed over the last four or five years. Very rarely are the same people who are killing those deer doing it consistently it's like real one-off type stuff you know whether cj's is legal or not throw cj the huff buck like these guys aren't killing like giant bucks every year and it you know part of it i think or with real bows for that matter yeah a part of it i think is because they're just (laughs) walking in is super aggressive and they're they're killing these deer whether it's luck aggressiveness like that's the fine line yeah there are people that are doing it consistent, but frankly, a lot of them are doing it on very well-managed properties, you know, like yeah. like Lee Lukoski. Lee kills giants every year, but he's killing it on the same property, which is large and managed. Every I'm not taking not that away from him. Property, yeah. Options of properties, but yeah, unpressured properties. Yeah, and so... Like, well, dude, when you think... It's, I'm trying to do, like, the hardest thing possible. Like That's what I'm saying. Huge bucks on public land is... So that's like where the, I'm saying that 140 in your head, like... You trying to compare yourself to kill booners and stuff, it's like, dude, you already have all the ads and uh, yeah. odds and deck stack against you. Like, yeah. what are you thinking here? Yeah. But we, we're all guilty of it because of public perception a bit. But I felt yeah. like I still won, like I said. Like, even though I didn't kill the deer, I mean, I could have I could have killed it if I wanted to. And like, you were okay if you ate yeah, your tag at the end like, of the year. Whatever. I there you go. I could get on bigger deer even though <laughs> EHD and stuff, but... It was still like, oh, this is awesome. Like, the, it was better there for two hours. I'm 40 yards you beat away. Him. Yeah. That's quite a thing, man, for like the for people to mentally get past the situation where you pass like a three or four yeah. year old deer. Yeah, that's quite tough. a thing. It, it kind of like, once you've done it, you're like, okay. Especially yeah. if you grew I, up I know, in a I know what big that, state. Yeah. You're dude. like, I know what that's like now. You're like, I could have killed him. I, yeah. You know, th- okay. It, it, it's just. When I uh, first got to Iowa, I did that. I passed a big, like a 150. I passed it. And, man, it ate me. I bet it did. Uh, But eventually when I started killing bigger deer, like now, it's like, okay. That's not easy, man. When you come from a not big buck state and, like, you know, especially when you – for lay eyes on an actual 150 versus like what you thought you were seeing as 150s back in your oh, home yeah, state. Dude, You're monsters. like, oh my god, that's a giant coming at me. Like it's that's not an easy thing to to pass up. But I, then you see like a 200 on the hoof, and oh, then man. you're like, oh man, <laughs> holy grail, baby. Yeah. But yeah, it's just all in perspective. It's like getting and that I, I pressure think, away from killing and thinking. Like I said, I still beat the buck. I still yeah. set up perfectly. He still came by me. I could have killed him. I still won, even though I don't have the grip and grin photo. 
Sure. But I still beat the Bucks, so it's like that's what right. I'm talking about, dude. Is because after after that, it's like, wh- what do you have after the yeah. social media posts and this and that? It's like, yeah, nothing. got a dead deer, and nobody really and cares at the end of the day. Well, and if you reflect, you're like, am I? Is this what I set out to do? Am I ha- am I happy with how that went? Am I happy yeah. with the season? Yeah, and as a hunter, like it's all to me. It's all in how you want your season to go. Absolutely. Like th- there was when I grew up. You know, I wanted a a buck. I wanted kill buck. Then I got to the point where I killed mature deer, and then I got to the point where on public land I was passing up one forties. Like that's where I was, but that was short lived. You know, and now now I'm back to like on a lot of public man. I want to. I'm a hunter still. I want to get back, and it's like, you know, no one can tell you how to how your season should be. You know, as you grow and change and evolve, you know, and then you look back to like um, when you were younger. I, I like. I like, I want to kill some deer, you know, and so, mm. so you know, 120, mm-hmm. 130. So I, yeah, that I, was awesome. You know, I killed it, you know, so you, it's kind of like this as you go through yeah, your I, life, you know. And I yeah. think I'm moving back in the, the phase Johnny's in. Like, I just want to have fun now. Yeah, yeah, I agree, man. Like, I did the whole high pressure giant bucks, the hardest thing you can do. I was successful. I passed a lot of deer. And I think you learn that way too, passing that, because that gives me an opportunity to get on another buck. That's it, man. And then pass him, and I'm like, all right, I'm starting to figure this out. Yeah. And then it just makes you through knowledge. It makes you better to, as you get older. <laughs> I pulled a lot of my cameras in October. I had a cameraman, and, and I look back at my season, and you know, I, some like my motto: scout more, hunt yeah. less. You know, and that's what I would always do. But then I'm pulling this guy around, so like times I would say, nah, "I'm not feeling it." I would go move, and he's in a tree, got all set up. Like I would just sit here, you know. But yeah. uh, it got to the point where, and I wasn't checking cameras as much, and I was going to different states. I mean, I just want to hunt this year. I just yeah. I want to sit in a tree and hunt. I forgot the cameras and the cell cameras. I said, I just I know the deer are here. I've been hunting, you know, all my life. I know where I should be. Yeah, just playing sign and instincts. Yeah, just enjoying your season and going hunting. And like like I said, it changes. I don't knock anything else that anybody does because I change as I grow, you know. Like maybe one day I'll be hunting private land and managing, you know. But, like, it's like it's just where you are in life. within the season, dude. I mean, the only limiting time frame is or is uh, limiting factors uh, time and access. Like, you can have all of those things potentially. Like, if you carve out enough time and, and secure enough access, you can hunt. Mature bucks on private managed ground. You can hunt public land and have a goal set for that. You can hunt. You can go on deer drives, right? And do like you can. A bunch. Like I said, it's time and access. There's no reason to limit yourself within the season to one of those things. You can enjoy all of them in different capacities. That's what I think. Where like I'm looking at because I I miss the simplicity of growing up and deer camp and just killing deer Mm -hmm. and enjoying camaraderie. And I wanna. So maybe I set that and have that in Pennsylvania. And then if I go to Iowa, like I'm going to try to yeah. kill a big mature yeah. buck. Yeah. Like that's why I'm going right. out there. Um, and I'm, if I'm at my deer camp in Kentucky, like I just want to have fun and drink bourbon. And like somebody kills a, a one-year-old and we celebrate and we skin it and we cook the back straps. Like it's, I think that the, the nice thing because of the knowledge being out there and the ability to hunt, I mean, you just have to go. You just have to put yourself out there and go is like, you can now frame your expectations by adventure, by each each yeah. experience, which is, you know, we've all probably done it. I mean, think about trying to hunt all the places we do as much as we do and just saying, I'm going to kill just a big, giant, mature bucket. You can't. It's impossible. Yeah. It's, I mean, if it's good here at this time of the year, it's, it's also good here and here and yeah. here, and you can't be there. West Virginia, you're, I was allowed three buckets here. I felt like a game hog. Like, <laughs> but, but it was nice. It was like I could shoot a nut. I had two yeah. bow and a gun tag, and I shot two at a bow. It's like, man. And that, that, that kind of is like 
you you have the ability to okay, I got one under my belt. Maybe I shot, I'll go for I shot a big two one in Illinois. That was my first yeah. time ever shooting more than well, frankly, yeah. it's my first time more more one whitetail in a season. But I shot two in Illinois, and I was like, yeah. that's pretty wild. Yeah, yeah. It felt kind of weird. Yeah. If like, can could, I do this? If yeah. you could kill two bow bucks early season in Iowa, it would totally change my strategy. Absolutely. But since I can only kill one. I, man, I got to be really picky, and that makes it tough. That's why the private guys yeah. are more open, right? Because they've got their landowner tag, they so they it, can yeah. kill their two bucks early. Yeah, so then they get a gun tag, too. There you go. So Dude, is there a better scenario than an uh, Iowa landowner? Like no, three no. tags? Yeah, the, they're good. Oh, yeah. That's freaking nuts, man. Yeah. It's it, crazy. Pretty sweet deal. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it's uh I mean, we get... We'll we'll have this will be the first year in Illinois. We'll actually have a Illinois non-resident landowner archery oh, and nice. a regular non-resident. So we could kill two bucks in Illinois with our bow this year. Oh, wow. here, here would be the cool. the max the best that our season could could get. And maybe you have some variables to throw in this too. We're gonna go to North Dakota early and try to kill some muleys. Muleys be awesome to start with some success there. Um, Ohio and Kentucky for you are the main farms. Yep. You know back back home. Mm-hmm. But then pretty quickly we're gonna start looking at. Iowa and Illinois, because yeah. we're going to draw Iowa this year. We've been putting for, for five, six years. And Illinois, we bought that farm last year, and I think it's got some serious potential. So at a maximum, that's I mean. That's a great season right there. That's, and we're not going to try to take on more than that. We're going to intentionally not go to yeah. Kansas. Mm-hmm. Uh, truthfully, I don't know. Like, I'll probably prioritize Iowa over Illinois this year. Probably. Just mm-hmm. because we that's rare. Like, you yeah. don't, you know, Illinois is over the tag mm-hmm. or over the counter, and you get two. Yeah. It, it's a weird thing, because, like, this year, we basically, like, we did Kansas, I did Kentucky, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois. I shot a buck in Illinois, and I ate tags everywhere else, and I had a blast mm-hmm. doing it. Like, my, my youngest killed a buck opening day in Pennsylvania, which was, like, you know, freaking crazy. Yeah. Like, we, we celebrated so hard September 30th, you know, and we hunted a lot of different bucks in Kentucky, had a blast doing it. Our Illinois trip was amazing. You know, I had such a great season. Yeah. This past Kansas, year. I mean, was talk about awesome. like just in, oh, and, yeah. and have it living it to its potential. I saw a one eighty on public land in Kansas nice. with like no, I mean, just complete thrown to the wind. Like, where are we going to sit? Because we were just pushed out everywhere. I turn around and there he is. It's wow. like Dude. Awesome. those those bucks that I killed in Illinois that all of us killed for me, frankly, was like just cherry on top. Because yeah. like I, when I killed that buck in North Dakota, like that was such a. So, it like, pushed the pressure off of you immediately. It was yeah. such, and yeah, it was it a giant buck, and I was like, "This is the pinnacle of what it's I could like have first imagined." Week this of trip. September, and you're like, "Yeah, you're Here we go. It was up, amazing, like, and then yeah. to get to go to like this farm that we bought in Illinois and kill these two bucks. I mean, they're both mid forties bucks, yeah, you and got on a roll. I was just like, "It's awesome." I couldn't believe it. It was yeah. amazing. I felt super, yeah, super blessed so by this past fast, season. Dude. Yeah. yeah, it does fly. We talk about it. And we're yeah. like, oh, you know, first week October. We got so much to and it's February. It's, yeah. And I we're know. like, what? And like he was saying Crazy. about deer camps, I didn't grow up hunting, so I never really got to experience that. So this past season, I went out of my way and hurt my hunting to do all, like, I did like five deer camps. Dude, yeah. it is. And it was just totally different mentality. Like, yeah. It's yeah. so Some awesome, Some guys man. are really serious camps. Other camps, they could care less. You're just hanging yeah. out, doing whatever. Yeah. It's I mean, hard, man. I mean. It was pretty fun, though. It's like I, I never bet. got to experience that. And it's like a dying out thing, too. I mm-hmm. mean, I did, I did deer camp from the time I was nine years old till I think the last camp we did as a family, I was probably 28 or so. I'm, I'm 39. I'm almost 40 now. And so I I find myself mainly because my kids are eight and twelve like trying that that's where I'm at especially if I look at twenty four is like I know how impactful that was on my life and I'm like man 
if I don't do that for my kids, I'm failing them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, like, you know, I, I man, I gr- was grinding so hard as a kid trying to kill a deer and, you know, s- sterno cans and hand warmers and stuff. And, like, my kids could go to a box blind with a heater and yeah. kill a buck over a food plot. And I, you know, I don't, like, we have fun doing it, but slowly I'm like, man, I know what turned me into the hunter yeah. I am now. Yeah, exactly. And yep. it wasn't that. It wasn't that, yep. Yeah, the so, grind. Yeah. Is what well, dude, you. you're in a cool position too with your kids to like bring them into what we're doing, which is building community like with these guys yeah. right here. And like, so, you know, as we get success under our belt, we tend to turn more towards wanting to do it with people that we care about oh, yeah. too. So like, and over the years, you know, there's been like, you know, we can dream about these camps where like, can you imagine if we got X, Y, and Z together and we could go and do this thing? And we can, like, we yeah. just, it's just a matter of making the time for that and yeah. like getting everybody on the same page. But yeah. we, that's for us, for the next foreseeable future is like, mm-hmm. in addition to the goals that we have for ourselves, for the deer we want to kill and stuff, it's, it's an equal goal to try to do it with the people that we're building relationships oh, yeah. with. Yeah, stuff. you're right. That's a big part of it. All your friends and, you know, whether it's, you know, social media or just like a deer camp friend, it's like, it's yeah, great man, to it's have, awesome. have that and yeah. sh- get to share. Like I said, Randall, I want to come see you in Iowa, you know, just, just, yeah. he said, I'll come down. I don't care. I hunt with you. And it was you know, like amazing. You said, like dude, in, in a, another world, it's like, you know, the, the social media interaction might've yeah. been all it ever amounted to. And it's like, that's, it's cool. And it's nice that you have that support or whatever, but like there's people that you connect with to a level where you're like, can you imagine if we actually got to go and hunt with that? I feel that way about like Mick, right? In mm. Western Kansas, if the three of us went and hunted with Mick or like with these guys in the big woods, it's like, how cool would that be? And it's like, well, let's just do it. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Let's well, just do it. <laughs> I think to Rendell's point, like that is, um, you know, deer camp historically was family and very close friends. Like that was the deer camp you did. Even if your buddies hunted, like they went to their camp, you went to your camp. That has, you know, disappeared yeah, for, for better or worse. It's, it's disappeared. But what brings the opportunity is there's a lot of us now floating in this, this community who I think are looking for that. And we're out here, mm-hmm. right? We're, we're all out here floating. So the cool opportunity is to say, well, that's what you guys are looking for. And that's what I want to do. Like, yeah, let's do wh- it. where yeah, should let's we do that together? Yeah. And now you bring in this melting pot of like yep. how your family yep. hunted, how you kind of, you didn't grow up hunting. So how'd you get it? It's all of these different types of emotions and, and history and dude, the stories that would then, cause like, you know, I enjoyed it. Right. But I heard the same stories every year at deer yeah. camp, yeah, from yeah, my, yeah, which yeah. was cool to relive. Yeah. But now I hear Me Johnny's too. stories and I yeah. hear Randall's like those kind of things. It's like, man, it's like that, that is, it's a big opportunity for us as a deer community. So, you know, kind of what we were talking pre podcast is like, Jared and I are really kind of in this mission with this podcast is like, how do we make deer hunting experiences for everyone? I don't care if you hunt public. I don't care if you hunt Iowa or you hunt Pennsylvania. How do we make all of our experiences as good as what we're experiencing? You guys, you can feel it from, like just that passion, right? Like that just acknowledgement of in the season, like oh, yeah. you guys know what I'm talking yeah. about. How do we stuff. make that accessible to everyone? How can somebody be that fired up in just in the moment? It's just like, just to feel that it's like, there's nothing like it. I live nothing from, like from it, season man. to season. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. what I want. Yeah. I want people to experience that with us or in their own situation, you know? Yeah. At the end of the day, we're all just hunters. So that's it, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's uh, and we all deal with different things at different community. We talk about wolves, we talk about public, private, we talk whatever. Like, we all di- deal with different things happening. Um, but like, 
I also think that we're probably as a community more accessible than we've ever been. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if we're using it appropriately right now. We're using it to like, it's a, it's a dick measuring contest. Hey, th- would you kill this year? Yeah, would I yeah. kill this year where we should be? I would rather hear, okay, cool. You killed that. Tell me the story about it. Yeah. Like how did it happen? What, what it came. Yeah. You don't hear that very and much. I think anymore. that's the big part of like a lot of my kills and the experience is like, Oh, that's a good story. Or just li- like you said, I know, when I'm with my fiance and I, someone hunts or you, I could start talking to me, you start telling stories, uh, you know, and yeah. she's like, so-and-so's a uh, husband hunts. You guys get along. We're over there talking. Deer <laughs> I don't care where he hunts, what state, what, how many deer he kills. On, like, yeah. And we can, we can relate just with the hunting thread and tell stories, whether it's yeah. shooting a doe or city hunting or hunting in a, over, it's like, it's just, it's yeah. great. To I mean, have there's that. just a fire dude between deer hunters. Like, yeah. uh, dude, I walk around my gym. I'll literally walk up to people and I'm like, you're a deer hunter, aren't you? Literally, I've done yeah, it yeah, yeah. tons of time, and they're like, "Yeah." And, and then it's like we're we're just best of friends at yeah, yeah. that point. Oh, and yeah, it's yeah. just like you have that connection, right? Like yeah. there's a, there's a brotherhood, right? It's like yeah, it's Michael was onto something there. Yeah, and it's you can just pick those people out of a cloud and to understand like that just that mindset that happens during the season and what it like feels like to. Yeah, when, yeah. I, when I passed those deer, that's what I thought, too. I was like, damn, that would have been a great story if I would have shot that deer. I know, but man. It's still a story, so. It is. It is. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there is a weird. Um, well, we don't care, dude. The yeah. fa- you could have, you know, you might as well have, right? Yeah, it's like the story much. is the same after the fact. The only difference is that deer had another year yeah. to go and you create another story, potentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it could be a giant this year. could yeah. be a giant, Smoking. man. That would be an even better story. Yeah. Or I can take Johnny out there and put him on one. There you go. <laughs> He's got three more years <laughs> to wait out there. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it is neat, um, you know, but I, I think that that's, that's kind of got to be the focus that we start wrapping around here, especially in, in, you know, the year moving ahead is that if we look at kind of where we all sit as a community, you know, we don't have to agree how each one of us hunts or, you know, the way that they do it and go about it. But, like, there's cool stories to hear about it. And as long as you're, like, if you come out of hunting season here on February 1st and say, man, you know, I killed one, but I had an awesome year though. That's all, that's what it should sound like. But I think if you listen close enough, there are a lot of people that are just saying they're unhappy with how the season went, Yeah. you know, and that should be the, even if you didn't kill a buck, the last thing you should be saying is like, you're unhappy. If that's yeah. the case, there's a problem we have to fix. Well, I think yeah. a lot of that's just social media pressure. Honestly, it is. like that's a big part that's, of the That's issue. the measuring contest right now. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, you know, Johnny, listen, Jared killed three bucks yeah, this year. Yeah, he didn't kill yeah. anything. He hammered him. I'm yeah. sorry, man. Like, you know, I bet your season sucked. He must not know. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know what you mean, yeah. And but it's, at the end of the day. Well, and according I mean, to Johnny, it was there was no luck involved. So. No. No <laughs> skill. <laughs> so I suck, Johnny. He's still I'm sorry. Sorry. Yeah. I just suck. What well, Rendell guys. I mean, yeah. Rendell, you, you obviously, I've even though you had a tough season, like, yeah. you're going to come out of that season and say, man, like, it still was hunting season. It was oh, awesome, yeah. right? And I, so, yeah, a lot of hunters I know that are great hunters, you know, haven't killed a deer in a season. Years. The guys who are killing, trying to kill big bucks, That's more than tough. likely, end with tag soup. Yeah. There's a pile of tags in their hands. And them are the guys that learned just being through the whole season and seeing a change. And they still loved yeah. it. Yep. So yeah. that that's the thing that I think has to, like, that's the message that has to continue to change is, like, you know, and frankly, some of the TV stuff has really pushed that hard against us with combinations of social media to where like, man, these guys have to fill 13 episodes. If they went yeah. 13 episodes with just stories and non-killing, guess what? Nobody's watching it. Nobody's watching it. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a reality, too, of declining access that is really hurting people's ability to, like, find the experience <laughs> that they want. 
you know, and so that, I mean, that's, uh, you know, we, we kind of need to be wrapping up here anyways, time, sure. t- time wise, but that's a lot of the conversation that we have is around there's, there's real, there's real issues that are facing hunters. Uh, you know, I think a lot of them pertain to access. People yeah. are losing places to hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, there's always public, but the experience is what it is, right? Yeah, You've been dealing with that bag. for years, you know, and, and uh, the more people that funnel in there, yeah. you know, it's, it's harder to get. It's yeah. tougher Certain tougher. states are better than others yeah. on the public, yeah. And there's also, you know, the social media element of like, hey, there's a pressure or there's a, a yeah. jealousy or a comparison factor where it's like, okay, it's, it's this or it's that. So, yeah, we kind of just have to pull ourselves out of that and just... Um, have realistic expectations for what a season yeah. can be based on the access that we have and stuff. And, and you can always gain more. Like, it's not just like what you have is what you have. Go out and try to make something for yourself. Yeah, it's all for perspective too. Like I got to hunt every day yeah. and that's right. I got to hunt every day like yeah. blood. And I live in Iowa. Like it's, even though it's public and it can be tough, I'm still grateful that I actually have the public land yeah. to hunt. Cause if I didn't have public land, man, I'd be screwed. Yeah, be screwed. Yeah. And if you wanted to kill a buck, you could go to buck this year. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. That, I mean, so that's what all, it comes down to. It's all in being what you think about it, perspective. Yeah. That's the and frankly, that's the vision and mindset that that has to change moving forward. Is that you know anybody that's kind of been in this space, especially with the social media and stuff, has felt the pressure of like, well, I could have killed that buck, but man, I might take shit for it, and. I remember multiple times where that's happened to me and I eventually thought, wow, that's fucked up. Like I, I should not have, I should like the fact that I was even thinking that somebody that I don't even know was going to make a comment. And that was why I didn't shoot that deer. Yeah. It shouldn't be in your mind at all. Should not be in your mind. Is it that weighs on you? Eh, Sometimes it popped in my head here. Where do you feel that pressure from? Just like, just oh, just like oh, everybody expects you to kill a giant. People DM me all the time. Hey, I noticed you didn't post a giant buck this year. What happened? Really? Yeah, all the time, wow. man. Like tons of messages, and then when wow. it could have been like, man, Randall, like d- give me a story. Like what was something yeah, cool that happened? This year? Was, that's how it should be. <laughs> well, that's pro- that's like, probably comes with the territory of being suck. known for killing giants. Yeah, I bet like rising and those pressure. guys get the same. I do. Yeah. Uh, truthfully, those look guys- at Winky. Winky had a really tough season, and we all, including you, imagine that. Yeah, what's going on? What's going on? We're like, man, I did actually. I loved his videos, though. They were good. Me too. They were honest. Videos, good knowledge. I learned a lot. I couldn't help but chuckle. I'm like, yeah, yeah. You you see what we're dealing with here? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I know, like, like the videos. I, I, when we filmed this year, we were at my camp down Ohio, and I said, make sure you film everything else because I, I'm not about. You know, we don't got six kills. Yeah, we're not going to put out a ton of content on kills. You know, it's going to be about where's Johnny at? What's he doing? Even people he meets, goes to see Randall. Like, make sure you got enough of that just to, you know, that's what it's all about, too, for me. Yeah, you can learn some, like a lot of uh, intros, and we go Mm -hmm. in and this and that, and don't kill, don't kill. This is like every day, don't kill. But at least you might put something here that, okay, I've been in that situation. I can learn something. And then John's not killing every day, but it's like. Well, Bo's story in Ohio of, like, because he and I were texting when it was, like, monsooning in there, and then he had that buck come up in his muzzle didn't go off yeah yeah and i was it was funny because i was like dude i was just sloppy and he's like well he's like actually that screwed me out of a buck yeah and it's like so there's a perfect case he didn't kill anything but i was like man i get it dude i was in that i was out there in that stuff yeah Yeah. well dude i i could kind of i mean i want to see i want to see somebody be successful and and achieve their goal or and all it's fun to see people kill big bucks but like dude when i am watching something like watching a piece uh, a film or something like that i want to feel something i want like that feeling that i'm talking about during the season like we're just like it's emotional like i'm just like 
you know, there's ups and downs and there's like, it's, I want to feel that when dude, frankly, some of that Heartland Bell Hunter stuff comes to mind and they sure. got, they got flack early on. Cause it was like, it was overly cinematic and stuff. But I was like, dude, I felt something while I was watching that. Like I could put myself there yeah. and like, so I, I really, from a content consumption standpoint, I appreciate production. You yeah, know I mean, I, I want I wanted to embrace, do a good job of. It's not just the kill. Yeah. It's like, hey, we filmed it, we killed it. It's, it's a story. It's a journey. It, yeah. I mean, I, I think, and maybe we kind of wrap it up. My big thing of where we sit now, like if you're if you're a hunter listening to this in February of twenty four, as we kind of look forward, is, it, and I find myself guilty of it, is man, we as a group are so desensitized to big bucks right now. Like you remember how cool it was to see like a twenty inch wide eight point hanging out of the back of a, of a truck mm-hmm. and like people being like, "Holy shit, that was a stud!" Now, do we see one seventies on social media, whether it's every kills day. or every freaking day? And so to the point where if Rendell calls me, he's like, "Yeah, I killed a booner." I'm like, "Cool, man." I should be like, "Dude, send me <laughs> pictures." Like, what yeah. what happened? And we're just, we're, we as a community are more desensitized than ever to big deer. And to me, that's, where do we go from here? What's above that? Yeah. Like, what are we going to, what are we going to chase? They don't get any bigger than that. Yeah, that's true. And it's, that's a scary thought in my mind to where even kids are, are like. You're right. Yeah. If it, they, them are the ones you got to look out for because they're looking like everybody's shooting. I need to shoot a big buck. And it's like, you need to You've shoot a spike. You've seen it. Also. I've seen kids you know? shooting at nine years old, shooting booners. And I'm like, Jesus, yeah. where does this kid go from here? And yeah. like, even in Iowa, like I'm nothing, dude. If you're not killing two hundos in Iowa, yeah. like you're not, you're nothing. That's like, a problem. Yep. Yeah. That's a problem. Like it should, it should we appreciate those two hundred? Absolutely. But at the same time, it's like, man, those deer should be so like put on a platform that like anybody that kills a, a two hundred, we're like, damn, that is an absolute freak. Can you imagine? And now there's a bunch of them that are killing yeah. to the point where I'm like, I I don't know, but I bet it's a, on two hands the number of like big ass deer out there in the whitetail country that are not known. Everybody knows they exist. You're, you're right. No thing. I, I, the reason I stick with the public land is because I know when I was 15, 120 some inch deer where I lived was huge, Giant. you know. And then I keep, I keep that, uh, in like in my mind. Like I want to, I want that, you know, to where if I was shooting 160s, 170 every year, it's like I, I just feel like I can't. Where do you go it, from? Yeah, that? where do I go? So I think I would like lose interest. So I stick with the public land and the harder hunt areas just because I want that. Hundred now it's 130, 140. It's like, oh man, you know, I'm like, I still get, you know, well, that, that excitement that, uh, in it, and I feel like I, I'll, I'll keep, keep it, ri- you know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I just feel yeah, like I, I think there's another side, like on the other side, I guess, of the score thing is like, in a way, like I know what you're saying. There's a desensitization, but like in a way, I'm I'm kind of okay with that. Like realizing that. There's no more skill to kill a 200-inch deer than there is to kill a 160-inch deer. Like, if they're the same age class If or he's there, he can be killed. Uh, yeah, essentially. And and ultimately, we all kind of understand now, like, with the technology that we have, like, it just comes down to owning the land or having access to where they live. Yeah. There's no reason that you shouldn't be able to go out to Lakoski's farm or wherever they're at and kill them. Mm-hmm. There's no reason, mm-hmm. right? So, I think it that, to me, sheds light on the fact that it is more about the experience you know, and who you share it with ultimately. It's like, you know, so when you're saying, well, people are going to give me flack about this. It's like, I'm not yeah. right. If you share it with us and we know what your situation is and what your mm-hmm. goals are and stuff, yeah. like we're going to be super happy for you. Cause you're, if you're happy with oh, it. Oh yeah. 
And on the other hand, when you when you do pass it, you still get shit anyway. Yeah, you still get shit. Haters are gonna hate, man. Yeah, exactly. it is what it is. If yeah. you don't have haters, you're you're nobody. <laughs> I learned yeah. that quick. Yeah, yeah. If it's you that, have haters, you made it. Yeah. It's that mystique <laughs> of the big buck that you know, and maybe it'll never happen again. But but I kind of yearn, like you know, that was the cool thing getting a, a North American whitetail back in the day when you see that cover buck and yeah. you're like, holy yeah, that was, shit, man! Yeah. And now like I see yeah. them all the time. Yeah, and I. You know, I couldn't wait to get that magazine. I just, I, I worry like where we go from here in terms of that desensitization to the, to the big buck is like, you know, do we all, or does this new generation feel like if they don't kill a booner, then they're, they suck at hunting and they quit. Like, I don't know. (laughs) Well, there's a lot of positive conversation happening. Like I think at this table, you know, and I told you we're talking to Bo the other day, like there's some guys that are really making a concerted effort to, uh, you know, put an emphasis on the experience of hunting, mm-hmm. especially yeah. white tail hunting moving forward. Mm-hmm. A lot of good discussion is happening. And I'm like, I'm, I'm optimistic about, you know, what, what we'll find. I think if we keep having them, I think we're getting better. In fact, I think we were, we were going down a dark path, maybe even two or three years ago. And I think the more conversations we have like this, the more open conversations we have, the more that people realize like, yeah, maybe these guys aren't off the wall. Like a deer camp sounds awesome to be together or just going out there and having a great experience and killing whatever, a two-year-old, eight, I don't care. Like whatever makes you happy and we can come back and enjoy it and drink beers and skin that thing. Yeah, and the more that, like you said, but the more people that are doing that, then that's, that's more of the norm and like that's attractive. Yeah, to a point. You know? I mean, you know, I know they get a lot of shit, but I mean, the hunting public has has tried to make that stuff cool again, that yeah. excitement, that camaraderie aspect of it. Sure, Maybe they, they get shit for shedding light on certain areas. I don't think they try to do that. Yeah. Have they brought more people to public land? 100%. I don't think there's any denying of that. But it's a fine line between that and what they're doing, which is like, man, those guys have fun. They yeah. enjoy it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so if if more people, and you know, as much as I love them and I grew up with them, as more of these A-list TV guys kind of, fade into the horizon and this new wave comes up that really embraces the fun, the experience, the the journey, the adventure of it, we can displace that. We can get away from the monster buck era and come back to the deer camp era, which was fun. Yeah. Hunting was fun. I'm not saying you can't kill giant bucks because I think you can do that, yeah. but you could also have fun doing it. Well, and we find exactly. ourselves in a situation of like, I'm we're going to continue to advocate for I want everybody to be able to, if, if you want to kill monster bucks, I want that to be a possibility. Sure. I, that's what I want to do. Yeah. Right. And if you just want to, you know, uh, you know, kill deer for me or, you know, uh, have a, you know, a camp situation or I want that to be a possible, I want yeah. all of those to be possible. Mm-hmm. I'll never, you know, get mad or bash anybody for promoting hunting because it's awesome. And like, if I want to promote it, mm-hmm. it comes down to, we need to have conversations that hopefully will open up access and for people to be able to access the types of properties that they want to hunt and kill the kind of deer or have the types of hunting camps that they want to have. Yeah, for sure. I never thought I'd say this and Johnny will get it, but I think people have to pay attention to fricking Pennsylvania. Yeah. We've done it right. We mm-hmm. still have, as much as we're bar- barely holding on to it, we still have a very good deer camp tradition. We have great public land. And you know what? We can kill big-ass deer yeah. in the state. And if you want to just get meat, Johnny's go like, shoot a doe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Shutter, but it's just, I mean, we're running a little long here. We're going to cut yeah. this off. I'm going to be at your house this fall. Johnny. Who, who would have thought that 20 years ago that I'd sit here and say, Damn, right. out of all the states that are out there, we may be doing something right here. Yeah. From a hunting from a deer hunting well, so, standpoint. So many states are so close. Like if they could ju- I mean, and we'll end on this note here. Like, dude, if Ohio would ban this baiting <laughs> thing here, 
it would be it would be that everybody could still do what they wanted. Nobody really wants to hunt over a corn pie if they're yeah. honest about it. Yep, it, we could have that. Every and a lot of states have situations where it's like a, a few minor uh, changes could really. I think give people the long term result or experience that they're looking for out of a deer hunt. And frankly, I, they wouldn't fly, fly to your state oh, to do yeah, it if they, they if their right. state was right. That's right. One thing I one thing I thought be they should do in like some of these states is take, you know, some of this public these smaller tracks and just limit the amount of hunters on it. Yeah, draw types. You know why not? Because you have a lot of land that you know they the state gets their money and all these guys you know maybe three four thousand I've seen it acre piece that's primo habitat but I won't go near because there's so many guys. So many which, guys. Yeah. They just get their money, but if it's like hey let's step back and like make this a lottery and they, there are some areas that are at like but so then you got your option to go hunt a public land with maybe 140 inch deer or you got the rest of the land for, for what you want to do and but you'd i have think, a good experience i think that's a to me i like that's a big well, thing you, i think about is just like putting some of this public into like a with more guys i think you have a, to in the lottery. limited states like iowa ohio has very limited public i think yeah like, ohio is a state i think they need to like take chunks and say hey, we're just only letting 300 people here you yeah. got to put in a lottery and like make ooh, a huge ooh. difference. So if you're one, well, the guess one, what? You know? dude, not just on the public, but like if you got rid of baiting in Ohio, yeah. I I know that there's a lot of guys that feel the way that we. Feel. The only reason we're all like at odds with each, it seems that way is like everybody's so protective over their stuff. Nobody's going to let you cross their property line is because the resource that exists on the properties are so limited yeah. because they're so heavily sought after and hunted, and we have every tool to be able to do it. If you had a mature, uh, you know, a, a, a more healthy age class in Ohio, I think you would see more private landowners open up their. I certainly would. I've got a thousand acres yeah. out there. You know how many people I would love to take. I would love. Mm-hmm. Jeremy doesn't even hunt my stuff, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. we don't. I don't have the deer to offer. <laughs> yeah, it's just like I don't even have the deer to offer. <laughs> if you know I got I mean? twenty bags of peanut M and M's. I'm more likely to give some to Johnny. If I only Sorry. got five peanut M&Ms, hell no, Johnny ain't getting shit. <laughs> right. You're not going to tell him about it. I'm eating them. Right. He's going to eat That's jerky That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy, man. It, it We're all around something there. And I don't mean to put the spotlight on kind of those those old A-list TV guys, but, man, they, they really brought it out to a lot of people of how it should be. I think if more people now, especially from the digital content creation and things that we're all working on, the more people that start talking about experience and camp and camaraderie mm-hmm. and fun yeah. and it it will it will catch on it will eventually push itself through but states are going to have to make some changes whether that's bait whether that's cell camera bands yeah. that allow you to monitor and lock up large tracks i don't even have to hunt it i can just monitor it and if a buck shows up i'll go hunt it yeah. if not no big deal those are the things that are limiting access right now that that ultimately is throwing a big deal Lottery system on some public areas would be great as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just at some point, you know, even with decreasing hunting hunting numbers, we are finding ourselves in a place where there's not enough places to hunt. Mm-hmm. That's a major issue with declining numbers. Yeah. Well, they're, they're hand in hand. I mean, we're losing hunting numbers. Yeah. Not solely because of access. There's a, a, like a societal decay issue, frankly. But think about 20 years, 20 years ago, there were probably, there's probably less public than there is now. And yet I don't, I never heard anybody bitch about yeah. where to hunt. Yeah. Well, it's like when I'm driving across from Iowa to get here, 20 years ago, it'd take me 20, 30 minutes to drive through Indianapolis, Columbus. Yep. Now you're in the city for a freaking hour Just straight expansion. or more. <laughs> the expansion of. Yeah. Urban is insane. It's ate mm-hmm. up so much farmland, and that takes away a lot of hunting opportunities. Yeah. And that tightens up your resource. Like he was saying, guys are less willing to give you access just because of limited resource. That old 100-acre farm is now 
10, 10 acres with custom homes on every yeah. one of them. Yeah. Like it, it, it just is continuing to factor down. But the fact that our loss of hunters hasn't balanced out with access availability is what's scary. Like yeah. we still don't have enough access and we've lost a lot of hunters. Yeah. Where, where is that line? When's that going to stop? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Because technology's made that gap. There you go. So anyways, cool. Great podcast. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah, no, we appreciate you coming in and Johnny stopping down here. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, if uh, if anyone's listening to this, when's this dropping, Nick? The 6th? When's okay. this going to So if, uh, if you're listening to this, you could still stop by the Osseo booth and see Rendell yeah. at the Great American Outdoor Show. Um, and that'll be till whatever, Sunday, the 11th yeah, the or something 11th, like that. Nine days straight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good times. He's so excited. Yes. Everybody come see him. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, we appreciate everybody listening to episode 168 of Hunter podcast and we'll catch y'all next week. Later. It's take me. Oh.